you know, here. What's up? I was thinking about something. What were you thinking about, bro? I was thinking about what's going on in the earth, right? What's happening in our minds? Yeah. Oh. And I wondered, why does it matter? We're about to find out. <laughs> Holy find shit. Out. Ready? Ready. Let's <laughs> get it. Welcome to Earth, Mind, and Matter. We said, fuck it. Let's talk about albums. So let's talk about some movies and some fucking comics. This week in the universe, across the internet. No, no, so no. What's up, Javi? <laughs> what's going on, Frankie? No. What the fuck no. happened? Yes. Yes. <laughs> no, Frankie. Yes. <laughs> what happened? I left my dick at home. Ah, that's all right, bro. It's all right. <laughs> Just uh, Uber Eats it. Dude. Uber Eats your dick. Now I got it. Now I got to wait till tomorrow mm-hmm. to get my dick. Like, I uh, got to wait like shipping or what? Well, no, because I'm not uh, going home tonight. Oh, uh, where are you going? I'm going to the club. My oh. 4 a.m. raves. Oh, 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 your 4 a.m. raves. I completely forgot about that shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. Come on. I'm a terrible person. It, <laughs> I'm ter- you know, I get it in right before work oh, yeah. now. It starts at 4 a.m. or it finishes at 4 a.m.? It starts at 4 a.m., uh-huh. done by 8. What's the pregame? Uh, well, no, I just sleep so that <laughs> you could like, be refreshed I, for the rave. Yeah, because mm. you know raves. It, I mean, that's it's a long rave, four hours. Yeah, it's kind of long. You know, I, I got to stay nice, nice and refreshed. Refresh, like uh, Vero, Vero. What? Like Vero? <laughs> like you know Vero? The word? No. What? You don't know what Vero? Before that, I was gonna say, what do you think about people who uh, do the silent discos? Like oh, you know, that, that's so weird. <laughs> that's like because because <laughs> I get it. Okay, Vero means. Having strength, energy, and a strong sex drive. <laughs> Typically used of a man. So if like a man is Vero. How do you spell it? V-I-R-I-L-E. V-I-R-I-L-E. So Vero. Like, like, oh, I've always. Oh, I thought that was pronounced viral. No. Oh, I must. Whoa, we got the. Oh, shut the fuck up, TV. All right. Look. No, Vero. All right. Okay. All right nice. Okay. I know some things. Yeah. So you got, we want to be Vero for the raves. You know? <laughs> I feel southern when I say Vero. <laughs> Why? Because like it feels like there's molasses molasses coming out. Vero. <laughs> but I was gonna say so the the silent discos right or whatever the fuck it's called. Why do they do that? Yeah. I it, it's I think it's mm-hmm. just for like really introverted people mm-hmm. and like really like social an- anxious people that like uh-huh. don't like interaction and things like that. Also, so you just want to hear the music and shit like yeah, that. Yeah, you just want to enjoy the mm-hmm. music and stuff, but you don't want to actually interact with anyone. I think it's silly, bro. I think it's silly because it's like. What the fuck are you doing, bro? Like, you, you understand? Nobody looks cool silent discoing. Not hating on it or nothing, but like when you're just passing by it and you're doing a silent disco, it's like, yo, bro, what the fuck is happening over <laughs> here? These people just seizing <laughs> with Dude, lights on their heads. There's this uh, uh, movie called The Lobster uh, with mm. uh, Colin Farrell in it. That's the the lobster. Is it like a serious movie or a funny? Yeah, movie? it's a drama. It's a it's about like um, I might be thinking about the wrong thing, but it's just like people who hook up with one another that are like different animals, right? Uh, you got a pig or a lobster or some shit like that? Uh, Something like that, right? The the premise <laughs> is, is uh-huh. that it's in a world where relationships are enforced uh-huh. by like the government and stuff. There we go. And That's so, crazy. And so it, uh, whenever you become single, you basically go to like a singles hotel where mm. you are uh, expected to match up with a new partner. Mm. And, and if you fail in doing so, then you are turned into an animal. Oh, shit. And, um, That's so crazy, bro. They, in, the, in this society, like people are just because the, the whole movie is a social commentary mm-hmm. on relationships and society and stuff yeah. and so it really kind of like exemplifies how like being in a relationship or the social 
expectations of a relationship are mm-hmm. very toxic, mm-hmm. but at the same time, mm-hmm. people that are single can be very toxic because you see that there's a whole uh, society or not. There's a whole people in the society that are single. Mm-hmm. And uh, you need to have papers that show that you're married or something like that. So these single people live out in the woods Mm -hmm. and shit like that. So it's like kind of excluding the single people from society because to be in a relationship is like accepted as a societal norm. Yeah. Like a nuclear family almost type shit. Yeah. Okay. And so there's a scene where the single people Mm -hmm. be and kind of like I was saying that like they can be a little toxic as well. Mm -hmm. They uh, uh, sounds like the movie's just saying we're all toxic. (laughs) They should have called it yeah. just toxic. But <laughs> Featuring like, Colin Farrell. There, there's a scene where um they uh have a silent dance party because they're <laughs> like, yeah, you know, like, because these single people are mm. really enforced in their idea of like, no, relationships are dumb. Yeah, yeah. You're not allowed to hook up or anything like that. Dance parties so- with full volume music is dumb. <laughs> <laughs> so they so uh-huh. they just place like the silent uh, dance parties so that that way they mm. can have a party without actually interacting with each other. Mm. And so it's it's really interesting but i feel like you should still interact with one another you know i just feel like you don't hear anything else except the music i I mean in the movie you see that colin farrell actually starts to fall for one of the single people yeah and so uh they start sharing one earbud with each other and stuff Mm -hmm. like that and so it's like you see how they start to sort of break out of like those norms and whatever so it but I'm not going to spoil it. Yeah, movie it sounds like a that. weird movie. It sounds it's like it's really point. weird, yeah. but it's really good. I hear it's I, good. It's like a classic, I hear. Like, I, I've mm-hmm. watched it like maybe two or three times now. It's pretty mm-hmm. good. Did you watch it in Spanish? No, I have not. What's the last movie you watched in Spanish? Um, Pan's Labyrinth. Oh, that's the movie with the with the hands and the eyes on the uh-huh. hands, right? That's not funny. I never seen that movie before. I <clears throat> I actually never finished it. I got halfway through it, yeah. and then I got you were really like, "What tired. the fuck are they saying?" <laughs> and then I got really tired, and I was like, "I'll finish it tomorrow," uh-huh. and I just never got back to it. Man, that movie, The Lobster, makes me think of her with Joaquin Phoenix. Uh-huh. That movie's fucking weird, man. They showed that movie to me in school. Bro. I love that movie. No, I love her. It's a good, it's such a good movie. <laughs> it's, a, it's a great movie. It's only I love gonna that little virtual uh, uh, video game character. Yeah, he's like, <laughs> follow me, little fuckhead. <laughs> <laughs> He's just like running. <laughs> I forgot about the little fucking character. If you haven't seen her, watch that fucking movie. But that movie only ages, it ages like fine wine, that movie. Because it's definitely the future, right? With like AI, VR coming out to life and everything. And it's fucking weird, man. Joaquin, I'm starting to think Joaquin Phoenix is just a fucking weirdo <laughs> for like all the roles he He takes. definitely is. Joaquin Phoenix is definitely a weirdo. Yeah. Like he definitely has like a weird past and stuff like that oh, okay, from, okay. from what I, I'm aware of. I, I don't mm. know too much, but he, yeah, he he's had like sort of a rough upbringing from what it seems like. I guess that's what it takes to be a good actor. <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here first, it, bro. Yo, tips man, and tricks, tips and tricks. You know, and uh-huh. I remember when he won his award, I think at the Emmys or something for um, his perfor- performance in Joker. Mm-hmm. Or Oscars, and, Oscars. Um, one of the awards. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't think it was the Oscars though, but Nickelodeon um, TV. <laughs> Yeah, the Kids' Choice Awards. But um, fucking, uh, like, I remember when he went up there. <laughs> kids' Choice Awards is so funny. <laughs> the Kids' Choice Awards. <laughs> I remember when he went up there, he oh. was, like, so serious in his thing. And, like, he didn't have much to say about, like, the film. Mm. He, he just started talking about the societal problems. Because oh, okay. at the time, the fires, fires were happening in Australia yeah, and stuff yeah. like that. And I was really watching the TV. I'm like, yo, man. Please don't pull out a gun. <laughs> <laughs> and this is how I stand this up the club. <laughs> Just shoots Leonardo DiCaprio. I was like, oh my god! I was like, please don't like, 
Please don't be a crazy motherfucker, Joaquin oh, Phoenix. Man. Please don't pull out a gun. That'd be some crazy shit, man. Like somebody I was doing like, that shit. Please don't imitate your movie. <laughs> oh my god, don't do it. There's this comedian who I uh, who I like very much. I've seen him live a lot called Ari Shafir, right? And he's kind of a crazy motherfucker. Like he really is a normal guy too, but he has like a lot. He's crazy dialogue, crazy comedy. You know, daring comedy. Uh, somebody that's been canceled right, in today's society, and for some reason, and I don't think this will ever really come to fruition or whatever but i always think the way he'll kill himself no the way he'll die is that he'll jump off a cliff with a gun to his head shoot himself in the head and just just have a big and live stream it or some shit like that you know <laughs> and and uh, not that it's like not, that, not to say that he's depressed or like i want that to happen it's just such a unique individual you get me and i feel like and he needs to die a unique death <laughs> <laughs> i just feel like somebody's gonna do i mean people do it all the time but just people like I wonder when is gonna be the first celebrity to have this epic, huge like broadcasted live you know death because that's how they need to go out you know because there's a lot of ego in celebrityism. I don't, I don't know. know, man. <laughs> I don't know. So, what? So weird way to start the episode. <laughs> but it's been a while. It's been a while, <laughs> yeah, you know. Man, but yeah. but uh, do you remember how to do the intro? Oh shit, I forgot. Uh, what is it? It's uh, what are we doing? Uh, I think it's something like. <laughs> Uh, it's something like, what are we doing on the earth? Yeah, what's happening in our psychological mindsets, and and what's happening and and why it matters. <laughs> yeah, man, this is earth psychological mindset and matter. This and is mind and matter. Yeah, yeah. Now, earth mind and matter. This is the show where we talk about what's happening in the earth, in our minds, and why it matters. This is earth mind and matter. If you're listening for the first time, I'm Frankie. I'm Javi. Welcome, and welcome. Yeah, welcome, welcome. And if it's, you're coming back, thank you for listening. Uh, yeah, we, man. We uh we've been off a couple weeks. <laughs> Took a little hiatus, but don't yeah. worry. We're announcing it now. When this episode comes out, yep. another episode's coming out the next day. Beow, beow, beow. Don't worry. Shout out to Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> so when you listen to this, you're like, oh man, it's nice that, that finally released an episode, mm. but I kind of wish like I had some more content. Don't yeah, worry. It's you're coming. getting more content. Literally the same fucking week. And then the next week, another episode. Yes, and sir. Then, and then that we're going to put out three episodes next week. Oh, oh. <laughs> Uh huh. <laughs> and then five episodes of next week after, and then every day we're gonna put out an episode. That'd be fucking crazy, bro. An episode every fucking day. Now nah, you get four hour episode nah. every fucking day. God damn. <laughs> By the fifth one, we just be here like, yo, what's happening on Earth? <laughs> In our fucking minds. <sighs> so, but now nah, it's good to be fucking be back, man. Um. It's just when you do, we haven't shot for a couple of weeks, right? And yeah, it just it feels like we haven't shot this in so long. I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah, do like, we even do a podcast? I was like, <laughs> at, at, before I was hitting record yeah. on my phone, I was just kind of like, am I ready? Like, <laughs> do I have everything I need? We blow like, off the dust of the mics. <laughs> 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 and then a fucking big bomb of dust just came off. And like, it's day. crazy what two weeks does. Like, oh, D. Like, I, oh, D. I really feel like the. I, this it's been like a month. Yeah, I don't even know who the fuck you are anymore, bro. <laughs> to be honest, yeah, we haven't seen each other in like two weeks. That's because <laughs> we've been working so hard on ourselves, self improvement, yeah. self. Uh, you know, thing things are happening in our personal lives. Mm-hmm. You know, I got a new job. Facts. Uh, starting shit up. Yeah, I also man. had two concerts. Yeah, bro. I've had three concerts in the last two weeks. Yeah, man. I've been helping orphans. Um, I've been feeding kids with my uh, my my spoon. That's that's what you've been doing. Yeah, man, I've been feeding kids Dude. with my spoons and the orphans. I just kind of like go there, and I just kind of chill with them. I saw that oh, online yeah. mm-hmm. on Reddit. You did on on our dickheads. Uh huh. 
and <laughs> I was like, wow, what a dickhead. Nah, man. I, I mean, I tried my hardest. <laughs> I, tried, I gotta feed those kids, bro. I don't know which kids I'm feeding, but I'm feeding them. And it's super crucial to the environment, and it's super crucial to my skincare. It, I, I could totally imagine some kids are probably just coming in for seconds, and mm. they just doing like the old like finger mustache <laughs> trick, and you're just falling for it. I'm like, who the fuck are you, kid? <laughs> Let me feed you. <laughs> I've been busy too, but I've just been fucking working. I think that's what it is ultimately. But I think what also comes goes to show is that consistency is key. And like, man, again, taking two weeks off is just, it's kind of like a, you gotta just go right back into it, you know? Mm. But again, it's good to be back. It's good to be here. And I'm fucking hype, man. I'm fucking hype. It's, uh, shout out to fucking Fiji Water for sponsoring this episode. Shout out to Sierra Nevada's Hazy Little Thing IPAs. Yeah, for actually sponsoring this video. We're getting $6,000 each. Yep, yeah, yep. man, it's crazy. But it's getting paid in installments. Mm-hmm. Installments, so a um, dollar a day. A dollar a day, I'll take it. Six thousand. I got six thousand days left. How many days do you think the per, an average person lives for? Like not years, the days. Uh, ooh, that's a lot of math. Just say things so I can Google. I, I'm gonna uh, say. I like, almost looked it up in the dictionary. Because <laughs> 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 that, that was I looked up Vero already. <laughs> um. Oh man, I like at least ten thousand days, right? That's got a ten thousand. At least, I feel like that's even way less. I feel like it's got to be like at least a hundred thousand days. All right, let me actually check. So I know we the easy thing to do is in in years, but let's see because Google didn't want to give me answer. Let's see. But so eighty, uh, it's eighty years of the average lifespan, right? Okay. So I guess I'm not really particularly for wife uh, for wife alone. You know, uh, woman and men, or men uh, and woman, uh-huh. or this or that, or X and Y, or uh-huh. Uh-huh. all this stuff. So what is eighty years? In days. In days. <laughs> oh, man. This is the hardest thing I've ever had to Google. It's 29,220 days. Wait, start over? 29,220 29, days. 29,000. Okay, so I was a little off saying 100,000. Yeah, that's kind of like disappointing, to be honest with you. Like 29,000 days? That doesn't sound as good as 80 years. Well, you know? what's that Um, mm. one movie, three like 365 days of summer or something, something like uh, 500 that? 500 days of summer. That's days a summer. sad movie, that's bro. a sad movie. I like that movie, though. It's a good movie. I like that movie when I want to just like cuddle up with my, uh, what's it called? Your snuggie, my snuggie, and what's the my pillow pet? Yeah, my pillow pet. <laughs> I, I knew you were gonna say that. I, if you if you didn't say it in a second, I was gonna say it. <laughs> and I wear my uh, I wear my home tiara, you know, it makes it feel pretty. And, yeah. I, and I have my blue lights on for my light bulb that changes colors. And I cry. <laughs> oh man, I um, what, what was I gonna say about that movie? That's like. Mm. Uh, that's like the kind of movie that you watch when like you, you're going through a breakup uh-huh. and you kind of want to be reminded of the good times. Facts. And you're like, yeah. And then it just ends so like, oh, what the fuck? This is not happy at all. <laughs> this is all sadness. <laughs> Paul Rudd is in that movie, right? Uh, is he? Is it? Oh, um, no, no. It's Jordan Gordon-Levitt. Jo- Joseph Gordon-Levitt. They're the same people. <laughs> They're the same. Some, some actors are the same people, bro. <laughs> but not black actors. You can't say that. <laughs> but there's a lot of black actors are the same. I, um, I remember seeing like a, a meme once where it was kind of like, yeah. oh, you know, how, I don't know why it's racist to say that like all Hispanic mm. people or all like Asian mm. people look alike yeah. when all white people look alike. And it was just a picture of like all these white, blonde, yeah. blue-eyed women that just all look the same. Yeah, it was like thirty of them. No, no, I, I mean it's fucking true, man. Because like, if you first of all, I have, I have somebody that I work with, right, and they're Asian. I think they're Korean, but I'm not really sure. But their name is Bruce Lee, right? So for mad long, I was like, wait, what the fuck? Are you fucking kidding me? So then I asked him, like, your name is Bruce Lee, like Bruce Lee. He's like, yeah, mad happy and shit, right? Like, and I didn't feel wrong at asking that. 
But definitely, if you, because I've seen a lot of like black people look like black actors, right? And I'm always like, damn, I just want to say like, bro, you look like fucking what's her name from that movie, uh, Precious. <laughs> <You know? laughs> okay, you ever seen Precious? I haven't. It's a good movie. It's all right. Uh, but no, just any actor in general, right? Mm. But then you're like, if I go say that, you know. I don't know if they'd be happy or upset, but if somebody told me it I could be like, perceived wrong, whatever. Like, society, I mean, it's, it's perceived how I perceive it, how most people perceive it. Like if somebody said, like, "Yo, you look like Dan- Danny Trejo," <laughs> machete, I'd be like, "Yo, thanks, bro." I'd be like, thanks. you should dress up as Danny Trejo for Halloween. That'd be so dope. <laughs> but, but then you understand, like, dressing up like Danny Trejo is just dressing up like a Mexican, <laughs> like with the mustache and everything. <laughs> I mean, I feel like he has such a distinct look. He's got like the vest and stuff. Yeah, like, true, true. He's got the super long mustache. So you're telling me Danny Trejo isn't just Mexican Hulk Hogan? <laughs> I mean, I guess he kind of is when you when you when you put it in that light. He really looks exactly like him. I don't know who came first, to be honest with Yo, you. Have I told you that uh-huh. I'm thinking of dressing up as Pablo Escobar for Halloween? <laughs> yeah, because like when my hair is wet, and you got the mustache. And it shit looks like a that? lot like his hair, bro. Narcos. And like if I just put like a pillow under my shirt to give myself the gut, I could I probably do. pull it off. And actually have cocaine with you hey i i i was telling sammy <laughs> at starbucks that uh fucking i'm gonna take link with me and i'm gonna wrap link in duct tape and say that link is the coke that link is the product link is javi's white dog it's mad funny that's actually really fucking funny but then you get somebody who's like you know you can't dress like that that's very very offensive to actually me and i'm gonna be like oh <laughs> <laughs> If you didn't say that in two seconds, I would have said that. <laughs> exactly, bro. Nah, that's a good ass idea. I was actually thinking about dressing like um, Ashley Tisdale. Oh, I yeah, dyeing yeah. your hair and everything, doing it blonde, nah, or just, just a name tag net version. Just a uh, name tag, Ashley Tisdale. You should just wear a white shirt that says mm. "I'm Ashley Tisdale." That's what I'm thinking about doing. Yeah, bitch, bitch. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I. Nah, I've always one of my. I've never done it, but one of the things that I've always wanted to do is because for Halloween, I don't want to dress up like anything sporadic. I just want to be basic items. <laughs> so like one day I wanted to be like a flip phone. <laughs> The other day I wanted to be like a pair Would of scissors. Would you actually like clothes? Would you just like fold half your body? Like if I wanted to end the conversation with somebody? <laughs> I'm so done with this. <laughs> and then they have to walk away before I unbend over. <laughs> or like just something like a lamp, you know? That I feel like those are the best costumes, you know? A jar of jelly. <laughs> Bruh. That yeah, I man. would I would think you're just doing like a Blue's Clues thing. What do you mean? Because like all like the household items and Blue's Clues were like living and oh, stuff. Yeah. Like what is this Blue's Clues or some shit? <laughs> Probably, bro. Probably I'll be Blue's Clues. I'll be Steve. Rest in peace. Rest I, in peace. Oh, man, he's not dead. He's not dead. No, he's not dead. <laughs> you he's know gonna who be at Comic Con. No way. Yeah. If he doesn't wear his green sweater, bro, just tell him to go home. <laughs> just tell him to go home, bro. Fuck it. I don't know who that Asian guy was afterwards though, but Daniel or whatever. Well, after like, Steve was Joe. Oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops! <laughs> I, it's because Joe was so unrememberable, <laughs> and then the Asian guy came. I, not that he's Asian, I hate him. I just I didn't I didn't care for him. <laughs> or maybe or maybe you just hate Asian people so much he stuck out to you. Maybe Asians. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I love Asian people. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I do. I do. I do. I do. I love all people. So. Especially Asian. <laughs> I only love Asian people. I, this is, I don't even like myself, bro. I would like myself more if I was Asian, bro. <laughs> so, oh, what's up? Oh, by the way, uh, shout out the Instagram. Oh, uh, that's right. Instagram, follow us on Instagram, Earth My Matter Pod, mm-hmm, TikTok, mm-hmm. Earth My Matter Pod, YouTube, Earth My Matter, and mm-hmm, look out mm-hmm. real, real soon for the Twitter. 
the Truth Social, <laughs> yeah, and Donald Trump's social media, and maybe Getter, G E T T R. Look out real soon for those. <laughs> we'll be on there. Yeah, I almost, I, I can't believe we almost forgot that. You know, been two weeks. I know, man. <laughs> it's time to get back on track. Amateurs, look at us, pussies. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, as we do, we mm-hmm. have our news section where we go over three stories. Yes, we do. And the three stories that I got picked out for you today. Mm-hmm. First one. Will the spiraling publicity harm Don't Worry Darling at the box office? Mm, styles. The second story that I got for you, uh, if I could fucking find it, is going to be called The Mystery Behind the Crime Wave at 312 Riverside Drive. Oh, shit. And then finally, we're going to talk about the GTA 6 leak that happened in the last week. That I have heard a lot about, but I've only heard just a little about, but I'm interested as to what's, what's going to go down, how yeah. that's going to go down. And so for the AMC section, we'll get to it later. Yeah. Um, sort of album, movies, and comics section. Yep. And we'll we'll get to that later. But anything else you, you, you got you to say before we just jump into the news? God bless America. <laughs> <laughs> that's all I got to say, you know? <laughs> nice. <laughs> and Haiti. Oh, okay, and, Haiti, and, and Haiti. you know what? What's up? Shout out to Puerto Rico. Shout out to Puerto Rico, that ass, for having some good ass food. No, I'm kidding. No, <laughs> they do have good that ass. That only. That's <laughs> <laughs> stupid. Now they're going through what the the hurricane or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's stupid, fucking crazy over there. So, I mean, I, I immediately get flashbacks to Donald Trump fucking throwing napkins to the Puerto Ricans. Do you remember that? It fucking it's so funny, man. Like it's not funny in the sense of like true, truth. just like stupid funny. <laughs> yeah. That's like if uh, I don't know bro That's just hilarious But I know I, That I haven't actually Kept up a lot with But I've just seen A lot of people talking about <clears throat> But it's just sad Because I know a lot of people are Losing power And this and that and It's not the first time I think these things have happened And um, I did see one headline That was kind of crazy Not to bring up Trump again But there was an article I didn't get to read it Because I don't have Apple News Plus Damn, it, I know, man. Cheap ass, cheap ass motherfucker, man. I'm already cheap paying for every time. How many bitch. days you work and you can't afford <laughs> Apple Plus News? Fuck Apple Plus News, bro. Get a load of this fucking nah, guy. Bro, I only read cheap from, ass motherfucker. I only read from Time Magazine and highlights. You, you <laughs> love looking at ads, don't you? You're like, ooh, target yeah, me, baby. Bro. But fucking, uh, apparently Trump wanted to trade Puerto Rico for Greenland. You yeah, hear about what? that? Yeah, no. man. The, the article said Trump wanted to trade Puerto Rico for Greenland, and yes, he was serious. So I kind of wanted to pay that ten dollars, bro, because that was an interesting article to skip out on. But you can find those articles outside if you just Google it. Honestly speaking, that's true. But I should have read it. <laughs> should have read it. It is what it is. But uh, yeah, so mm. I'll just I'll just jump into the news. Jump in. So again, first story I got for you. Well, the spiraling publicity harm. Don't worry, darling, at the box office. Mm. And so, if people don't know, don't worry, darling, is a newest movie by mm-hmm. Olivia Wilde. She is an act- actress turned uh, director. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't really remember too many of her actress roles. The yeah. only thing I can really remember her as is, um, if I remember her name correctly, Psylocke or something like that in, mm-hmm. in the X Men, the newer X Men movies. Okay. Uh, but she eventually became a director. Her first film came out in 2019. It was called Booksmart, mm-hmm. and it was a really good movie. Okay. And so, after. Uh, the success of Booksmart, it didn't do like amazing the box office. It was mm-hmm. pretty modest, but the fact that it was such a well-made film really made her. Uh, really, and she was an actor in that sense, or that was she, when she was directing. That was her directorial debut. Got gotcha. you. So it so it just showed that she definitely knows what she's doing. So she instantly became a hot commodity in Hollywood. Nice. And so instantly going to 2020, mm-hmm. Don't Worry Darling was one of the hottest projects in Hollywood because it had the ascendant female director Olivia Wilde. Mm-hmm. 
and uh, it had actress of the moment shooting upward like a rocket, Florence Pugh, mm. and pop star's first major film role, Harry Styles. Mm. Which is crazy, man, because I um real quick I saw the I saw the trailer for that when I was in Philadelphia with Brian. And I was watching Nope, but the trailer for Don't Worry Darling came on. And not once did I notice that Harry Styles was in the movie. Like, you know, oh, really? and I respect Harry Styles. I think he's a good singer. I think he's like a future like legend in terms of music only because he's being real impactful today. But he's genuinely talented. I heard yeah. his live performances are exciting, but I heard he's not that good. Live, so I don't know how truthful that is. But I do think he's, like, he's a sensation that's rising to the top. I hope to see him live myself one day. Because that guy's very fucking popular, but his tickets are expensive as shit. I fucking bet. Jesus Christ, <laughs> they're expensive as shit. But I don't, know. I don't know. I respect. He has some good music, though, for sure. Yeah. Um. But now, with all the controversy surrounding this movie, mm. it is now being referred to around town as Kill Your Darlings. Mm. Um, I kind of said that with a southern accent. Kill Your Darlings. Daryl. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, this movie has a $30 million budget. That's mm. just throwing that out there real so quick. So much money. Um, but over the past month, the highly anticipated film has become a spectacle in all the wrong ways mm -hmm. with director Olivia Wilde self-immolating on the publicity trail. And it, this movie is only one of three Warner brothers films being released theatrically for the remainder of the year. So there's kind of a lot of focus on it for that reason, because it's like, they don't have too many films left for the rest of the year. This kind of needs to do well. Mm -hmm. Um, cause Warner bros has been going through a lot of. Ezra Miller and shit like that. That's just one of many <laughs> like issues that Warner Bros has been dealing with. Yeah, Ezra Miller is gonna be our president in the future. I swear <laughs> to God, bro. he can do no wrong. They can do no they wrong. Do no <laughs> wrong. <laughs> God damn it! <laughs> so, uh, the this article uh, from the New York Times was written on September twenty third. Mm -hmm. uh, this story I got from a lot of articles, but um, I kind of use the New York Times as sort of the backbone of this stuff. Okay, but I use a lot of, of other articles from me, including Vox, mm -hmm. um, The Cut, and Variety. Nice. Um, That's a variety. It's a variety. <laughs> but first signs of trouble arose in March when Wilde's personal life became entangled with her promotional efforts on a stage in Las Vegas. Mm. Her introduction of the Don't Worry Darling trailer was co-opted by a process server presenting her with custody papers from her ex-fiance, Ted Lasso star, Jason Sudeikis. Wait, so like she presented it purposely with those papers shown? Or no, was... she got served those papers oh, on wow. stage. Oh, that's fucking crazy, bro. That's disrespectful as shit. By her, like, wait, what was it divorce papers? By her, by her, yeah, by her ex fiance Jason Sudeikis. He gave it to her himself, or no, she, he, he didn't got do somebody it. The else. Process to do it. server, like you got served. Yeah, that's some bullshit right there, bro. That's some and fucked up shit. Maybe she did some fucked up shit to him. My bad, but that's kind of fucking crazy. I mean, like, so to to get a little context on that, Jason Sudeikis and Olivia Wilde were married for a while. They have two kids. Mm -hmm. They're both five and eight. Who is Jason Sudeikis? Uh, Jason Sudeikis. He's the dude from uh, Where the Millers. Oh, the glasses. Uh no. The Shakers. the the white dude of brown hair. White dude of brown hair. I just okay, I do not know who this is. You don't know who Jason Sake is? <laughs> I don't That's think crazy. So, I'm gonna see it. I'm gonna see it. Uh, he, he's he's such a well known like comedian actor. Uh, not I, to me. It's <laughs> crazy. He, he, yeah. he's in a he was on Saturday Night Night Live for like the longest. Uh, I know his name, but I don't know his story. <laughs> but uh but yeah, they were married. They had two kids. Okay. And then uh they split up. Um Damn. They they split up I think um in 2020 mm -hmm. or 2019. Oh shit, gossip girl over here. <laughs> I just learned this just stuff from no, reading the article. The, this whole article is like the most like celebrity gossip I've ever gotten. 
Harry Styles, <laughs> breakups, fucking. Right. But it, it's be, it's become a, a pretty hot no, no. topic. I didn't so know I'm about the, like I don't know about the papers, bro. That's crazy. Yeah, I because like again, context behind that, they they were married, they split mm. up, and uh, it seemed like things were amicable with, with their with their breakup and mm. stuff. It seemed like things were chill between them, mm. and then this happened. She Definitely. got served those papers, and Jason Sudeikis said that he had no idea that's how the papers were gonna get served. Yeah, all right, Jason Sudeikis. And yeah, he, all right, <laughs> and he. He he's uh-huh. he's really upset about it, and he's like, "I really wish that didn't happen, this and that, mm. whatever." But Olivia Wilde isn't buying. Yeah, it. I don't buy it either, bro. That's some she, bullshit, bro. She's <laughs> like, "There's no way yeah, this yeah. is malicious and whatever." Because that would mean that the person serving the papers would have to have been the one to be like, "All right, I need to do this now." For some, the reason. crazy thing too is that mm. again, this happened at the introduction of the trailer mm. at a, at a film festival. So that server like had to get in the festival mm. just to do that. It's like who gave him the authority That's to get I'm in there? Saying. I think Jason Sudeikis is petty, bro. I, I'm just—I <laughs> don't know. I think he's petty. I, I, really, I don't like this guy, bro. I don't fuck with the guy. I like Jason. Fuck Sudeikis. Jason Sudeikis. So it's like this story is just like I—I uh-huh. I, I go back and forth with it because I'm uh-huh. just kind of like I feel bad on 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 yeah. all parts here. That's crazy, bro. I mean, that's just unfair. But I mean, it could be just what happened to them but you're right they would have to have access to the show and this and that she was on stage when she got the paper mm-hmm. that's some bullshit but yeah so that that's kind of like how a lot of this stuff started to arise and mm-hmm. whatever but this spiraled into internet gossip over Pugh's lack of substan- substantive promotion for the film okay so Florence Pugh was not doing any promotion for the film mm-hmm. And this led to reports of clash between Wilde and Pew over the re- rumored onset affair between Wilde and Harry Styles. Mm. Because the Wilde is the director, right? Yeah. Okay. Because uh, it's it's supposed that uh, well, Wilde completely denies that she left Sudeikis for Styles. She says it's completely inaccurate. <laughs> this is so gossipy. It's so funny. I know. I'm not even like. I, oh, this is very interesting. It's just funny for me. It's just like Isn't he said it? this and she said that. Is, she said this and she said that. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> like. It's just funny because usually your stories are very like you know all our stories are very news based and like they they include the celebrityism and things. It's just so funny, bro. It's like oh my god, can you, have you did you hear? <laughs> and then Harry Styles in this is the perfect cherry on top of the most gossip story. It really is. <laughs> all right, so uh, the promotion wasn't done as much, and then Harry Styles and Wilde's affairs supposedly occurred. Yeah, because uh, mm-hmm. it like I said, she denies that she left Sudeikis for Styles because mm. the rumors are that she and Styles started hooking up on set of Don't Worry Darling. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. And then that led to their breakup between her and Sudeikis. So those are the rumors. I'm about to lean on my stomach and uh, flatter my feet back and forth <laughs> with my fans on my cheeks. <laughs> so gossipy in my pajamas, bro, next to my pillow pad. <laughs> this is... <laughs> this is like awesome. <laughs> my CD player. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and some tea. <laughs> I love this story. This is awesome. <laughs> this is awesome. <laughs> but uh so officially uh-huh. uh quote unquote officially Florence Pugh's lack of promotion is due to her filming of mm. Dune Part Two. Okay. Um, With Zendaya? Yeah. Okay. And uh in one of the rare moments where Pew spoke about the film, she grumbled at the idea of her performance being reduced to sex scenes. Mm-hmm. And she said in one interview, when it's reduced to your sex scenes or to watch the most famous man in the world go down on someone, it's not why we do it. 
It's not why I'm in this industry. Obviously, the nature of hiring the most famous pop star in the world, you're going to have conversations like that. That's just not what I'm going to be discussing because this movie is bigger and better than that. And the people who made it are bigger and better than that. And some something that the article kind of pointed out is that she doesn't reference Harry Styles by name at all. Like she just refers to like the most famous pop star. Mm -hmm. And uh, so that kind of like uh, added to sort of that fuel or tension of like, oh, like Florence Pugh's got beef with Olivia Wilde and like thinks that like this relationship between her and Harry Styles is bullshit and all that kind of stuff. But uh, things ratcheted up when Wilde fired Shia LaBeouf, the actor first cast before Harry Styles. In the movie of... Yeah. Okay. And only to have LaBeouf dispute her account with both audio and video evidence backing up his contention that he quit. Mm. I feel like I feel like Shia LaBeouf is just one... Like, he's a good guy, right? So don't <laughs> take this with a grain of salt. <laughs> but I feel like he's just one part of... Occurrence away from just saying the N word sometimes. <laughs> I feel like he's a crazy motherfucker, bro. <laughs> and I don't mean that in a bad way. Just, I mean, I do mean that the N word thing. I mean, but I'm just saying, like, he's just so sporadic, you know? So I just feel like one day, like, because he's, remember that time that he got made to look like a bad person in, in an Uber, but he was just defending himself or something? Like, there was, a, uh, there was like some occurrence where people were, or they, they say that he was being racist or something like that, but he was, he was just being like, it was mis, it was kind of miscued, it was skewed into a different story. Right, I don't know. That's why I say that. I just feel like, uh, like he's always he looks crazy, bro. Charlotte was <laughs> yeah. a crazy motherfucker. So I feel like one day he's gonna just get that story put on him, or like just call an Asian guy the wrong thing. <laughs> he's a crazy motherfucker, bro. But I mean, with this situation, Wilde supposedly fired LaBeouf because she felt she couldn't create quote unquote a mm. safe, trusting environment with him on board. I see. I told you. And. <laughs> The context behind that is that FKA Twigs, mm. which I had no idea who this was. FKA Twigs? Yeah. Who are these people, bro? What the it, hell? FKA Twigs is like a singer or something like oh, okay. that. Okay, no, they definitely know who that is in terms of like music, but I don't know. Okay. Oh, it's a lady. But uh, yeah, oh, okay. they they dated LaBeouf and uh, sued him. Is it LaBeouf or LaBeouf? Shia LaBeouf, I don't know. Shia LaBeouf, yeah, you're right. Uh, but they sued him in January of 2021 and accused him of sexual battery, assault, and infliction of emotional distress. Sheesh. And so that's kind of the context behind that. Because, mm-hmm. um, like, that's what Olivia Wilde is referring to of a safe, trusting environment, whatever. Also, they, they didn't want him around because of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. That's the official, quote unquote, word of it. Mm-hmm. But the the controversy behind that is that LaBeouf denies being fired and instead claiming he quit the film due to lack of rehearsal time. Mm. And he says, you and I both know the reasons for my exit. I quit your film because your actors and I couldn't find the time to rehearse. He said Mm. this to Olivia Wilde and he provided evidence where he shared text messages and a video as, as evidence. Mm -hmm. And the, in the text, it shows that LaBeouf and Wilde met in person in Los Angeles to discuss his exit from the film. And later that night, Wilde texted him a long text, basically just wishing him the best and thanking him for his honesty. Mm-hmm. The next day, LaBeouf makes his official exit, sending the email to her of like, OK, I'm officially leaving this and that. And uh, two days later, Wilde sends a video to LaBeouf where she alluded to possible discourse between LaBeouf and Pew while also basically begging for him to stay on. Mm -hmm. She said in the video, I feel like I'm not ready to give up on this yet. Mm -hmm. And I too am heartbroken and I want to figure this out. You know, I think this might be a bit of a wake up call for Miss Flo, referring to Florence Pugh. Mm -hmm. 
And I want to know if you're open to giving this a shot with me, with us. If she really commits, if she really puts her mind and heart into it at this point, and if you guys can make peace, and I respect your point of view, I respect hers, but if you guys can do it, what do you think? Is there hope? Will you let me know? And that's what she said to him, but mm. he still made his exit. Mm. And LaBeouf sends an email to Wilde asking for the narrative of his firing to be corrected. Mm. And uh, he shared that email with Variety. It's mm. a pretty long email, but oh, I'm going to sure. read it out loud. Do it. Uh, it's, it's, Do it! <laughs> it's pretty interesting what he has to say. Okay. Fucking, I couldn't imagine him just making it to our piece. <laughs> he's a weirdo, man. Print, I like him though. He's cool, but he's a weirdo. He prints out the email and just puts it in a frame and he's like, art. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, somebody just engrave it in his back and then read it off his back in Latin. But in the email, he says, <laughs> Olivia, I hope this finds you inspired, purposeful, fulfilled, and well. I mm-hmm. pray every night that you and your family have health, happiness, and everything God would give me. No joke every night before I sleep. I have a little girl, Isabel. She is five months old and just beginning to develop the last laugh of her hat of her laugh. Mm. It's amazing. Mia, my wife, and I have found each other again and are journey, journeying toward a healthy family with love and mutual respect. His wife. He has a wife. Mm-hmm. Okay. I have embarked on a journey that feels redemptive and righteous. Dirty word, but fitting. I write to you now with 627 days of sobriety and a moral compass that never existed before my great humbling that was the last year and quarter of my life. Mm. I reached out to you a few months ago to make amends, and I still pray one day you can find space in your heart to forgive me for the failed collaboration we shared. What inspired this email today is your latest variety story. I am greatly honored by your words on my work. Thank you. That felt good to read. I'm a little confused about the narrative that I was fired, however. You and I both know the reasons for my exit. I quit your film because your actors and I couldn't find the time to rehearse. I have included as a reminder the screenshots of our text exchange on that day and my text to Toby. I know that you are beginning your press run for DWD, don't worry darling, and that the news of my firing is attractive clickbait, as I am still persona non grata and many... Uh, and may remain as such for the rest of my life. But speaking of my daughter, I often think about the news articles she will read when she's literate. And though I owe and will owe for the rest of my life, I only owe for my actions. My failings of twigs are fundamental and real, but they are not the narrative that has been presented. There is a time and a place to deal with such things, and I'm trying to navigate a nuanced situation with respect for her and the truth, hence my silence. But the situation of your film and my quote-unquote firing will never have a court date with which to deal with the facts. If lies are repeated enough in the public, they become truth. And so it makes it that much harder for me to crawl out of the hole I have dug with my behaviors to be able to provide for my family. Firing me never took place, Olivia. And while I fully understand the attractiveness of pushing that story because of the current social landscape, the social currency that brings, it is not the truth. So I'm humbly asking, as a person with an eye toward making things right, that you correct the narrative as best as you can. I hope none of this negatively affects you and that your film is successful in all the ways you want it to be. Every blessing to you. Shia. Sheesh. That's <laughs> a long ass email, bro. Yeah. Let me show you let me show you Olivia Wilde's uh like reaction. <laughs> <laughs> she just says cake. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I would do that, bro. She probably she's living a tough life, bro. She got fucking papers on stage and shit like that. Yeah, she getting fucking novels from Shia LaBeouf. She he basically <laughs> broke up with her. <laughs> Jesus Christ. That's fucking crazy, man. But I thought that email is pretty important to read because it... No, it seems genuine as fuck. It, it mm-hmm. really... I think it really speaks mm-hmm. to, like, 
how much Olivia Wilde is sort of spinning a narrative of like she's trying so hard to keep things under control, yeah. but everything is kind of falling apart Ooh. around her. And, and she's she just, just became like, a director, right? So, yeah. No, she's her second. Director. This is her second yeah. film directing. So she's just like she's doing everything she can to just like <laughs> hold everything together. <laughs> You but think, it's all like falling apart. You think somebody went up to her and was like, don't worry, darling. <laughs> God. <laughs> Just had to die. Frankie, the door's right there. <laughs> Fuck it. Um, I will say this real quick. Um, So I, I again, I had no idea Harry Styles in the movie, even though I dead ass saw the trailer myself. But um, they, they show like a little sneak peek of him kind of like arguing with his girlfriend or something like that. Like a little sneak peek. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't think it was that good. Like, uh, again, I, I I think Harry Styles is great like in, in music sense. But that little snippet of him arguing with the girl in the movie, I just thought it was all right. I don't know if you've seen it. No, I haven't. To me, it was pretty kind of just not that good. I didn't feel any emotion or nothing from it. Uh, that's just my personal opinion. I don't want to like, you know, shit on him or something like that. Maybe the movie's going to be good. But, uh, but well, yeah. I'll, I'll get to that in a sec mm-hmm. um, of the reception of it. Mm-hmm. But uh, oh, but this is the um, hold on. I'm gonna show you very quick. We'll cut this out the audio, but we'll come right back. Sorry, we just watched the Harry Styles uh, little clip. And what did you think? Yeah, eh, right. It was like you don't. It didn't seem like real emotion. It didn't seem like just goodness. It kind of just felt like Harry Styles reading lines, reading lines, kind of trying to be dramatic. But I guess that's why actors get paid a lot of money to do what they do because he kind of. Like, is this going to be a thing? Like, how how bad? I don't know if you see uh, Bullet Train yet. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> nice. Uh, fucking, I don't know if it's going to be like Bad Bunny was in it for a little bit, which I think they did correctly because he was a small portion of the film. Mm-hmm. But this uh, celebrities have always been in movies, but these major roles from like, you know. Yeah. I mean, that's another point mm-hmm. of controversy around surrounding the film mm-hmm. where Harry Styles just even getting the role of yeah. this when he's now dating Olivia Wilde. Mm-hmm. So oh, he's not dating her? Yeah, they're oh, together. Oh, what the fuck? Did I not mention that? I don't, I mean, maybe I just Well, no, yeah. I, no, yeah, yeah I said Wild, Wild and Styles Affair. Oh, So yeah, they're, oh, now, yeah. they're now dating. I thought it was all speculation. I went, okay, my bad. That's fucking crazy. Yeah, uh-huh. so that that's where a lot of the controversy comes behind it and like why Florence Pugh doesn't really reference him by name or whatever because oh. it's kind of like, oh, he just got the job because he's fucking the director. He's clapping her cheeks. Yeah. No, so nice. there, there's like the controversy <laughs> behind that. <laughs> That tickled Lucas. Tickled Lucas. <laughs> <laughs> domino fight. Tickled everybody. But, um, <clears throat> That's crazy. Yeah, so mm-hmm. Pew, she did not attend the press conference for the film, but attended the Venice Film Festival premiere mm-hmm. where she made no interactions with Wild. She didn't uh, She didn't walk next to her, didn't stand next to her at mm-hmm. any point, and didn't even face her during the four-minute standing ovation that occurred uh, after the, after the film. And uh, the saga peaked this month during a tense news conference at the Venice Film Festival. When asked about the controversy, Wilde responded, The internet feeds itself. I don't feel the need to contribute. I think it's sufficiently well-nourished. Which I was kind of like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) You're no Shia LaBeouf. (laughs) Stick to making movies. (laughs) But uh, Wilde declined to comment to the New York Times, canceling a long-scheduled interview just hours before it was to take place. Okay. So that's a little like, okay, she now seems you're just kind, kind of like yeah. avoiding it or something. She should just be honest, bro. I think so now. And a representative for Pew also declined to comment. And uh, this is just a fun fact, but the script was originally conceived by Carrie and Chan Van Dyke, the grandsons of Dick Van Dyke, mm-hmm. in a script that was uh, featured on The Blacklist, a compendium of the best unproduced screenplays of the year. And then Don't Worry Darling was rewritten by Katie Silverman, who wrote uh, her first movie, Booksmart. Oh, shit. That was so, a fun fact. That was very fun. 
Yeah, so it's kind of like they took a, they took an old script or mm-hmm. of the of the year, rewrote it, and that's their movie. Okay, but uh, so the movie officially came out this Friday. The movie, oh, it came out already. Yes, bro. What the fuck? I didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> what the hell? Yeah. <clears throat> Yo, clear your throat. Yeah, bro. That- <laughs> I was so flabbergasted. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. I didn't know the movie came out. What yeah, so fuck? it's officially out. Shit. The movie is now out and the verdict of the box office has yet to be known since mm. the weekend is not officially over. Oh, so they can't rate it until it's out for that long? Uh, well, it can have ratings. I'm just saying the mm. box office. So Ooh. we don't know how much money it's earning. Oh, yeah, you're right. Fucking, and let's see, Rotten Tomatoes. Ooh. I actually have it. Don't Ooh. worry. Don't worry. Ooh. But yeah, originally the oh. box office projection was roughly $20 million and then it dropped to $18 million at the controversy. Mm-hmm. And uh, at the time this article was written, a survey had had it written down uh, that it dropped to $16 million. Damn. But an insider at Warner Bros. says they always expected $18 million and that interest had not fluctuated. Okay. So back and forth. Mm-hmm. But early reviews have not been kind. Currently sitting at a 38% on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, that's ass. <laughs> the consensus reading, despite an intriguing array of talent on either side of the camera, Don't Worry Darling is a mostly muddled rehash of overly familiar themes. Yeah. Damn. And many of the reviews touch on the controversy around the film and question the response of the people. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by, by the response of the people is that... What do you mean, uh, dudes? No, I'm kidding. I'll tell you what I mean. <laughs> 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 it sounded like an old like cartoon where they do a rap to like be educational. Oh, let me tell you what I mean now. That's what I put. I thought you should make it random. Pretty funny shit. That shit tickled me, bro. But um, uh-huh. like basically, is that many people wouldn't blink twice if these actions were done by a male filmmaker, mm. which. This is a very common thing in yeah. the film industry where men have hooked up with like actresses mm-hmm. and things like that Harvey and whatever, Weinstein. all that shit. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, this is nothing necessarily new mm-hmm. in the Hollywood space. I don't know though. I feel like it's just a lot mm. of the focus is just more so that like, oh, she's a woman. And so, mm. and uh, what I'm, one person yeah. says is that this doesn't condemn her from yeah. her actions. Like clearly what she's doing is still wrong. Yeah, that's what I but think. But clearly the amount of focus that this is getting is kind of unfair comparatively to the lack of focus mm. that other male filmmakers have gotten. Is it that or does it just involve a lot of high profile names? Like it involves Harry Styles who's like the biggest music person in the world, right? It involves Shia LaBeouf. Uh, I don't know if Florence Pugh is, but I feel bad for her ultimately. You get me? She was in uh, Midsummer. She was in Midsummer. I knew, I knew I knew her from somewhere. And I, yeah. I think I feel bad for her the most out of everything. Cause I feel like she got stuck in this fucking, you know, twirl of madness. But I knew she looked familiar as fuck. She's gorgeous. Um, mm. but I, I just feel that uh like it just involves a lot of high profile names and, and I don't think it has to do anything with that she's a woman. I think that like by saying that she's a woman and then, you know, it kind of just singles her out and makes this more about her her genitals and it, it really is about her irresponsibility with the film, like handling wise and her inexperience as well, you know. It just these seem more like just genuine young mistakes to make and she should just either keep her mouth shut or just be purely transparent if she chooses to be public about it you know i get what you're saying though but i also feel that no i mean i'm um, not i'm oh, not you but like what people yeah. are saying yeah you're right yeah because right. um, like the way i yeah. feel about this story is that i just kind of feel bad for everyone because yeah. this just seems like a messy situation except shyla buff like <laughs> 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 Let 
Alter mit Taiwan. <lacht> <lacht> das ist auch das Segway Everything. But I don't know. It's like, you know, Olivia Wilde, she's like, she's clearly been irresponsible yeah, with her yeah. response mm -hmm. and her actions and stuff. Mm -hmm. But it's like, she, this is so, this is all so new to her. Yeah. I feel bad for her. It's like, yeah. I don't know what I would do in a situation yeah. like this. Like, it seems like she's just trying to look out for herself. Yeah, that's ultimately what I think it is. And when you're like, when your name is attached to something that so many people work under, because that's when I get flashbacks to Tom Cruise getting so angry at his crew. For the whole COVID thing and like screaming and like, you know how many jobs are on the line, this and that. Like that's ultimately what this comes down to. Just it's not, oh, what is how is it gonna affect me today as Olivia Wilde? It's it's like it's gonna affect everybody, you know? And again, this all aside, I just don't think from that clip alone, Harry Styles is not a good actor. <laughs> like he's just not. And maybe we're wrong and maybe he's a great actor throughout the whole film aside from he that. He could get better. Yeah, uh, and that's a hundred percent a fact, but just uh Bear, I think bad move to date the person and also put him in your second movie, you know. And you know, I don't, I still haven't seen Honey Boy, which people praise Shia LaBeouf. Honey Boy is really good. Yeah, I heard. So I haven't seen it yet, but I don't, I haven't seen anything from Shia LaBeouf that's blown my mind movie wise and stuff. So, you know, I'm, uh, uh, Honey Boy and um, even Steven's movie, uh, Peanut Butter Falcon. Oh uh, no, I heard about that too, but Peanut I never Butter heard Falcon about is so good. I gotta check both of them out. So, so until I see those two, I see even Stevens. I fuck with even <laughs> Stevens a lot. Um, But I just think it's a, it's a messy situation. It's a messy situation. It's super, super gossipy, but it's also like, it does get very interesting in the midst of the whole thing. Too, yeah, it's like, this is the most gossipy story that we, <laughs> yeah. that we brought on the show. Yeah. But at the same time, I just find it so interesting it because is. it's like, this has affected a movie like yeah. at, that is so high profile mm -hmm. and stuff. And it's just interesting to see the turmoil behind it. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I wonder, sorry, I wonder if, um, I wonder if the feedback it's getting has anything to do with this whole thing though you know you well, know like i mentioned mm -hmm. the lot a lot of the reviews do mention the controversy mm -hmm. that's happening which is unfair so, i think it has nothing to do with the movie itself and that's why i find this story so interesting because mm -hmm. it's like they like they expect that all this uh trauma or mm -hmm. not trauma all this drama yeah is, all this ptsd <laughs> 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 like they Because uh -huh. the article does state that like all this drama could affect the box office, but at the same time, people are saying there's no such thing as bad publicity. So exactly. if anything, this could just raise uh, the that, box office earnings. That was my initial thought with everything. The fact that it's getting so much attention. Like, I'm not going to lie to you, now that I know it's out, which I didn't know it was out, I might go see it, to be honest with you. I wanted to watch it yeah. even before this controversy came same, out because I was like Olivia Wilde. I love the book smart. I'm down. Nice, nice. And I, I mean, even with this controversy, I'm still going to go watch Me it because I'm curious to see what it's like. Did you see the trailer? I haven't seen the trailer. Oh, the tra oh yeah, because you don't really watch trailers before movies mm -hmm. stuff. When I saw the trailer, which I won't say nothing, I thought it was very. I don't know what the fuck because when you say now that you say like it has a lot of themes that are very like oh actually on Google users 85% of them people liked it the user scores on Rotten Tomatoes yeah. was like in the 80s or so yeah. so it seems like no Rotten Tomatoes is 38 from the, the users Google, oh the users of that on the users on ah, Rotten Tomatoes okay. so I think they are being very just idiotic also, with their rating system also something yeah. I, I feel like a lot of people tend to forget or maybe don't know mm -hmm. is that the rating on Rotten Tomatoes isn't isn't a uh, depictive of how good the film is mm -hmm. a rating on rotten tomatoes is just a percentage of critics that liked the yeah, film yeah. so when a movie has a 38 that just means 38 of the, of the critics that have seen it have liked it mm. that doesn't mean that it's a, a four out of ten gotcha that gotcha. just means that out of the critics that it. you're relying on in terms of rotten tomatoes those are how much people liked it with yeah the i feel like a lot of people don't really keep that in mind or yeah. like don't know that mm -hmm. and i feel like that's just really important to mm. think of of just like 
a rotten, rotten tomato score doesn't tell you how good a movie is. Yeah. Like it, cause movies are very subjective. Mm-hmm. So it's like, yeah, hundred percent. The fact that the user scores are kind of high in the eighties and mm-hmm. stuff. Like it's very possible that you and I might go see this movie and we mm-hmm. might like it. Yeah. We'll, so, like, we'll just leave with Harry t- style t-shirts. <laughs> We're like, <"Eek!"> <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> I love that ooh shit. (laughs) (laughs) You think somebody ever seen a serious crime, like a murder? They're like, ooh. Someone in the back is just like, ooh. (laughs) Like, shut up. (laughs) Shut the fuck up. It's my daughter. (laughs) Like, duh. No, but I, yeah, you're right. I think it's kind of if if anybody's rating this movie off the controversy alone, especially like professional critics, if that's even a real thing, you feel me? I know like they are, but come on, like you know, like <laughs> when you're rating food and dinner, it's like you could rate this, you know, broccoli all you like, but somebody doesn't like broccoli, then your shit is irrelevant. <laughs> so, uh, but I hope. I mean, I don't know. I, I still think it just gives them, like you said, there's no such thing as bad publicity, you know. So it really all comes down to just who's gonna watch it because of it. Um, but still at the end of the day I think it's still it's still one of those movies where it's kind of like it just seems like a love story I think it is like a psychological like some shit yeah, it's, yeah. It, it definitely takes a turn at some point yeah. that's all I know just from what I've seen from the trailers and that's I'm not gonna lie to you that day was some of the best trailers I've seen in my life <laughs> like, there, <laughs> like there was a lot of good trailers and this one was like the weakest one out of all of them but I was like ah, I'll, give it, I'll give it a little watch but that's when I saw the Emmett Till trailer. Nice. And then I was really like, ooh, because that, that's, <laughs> that's when me and Brian got a whole discussion. And I can't wait till that movie comes out because that I 100% want to talk about on the podcast. Okay. And then it comes out this year. Nice. So that shit going to be crazy, bro. But yeah, so uh, I don't got much left of this. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'll just tell you that what's next for Wild is mm-hmm. unclear. She had another film after Don't Worry Darling set up called Perfect, but insiders say that she's left the project due to asking for multiple rewrites and saying the script isn't ready for production. So she might not do that film anymore. So we don't know. Gotcha. And at the same time, she has another two projects in early development, one of them being a new Marvel movie, which is possibly going to be a Spider-Woman movie. Oh, shit. And an untitled holiday comedy movie that Universal had ha- has had in the works since 2019. Mm, how original. So, <laughs> how original. <laughs> so, you know, she still has some work, but this, this controversy hasn't necessarily said one way or another if she's lost her job or anything like that. At the moment, she still has her job is what I'm getting. Okay, at. I got you. Um, and to sort of speak again to the promotional efforts of, of the studio behind the film, Warner Bros. has announced that its September 19th IMAX event, where they premiered the movie, was the fastest selling live event in IMAX's history. Oh, shit. It had a live Q&A across 100 locations. The, the movie, the Warren Darling or something like that? Mm-hmm. Wow. It had a live Q&A across 100 locations, and uh, Olivia Wilde was there. Florence P was not and yeah and was harry styles there uh I, if he was that makes sense it it, it didn't say mm. um but yeah that's that's really all i got for you with that story mm-hmm. um i just again i thought it was really interesting because this was a movie i was interested by i think olivia wilde mm-hmm. is a really good director f- from at least book smart i got you got book smart from her one movie i yeah. can say that that was a good film i mean bro when get out came out jordan peele was just like oh it's just jordan peele and now look at him you know, yeah, I was say, so so I, that, I, that's I, the beauty of new directors always coming out, man. It's the best. 
yeah so <clears> i <throat> i i thought this movie was on my radar for a hot minute ever mm. since it got announced i was nice. like yo olivia wilde i gotta check this shit out <laughs> so as soon as i saw all this controversy arising i was mm. like yo man what the fuck is going on with this shit <laughs> and reading it i was like yo this is so gossipy <laughs> yeah. oh my god yeah, bro. I'm, I'm surprised you didn't get this shit off fucking uh i don't know any what's people what? magazine people magazine <laughs> That's your, that's your fucking source, bro. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just so fun to start it. <laughs> yeah, that that's that's what I got for you with the controversy surrounding. Don't worry, darling. Okay. Like I said, nice. definitely still gonna go check it out. 100%. I definitely want to want to see what it's about. Mm-hmm. Um, I have no idea what it's about. What movies are I know by the way? I, I don't even know. There's a, a film by George Miller uh-huh. that I really want to watch called like Three Thousand Long Years, something like that. It has uh-huh. Idris Elba in it and someone else. Idris um, Elba was just in um some movie called like Beast or something. Yeah, like that. That, I didn't think that did too good to be honest with you, but nah, that movie kind of looked like duty. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, I'm gonna just look at the theater I go to. Williamsburg Cinema is a good fucking. There is a there is a oh Marcel and the Shell of Little Shoes. Is That's still been out for a while though. That's still out. I it's still, still out? haven't seen that yet. Wow. Let's see. Um, there's another movie that I that I wanted to see that uh the Woman King came out. That's uh Viola Davis's new movie. Okay. Uh, that me and Brian were both like, ah, eh, looks alright. And it's not that it's like because you know you say you say a movie like the Woman King looks okay, but it's like. How dare you? <laughs> uh, what? But it, to me, it just seems like one of those movies where Violet is kind of old, you know, like not in a bad way. She's a great actor, great fucking actor. You get me? And she might even not be that old, but to me, she I feel like she looks old. Oh, uh, the Bo- David Bowie movies out right now. That's that's the other what? movie I wanted to see. The Moon, Moon Age Daydream, right? I want to watch that shit. So that's out. Wow. That got good reviews. Wow. I really want to watch that. So Woman King is out. I, I, I'm not going to speak on it no more because <laughs> Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. That's Pete Davidson's that's movie. That's the other movie I was thinking of. I wanted to yeah. see that as well. I just don't like Pete Davidson. I don't think he's that funny. Not the kind of shit. I don't give anything. a shit yeah. about Pete Davidson, but mm-hmm. I just want to watch that movie. Gotcha. The trailer didn't seem that good. That's why for the, for the movie, like it was just saying. But uh, also Super Pets, which didn't you see, Lucas? Super Pets? Did, did you see Super Pets? Yeah, I left it. <laughs> <laughs> Lucas said he left that it's shit. It's going to be on HBO Max real soon. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, darling. David Bowie's movie out. Wow, I can't believe David Bowie. And this movie called Pearl, which looks very interesting. Oh, that's the prequel to X. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. What do you mean X? What, what movie is X? The horror movie X? Horror movie X. I don't know what i That about. you saw with Kid Cudi in it? Isn't that the Oh, movie? this is the prequel to that? Yeah. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Even Martin Scorsese likes it. Wow. Yeah, that's a good fucking... I'm telling you, man. To me, it's one of the best modern screams in a film in a long time. Very good. Did you see it, X? I haven't oh, seen it Oh, yeah. Check your shit out on a spooky day when October comes. <laughs> it's to, October. Yeah. Well, well, it's about to be October. Yeah, I already know. A movie I'm picking. <laughs> <laughs> oh, nice. I got to check that shit out. X was really fucking good. And I saw it on a very little screen in Nighthawk Cinema. Uh, and then some movie called See How They Run. Yeah, I don't, uh, don't know that one. <laughs> I don't see who uh, released on the 16th. Director Tom George. In don't the West him. End of 1950s London, plans for a movie version of a smash hit play. Okay, man, this movie is whack ass <laughs> movie, lo- bro. You lost me. You <laughs> yeah, lost me. Yeah. Anyways. Fuck this movie, bro. God. <laughs> Why do you make that shit, Tom George? Gotta name you. You got two first names, bro. <laughs> Damn, bro. I will shout out to Olivia you a while. Shout out to Olivia <laughs> Wilde. <laughs> yeah, that, that's Be what I got for you for the new uh, first story of the day. Nice. Pretty interesting, I think. Pretty goddamn interesting. It really is. For but, like a uh, gossipy story, it's incredibly interesting. But uh, now we are at the second story. Oh, shit. So this story, I'm going to be reading off a laptop. Okay. 
Um, it's called The Mystery Behind the Crime Wave at 312 Riverside Drive. Okay. This article really caught my attention because from the title alone, I was like, the fuck? Because mm-hmm. this is a local New York story. Okay. Yeah, I was thinking like that's that seems like it would be around New York City, but Riverdale is so, you know, it could be anywhere. Riverside. Oh, Riverside. Oops. Riverdale's so, a show. Riverdale's a show. <laughs> yeah. Riverdale is also a place in Queens, I think. Oh, okay. Like out in Queens. But this is like Manhattan, I'm assuming? Island. This is Manhattan. Okay. So pretty much what's been going on with this situation, the article opens up and says, New York City, 911, the emergency dispatcher answered. Do you need police, fire, or medical? The person says, I need police, 312 Riverside Drive. And he says it in a hushed voice. The lady in room 340 on the third floor is cutting herself. She's mentally ill. She's buck naked and she's mentally ill and she's cutting herself with a razor. (laughs) (laughs) The dispatcher asks follow-up questions and assure the man, help is on the way. That call just past midnight on December 16th was the first of five that day reporting dire emergencies at the same address. Mm-hmm. Fights, stabbing, sexual assaults, shots fired, all at 312 Riverside Drive. Okay. It was a location of thousands, and that's not exaggerative, of 911 calls going back more than two years. If I question the most dangerous address in all of New York City by this measure. Again and again, police officers had raced to the tree-lined block of the Upper West Side between West 103rd and 104th Streets. Firefighters and paramedics met them there, but the response all ended the same way. Emergency vehicles turned left, uh, turned and left. Their sirens off. The police, over time, stopped responding to the calls at all because there there is no 312 Riverside Drive. Oh shit! It's not a real address. Oh, what the fuck? So the calls had been treated like emergencies. <laughs> I just imagine all these uh, emergency vehicles crashing into one another. <laughs> like, and just where more, is it? More, where is it? More, back up, back up. <laughs> We're still looking. <laughs> That's crazy. But the calls had been treated like emergencies. <clears throat> now they were a mystery. Who was making them? Why? Was it a coordinated attempt to disrupt the police or an epic years-long prank? Mm-hmm. Detectives eventually traced the calls to a single cell phone in a building on West 43rd Street that had once been the Hotel Times Square, but for years has offered affordable housing and counseling to vulnerable men and women in the city. Mm-hmm. The police found the phone on the 14th floor and with it the man behind every call. And so the mystery became a puzzle. One that has confounded an entire team of lawyers, caregivers, and social workers. His remarkable case is an extreme example of a failure of a familiar dynamic. Mm-hmm. One man of a cell phone has created enough havoc to be hauled over and over into court, but not enough to warrant a prison cell. Oh shit. He knows it's wrong and he apologizes to the judge, but he won't stop. Help is always on the way, but it never quite reaches him. And from this point, it gets a little more into who this character is. Okay, I'm listening. And so... Imagine I wasn't, though. <laughs> Damn. Uh, <laughs> it just reminded me of another story that I'm going to say after this. Very similar, I think. I think. Okay. Uh-huh. But uh, Vicky Mibitani is, is how I believe her last name is pronounced. It's Italian. It's not even Italian. Shit. I, I, I think it's like... <laughs> British Because she's black So I think it's like Oh he's saying Black people can't be Italian I'll tell you Black people can be Italian <laughs> I, I mean I've never met A black Italian So I wouldn't know I don't know I think you gotta Open your mind <laughs> I'm <Man>. just I'm <laughs> just ba- I'm just basing off My experience Bro, I've never can, met A black if you, Italian if you, if you go on Fucking uh, If you look at soccer There's a bunch of Black Italian players <laughs> I'm not saying I'm not saying There aren't black Italians I'm just saying I've never met A black Italian That's news to well, me Well you know what 
You know what? What? I haven't either, to be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> I, never, I don't think I've met a black Italian, to be honest with you. So I, <laughs> well, I know they exist, though. <laughs> Good for you. <laughs> Thanks. Good for you. <laughs> let's go Mets. Let's, let's go fucking Mets. Let's go Mets. Let's go black Italians. <laughs> if you're a black Italian, come on the show. Yeah. yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's a very quiet oh. <laughs> So we meet Vicky mit, mit, with, I'm going to try and pronounce, okay, her last name is spelled M-W-I-T-A-N-T-I. Mitt let me write it out. M-W-I, right? T-A-N-T-I. T-A, what was it? So M-W-I. M-W-I. T-A-N-T-I. N-T-I. Mutanti. 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 Let's just go with that. Nice. But Medanti uh, walked into her office building near the criminal courthouse on Lower Manhattan Center Street in June and entered the elevator, pushing the button for the 20th floor. Mm-hmm. She was a lawyer at the New York City Def- County Defender Services, and she was churning and grinding the job that can make idealistic young people cynical and exhausted. Wait, is it M or N? M. M? Because this is how you say Nuatanti. <laughs> I'm sorry. I looked up Wantiti. <laughs> YouTube head. I'm sorry about that. But it has it right here, actually. <laughs> Hold on. Uh, okay. It says. Okay. What? Mwintati. Mwintati? Mwintati. Mwintati? Mwintati. Sure. Mwintati. Mwintati. M. Mwintati. Mwintati. There we go. Sorry, I just I had to look it up and it's there. Because the name is Semba Mwintati. 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 All right, so but read the read the beginning of that sentence. Again. I got you. <laughs> this episode is just Muntanti, <laughs> Muntanti. <laughs> <laughs> so Vicky Muntanti nice. walked into her office building mm-hmm. near the criminal courthouse on Lower Manhattan Center Street in June. Mm-hmm. She entered the elevator, pushing the button for the twentieth floor. Oh shit! She was a lawyer of New York County Defender Services, and she was churning and grinding a job that can make idealistic young people cynical and exhausted. Ooh. But three years in, she felt invigorated by the work, mm-hmm. and she had just been assigned a new client of an unusual case. Oh shit. Before the elevator door shut, a tall, older man, 70, and wearing thick eyeglasses darted inside. He Mm. smiled. Mm. We bonded over the weather, but it was not small talk, she says. He complimented my dress, and we had this engaging back and forth. And then they fucked. (laughs) Right in the elevator. Right in the elevator. You saw it to the store. I was like, oh, shit, where's it going? <laughs> okay, they talked to the weather. Dress. When the elevator arrived at uh-huh. 20, both of them got out. She oh. heard the man approach the front desk of her office, and mm-hmm. she realized that he was her new client. Oh, shit. He was not what she had expected. He was just so warm and kind and sweet, she recalled. His <laughs> name was Walter Reed. Oh, shit. Mr. Reed had arrived in New York City in the late 1990s, well into his 40s, and trouble followed. He was arrested in charge of petty crime starting in the late 1990s and in 2002 was caught stealing a camera and a phone from someone's hotel room in Midtown. When the owner of the property confronted him, Mr. Reed struck that person in the face. Damn! That's <laughs> crazy. Hey, what you doing? <laughs> what? Boom! <laughs> Never mind, sir. Move along. <laughs> That's funny, bro. I'm gonna do that next time a cop confronts me. <laughs> But he was convicted of burglary and sent to prison, where he mm. served almost six years. Six years. Upon his release, mm. Mr. Reed seems to have drifted from shelter to shelter, mm-hmm. trailed by arrest for trespassing, larceny, and drug possession. He had begun using crack cocaine and in 2018 was arrested for selling a small bag of the drug to an undercover officer for $60 outside his apartment building. Mm-hmm. 
This time, after pleading guilty, he was sentenced in the Alternative to Incarceration program of the court, in which defendants can attend regular meetings of counselors and meet other requirements to avoid jail time. And so, Mr. Reed was in many ways a model candidate for the program, an enthusiastic attendant at meetings of counselors and doctors because he attended all of them, but in other ways, he was an abject failure. He consistently tested positive for controlled substances, but more troublesome in many ways was his newer habit on one that gripped him as tightly as any drug, a daily, even hourly fixation with a hotel on Riverside Drive that he had imagined from thin air. And these quotes from another phone call say new york city 911 do you need police fire medical i need police ma'am 312 riverside drive the people there just hurt an old woman 94 they beat her up and took her money and they're still there but they might get away with it how long ago did this happen this is happening right now as we speak okay we're going to send some help that call arrived on february 28th at 5:24 a.m it was one of 24 calls on 911 that day alone regarding 312 Riverside Drive, and one of a staggering 501 calls to the location that month. All the calls were closed as false reports. And they say it's difficult to pinpoint when exactly the 911 calls began, mm -hmm. but in 2020, there were 1,937 calls to that location. In 2021, that number grew to 2,336. Jesus. So now... Uh, pretty much the building that he thinks is 312 Riverside Drive is some old building called the Master that used to be like a museum and stuff like that. Um, it used to be a home to artists, a museum, an art school, and a theater, but it is now a renovated apartment building. And this is what they say is the setting for Mr. Reed's delusions. Yeah. We got firemen coming in asking about 312, said Don Ben, a concierge at the Master building. Firemen and cops when the night guy works too. The 911 calls were often announced simultaneously over the popular Citizen app. And if you don't know which, what Citizen, what the Citizen app it is... It tells people what's going on in the city. Yeah, it just tells yeah. you any crimes that are happening around your area, which reports nearby emergencies on user, users' phones. And this one person, Charles Gross, he lives on the corner of West 103rd Street. So he's right there in the corner of where 312 Riverside Drive is supposed to be, according to Mr. Reed. And he described looking with shock at his app and its drumbeat of reports of crime at that location. Stabbing, he said. Assault. Distress. He said he would run to his window for a closer look, but it's always silent, he says. In January 2021, one woman spoke up at the 24th Precinct's monthly community meeting and asked about 312 Riverside. What's going on here? The question was hardly unusual. I would say it comes up each meeting, Deputy Inspector Naoki Yaguchi, the commanding uh, officer of the... Oh, you can say that, you can't say Mutani. <laughs> I know, right? Get a load of this fucking guy. Get a load of this fucking guy. Istanbul, Miklaku, Kiche. Can't say Mutani. That's racist. <laughs> That's not racist. My, name's, bro. my, my teacher's name is Mr. San Kiche. I don't know about Istanbul, though. <laughs> but, uh... Pretty much that deputy inspector. <laughs> he, I like how you put that should be a still frame. That's racist. <laughs> <laughs> when Javi said he, like, did the, he did the finger gun thing, tilted his head and said, That's racist. <laughs> <laughs> but with a smile. Though, that's the funny part. <laughs> All right, but Niguchi. Um, Yaguchi. Uh -huh. He says, Sometimes every other meeting. What's going on over there? Should I be worried? New officers had similar reactions, and I thought this was kind of weird. 
The quote says, it was a rite of passage. There is obviously a sense of excitement that they're about to go to this very serious call until the training officer beside them says, relax, kid. It's just a fake call. And I'm like, damn, do cops really get excited when they hear calls like that? <laughs> Probably, bro. Like, that's kind of like, I don't like that. But like the, when, <laughs> like, they, when they get the 312 Riverside Drive call? Yeah. I feel like um, it's like when, you, when we work at Starbucks, you feel me? And then you like, oh, it's this guy again. Like, And then like we get a new worker. And it's like, oh, what does he do? Oh, like, oh, he always gets a cut from the trash. Then she comes and gets a refill. You get me? It's like, you got to go through it because it's going to happen type shit. Well, I, I mean, I just feel like it's it, it, what I don't like is mm. uh, the cops getting excited about about like a call. <laughs> and they're like, oh, finally, some uh, action. Oh, I don't know. I feel like that's a phenomenon that really occurs. But what worries me, and then I, I agree with you heavily, is that a lot of cops want to see action. Therefore, that's why they're so trigger heavy. Because... Uh, They've been waiting They've for been it. They've been waiting for this moment. Yeah, it's like one of those things where like some cops work their whole career with never shooting their gun. So I feel like there's definitely a portion of cops because our ways of initiating cops and allowing cops to be is so not outdated because y'all want to defund them. Uh, <laughs> that, uh, that, you know, there's a lot of trigger, ha- like ha- friendly cops, right? Or like what was the, what's the word? Trigger. Trigger uh, happy. Trigger happy, yeah. So I feel that's a big thing. So I feel... That a lot of cops want emergency because it just it makes the job more interesting. Again, not in a positive or negative way, just in a realistic way. You get me, and, and that's what you sign up for. You get me, so yeah. But, but I agree with you. It is kind of like it's a little weird. Yeah. It's just kind of like oh, finally, yeah, I get yeah. to shoot someone. <laughs> it's like whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> we called you in for littering. He's <laughs> like, nah, bro. I'm shooting the garbage and the person. <laughs> uh, do you remember that one day where um? There was no crimes reported in in New York City. No, it was one day. Uh, there was a headline on it. I'll look it up actually. But yeah, it was. Uh, the, it was basically no calls were made uh, to the police in New York City for one day. Uh, Sounds like see. a good day. That ass. <laughs> <laughs> just people were dying. Just nobody want to call the police. <laughs> like, Come on, we have this whole day. Uh, let's see, police, NYC. Let's see. At twelve oh one, there was a crime. <laughs> Oh look! You know it's so funny. The mystery behind the crime wave at three one two Riverside Drive just came up. Nice. That's weird though, because I wrote no calls were made to the police NYC. Who was listening to us? What bro? the fuck? That's weird, right? Why would that come up? I mean, the article does say, huh? No, I never looked it up before. We've only just talked about it now. I mean, it does say in the article at some point that no calls were ever made to 911. So oh. maybe it's taking that exact like line. Probably. And because since this is a recent article, maybe it's just like relevancy. I don't know, man. I don't know. Let's see. But let me look it up. The Fuck, my Googling is not on point today. <laughs> it really isn't. Okay, yeah. The New York City celebrates a day without violent crime. This occurred on, come on, BBC. Why you got to be so complicated? November 29th, 2012. 2012. Yeah. Oof, that's a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, back when the back when the world was supposed to end. Oh yeah, man. <laughs> it's a shame with it. Good year. It's <laughs> good year. <laughs> All right. So uh, continue. So uh, the direct the deputy inspector he explained the situation at the 2021 meeting as he has many times since. That is an individual that's basically making fake 911 calls. He perceives that something is actually going on in that place. In 2022, by late March, the calls about 312 Riverside were on pace to beat the prior year's record. So again, 2020, he'd made a, like, if I pull the numbers again real quick. Like uh, a thousand or something like that, right? Calls? 
It was like a thousand. Yeah. So in 2020, he made a thousand nine hundred thirty-seven. In 2021, he made two thousand three hundred thirty-six. Mm. By March of this year, he was already on path to beat that. Record. This year. This year. 2022. Yes. It's crazy. So it just increases as the years and, go and on. And he doesn't get arrested because he's not doing anything wrong, right? That's something that the article points out. He's not really he's doing anything wrong. So, and that's why it says, like, he's making all these calls that are bringing him into court, but technically he can't be arrested so for sh- this. So should we call the cops right now? <laughs> <laughs> like, hey, 312 Riverside Drive. <laughs> they come knocking on the door. I, I want to tell the story real quick. I have, like, three stories I want to tell just off of this because it's so... <laughs> but this is what I tell quickly. When I was a kid... I called the cops in my house. I was pretty young. I called the cops. I got into a little corner and I got I covered myself and shit. And I was like, hello. And they were like, 911, what's your emergency? And I was like, um, hello. Uh, <laughs> I'm paraphrasing because I don't remember exactly, but I was like, help him kidnap. I'm in the middle of nowhere. Hang up the phone. <laughs> I said, I'm in the middle of nowhere, right? So I just, I was like, bro, <laughs> 20 minutes later, all I hear is, <laughs> and I'm just sitting like, oh my god, <laughs> right? bro! My mom's making carrot juice, bro, in the kitchen. She's making carrot juice. She never makes carrot juice, right? Fucking the cops come to my room, bro, and they're like, yo, like you can't call the cops. <laughs> no, I think I go to the kitchen. But yeah, bro, don't tell the cops you got kidnapped in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> True story. Just two cops, bro. <laughs> I I think I think we've all like prank called the oh, okay, cops cool. once before. I just felt ridiculous for being like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> I think we've all been there. You called I, the cops before? I think I I if. Yeah, I think <laughs> you I called nine one. They were like, "What the fuck are you doing, Lucas?" <laughs> <laughs> like you, <laughs> yo, what the fuck is up? <laughs> 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 Stay on the ground. <laughs> no, I think I've called the cops before, like yeah. saying some dumb shit. I can't remember yeah. what, but I think I've done it Did before. Did they ever come to your house while your mom's in nah. carriages? Well, best nah. believe they will, bro. <laughs> <laughs> it's a crazy day, bro. Oh, man. That's fucking but, crazy. Uh, but yeah, uh-huh. so fucking. He's on track now to be making those calls. They should just yeah. take away his phone, bro. <laughs> so I'll get to oh, that in a sec. Oh, shit. I'm a fucking psychic. <laughs> so pretty much, in Mr. Reed's mind, 312 Riverside Drive is chillingly real. He sees it as if standing outside in West 103rd Street. You see the big numbers right on the stone wall, he said in an interview this summer. There's a revolving door to a lobby, and on the other side, in his quietly urgent telling and call after call after call, lurks a cast of violent predators. He describes them to dispatchers, men in hoodies and jeans, attacking an old woman on the floor, a crew with a man known as a director, assembling what looks to him like a pipe bomb. I'm not professional. Send someone over who's professional, he says. He knows at least one person there quite well. My girlfriend, he says. They won't let her leave the building. That's the only reason I called 911. Outside of this vivid, teeming, nightmarish place, Mr. Reed's real life is quiet, even mundane. Tall and lean, he looks like a giant in his tiny apartment in Times Square, seemingly able to touch opposite walls at the same time. He greeted a visitor with a warm handshake and a smile, offering a seat in his tidy room, sitting before a portrait of the Reverend Martin Luther King Jr. and a Hunter Games movie poster tacked to the wall. He was laid back, friendly host, and conversationalist. 
I keep a low profile, he said. A favor, a favorite outing is Washington Square Park to listen to free jazz. Barely making the fucking phone calls. <laughs> Lying ass. <laughs> <laughs> He's delusional, man. Yeah, man, he really is. Shit. <laughs> good for him, though, making it on the New York Times. <laughs> New York Times, right? Yes. Uh, good for him. Uh, at ease in his modest room, Mr. Reed spoke of his family and of his lawyers, who he thinks of his blood at this point. I love them so much, he says. He worked at the grocery store Gerstides in recent years, sweeping up in hopes to return, he said. He likes work and was and has no and was known to show up early, but with age a new pain has crept into his legs and is walking slow. Sixty blocks uptown from his apartment is a corner of West 103rd Street and Riverside Drive and the Master Building. Mm-hmm. There's no stone with the number 312. Wow. Inside its actual building, apartments are rented by the organization Breaking Ground which provides permanent housing for formerly homeless and mentally ill residents. Nice. On-site counselors and programs support their needs as well. Within this world, the level of attention paid to the man on the 14th floor has been consistent on a weekly basis all summer. (laughs) (laughs) Give me a fresh beef, Frankie. (laughs) The oddity of his fences. Sorry, you got that shit in my head. It's stuck in my head. <laughs> it's going to stay in my head. I have to get it out. I have to get it out. No, no more book <laughs> But the oddity of his offenses uh-huh. and their outsized impact on the city's responders and his earnest charm seem to draw people to Walter Reed without necessarily a clear idea of what to do with him, but with a desire to understand. And this is a picture. A picture. A picture. A picture. <laughs> this is a picture of that hunger games poster that he has tacked up on his wall and stuff he has other things tacked up around it and stuff he's definitely a very interesting character that's oddly symmetrical isn't it yeah that's honestly very interesting like he's not disturbing uh uh katniss or anything like that like everything is right around her yeah i never see hunger games really wow never read the book never seen it i heard it's good i heard it's very good i've only seen the movies Uh, but what a fucking noob (laughs) <laughs> get a load of this guy <laughs> I watched the movie <laughs> so I can't criticize it for the book being better <laughs> but the article gets pretty interesting here mm-hmm. because um, uh, it kind of talks a little bit about Walter Reed's life mm-hmm. it entails that on December 16th of 1971 the Vietnam War was pulling thousands of young men out of their homes and neighborhoods and into the front lines mm. he was drafted Walter Reed was 20 years old in New Brunswick New Jersey when he arrived to join their number. Wow. I mean, he was drafted or he was, uh, like, how can I say? Like, he, he purposely went over there. Uh, it is unclear whether he was drafted or he enlisted, but he showed up. That's a perfect answer to my question. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> the person running the article would know, know what the fuck they were doing. <laughs> but uh, he was born in Connecticut of 1951 hey. and had been sent to New Jersey as a preschooler after his mother, a widow, died unexpectedly of an overdose. Oh, so he's like 70-something now. Yeah. Wow. He lived with relatives. His brother, Lawrence, lived mm-hmm. nearby with other family. And against these difficult odds, Walter came through okay. He was a funny kid, a character. He finished high school and enrolled at Rutgers University. He fixed his hair just so and sang in any R&B band that would have him. Nice. He had a girlfriend named Gardenia. Weird ass name. Yeah, honestly, I was thinking about uh, the name Gloria. Gloria? Yeah. I mean, at least he got the G. <laughs> yeah. For gangster. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Thank you. 
But like I said, then came the army, mm. and like I said, it's unclear whether he dra- with, whether he was drafted or enlisted. Mm. But he did not last long, leaving just weeks later on January 29th, nineteen seventy two, with an honorable discharge. Oh shit! He would not fight in Vietnam, nor would he die there. He seemed to seize upon this great relief of a newfound embrace of life. He and Gardenia became parents month, months after his discharge. They named their daughter Lakenya and married a month later. He worked a steady job at a factory that made corrugated boxes. What's corrugated boxes? No idea. Sounds like egg cartons, but that could be wrong. I don't know. Oh. But that apparent happiness lasted only a few years. The couple split. And uh, his former mother-in-law, Rosa Jeter, who's 94, which is crazy, mm-hmm. says they were just young and didn't know. And then in 1994, Gardenia died of cancer. Damn. She was only 38. Their daughter, by then in her early 20s, could take care of herself, while Tarid was then alone. He moved to Massachusetts and lived with family for a while. Then in, late, in the late 1990s, he arrived in New York and then led all his troubles. Mm. Sam Sloan, an attorney at the New York Defender's Office, was monitoring the courtroom arraignments one day in 2019 when a tall, older man approached and said his attorney had directed him here for a new Metro card. He says, he came down and started talking to me. This cool, very polite guy. There's always some people you talk to and say, why is he in this building right now? He came to learn about the man, Walter Reed, and his case, and eventually became his lawyer. When he left on parental leave this summer, he landed his files to Miss Mitwitanti. Mm, hey, the goat. So he says, this is probably the most stressful case to transfer to someone else. It's the kind of guy who requires a lot of patience and curiosity. I remember telling her, this case could break you, as it has literally almost broken myself. At the same time, it's why you at least say you want to do this work. They both teamed with a forensic caseworker, Taylor Garzone, who, like the attorneys, has spoken at great length with Mr. Reed and sought to understand his compulsions and his attachment to a sinister building that no one else can see. And... I really like the way that line is written because it makes me think of um, uh, the Sanctum Sanctorum, Doctor Strange's home in yeah. the Marvel Universe, yeah. where no one can actually see it unless mm-hmm. you're summoned by Doctor Strange mm-hmm. or sent there. Like it's his, his his Sanctum Sanctorum is right on Bleecker Street, but you can't see it. But you can't the one see it. So it's kind of like him, his own three one two Riverdale Drive is what. Yeah, he, that's interesting, man. I mean, I, I was gonna say um, you mentioning his whole history. Like this guy has a whole life, you yeah. Know? And I wonder when his illusions started, you know, and whether. Like I don't know how I don't I'm not I'm not at all informed on this, but whether it occurred after his wife passed away or since Vietnam or this and that, what what point, you know, was this uh, occurring and stuff? And I mean, I I'll just know. say there's no definite answer to yeah, that. Yeah, it's just a sum up of his of him up until now. Is he alive still? He's still alive. Let's go. <laughs> Let's <laughs> and because it seems like a lot of his legal troubles came as soon as he moved into New York. Yeah, yeah. So it a yeah. lot of his legal troubles came in his later life. And and I think it seems also that the police are also just kind of like there's no use of pressing charges on this guy like listen like it would do more wrong to put him in a jail cell the know? article tries to sort of touch a little bit on the mental health aspect yeah, yeah, of things yeah. of like clearly this guy is ill yeah and, that's what i mean yeah. and in new york we mm-hmm. don't really have the capabilities to deal with people that are ill that are sort of causing crimes yeah, but not still really functioning and stuff like that yeah so it's like mm. how do you deal with people that are mentally ill smack but him. are not causing crime <laughs> just smack the shit out of him <laughs> <laughs> boy <laughs> Every time we call, just have a phone that smacks him whenever he says three one two over there. That'd be funny as fuck. <laughs> Damn though, or maybe they could just ignore his phone calls, which is not that's not a good idea. <laughs> so in, it's interesting. I, they kind of say something like that, but um, <laughs> that's crazy. It's the cops. <laughs> 
I mean, when you get that many calls a day from the, at the nah, same location. Man. Nah, bro. You got to pick up the phone, bro. But uh, Mr. Garzon, mm. the, uh, the I'm sorry, I lost his title, mm. the caseworker, the forensic caseworker, case he says there's something about that location that reminds him of his previous trauma. Mm. He genuinely believes that someone is in danger. Someone's being harmed there. Mr. Sloan said Mr. Reed, Mr. Sloan being his lawyer, yeah. his past lawyer, mm -hmm. said Mr. Reed often calls him in the middle of the night. He does not answer and Mr. Reed leaves long voicemail messages. He says he's not sleeping. He's lonely. He can't get his mind to stop racing. There's some sort of catharsis or, or comforting feeling he gets when he calls. There's a need to explain the whole situation over and over. He'll call me the next day and you can tell he's calmed himself down. The police seem to largely ignore Mr. Reed and the false reports. The fact that he always used the same address made the calls easy to dismiss, like spam emails. But then in late 2021 or early 2022, Mr. Reed failed to show for a court hearing in the ongoing $60 crack cocaine case from 2018. A warrant was issued for his arrest. Some bullshit. And th this is where you start to really feel bad for him. Mm. He was picked up April 4th and sent to Rikers Island. Oh, and wow. later to a veteran's hospital in Brooklyn for medical supervision. The calls stopped. He did not have access to a phone. You know, it's crazy real quick that he was sent to a veteran's hospital, but he barely served in the army. Like, that's just kind of a way like, oh, well, you were enlisted. So we're just going to put you in this little group of people that were along with you. I mean, you as soon as you enlist or yeah. as soon as you're part of the army, like mm -hmm. you're automatically like oh, entitled get, to get, that. Uh, I just also feel like it's looked at as like, because I'm not trying to say it in a bad way. Of course, whoever fought, fights for a country, you know, good for them and thank you for them. But I'm trying to say also that there's also this stereotype to like we, we saw a lot of people from uh, that like veterans come to starbucks you get me mm -hmm. and they were and most people pointed them out i won't say who but as homeless or as like mentally ill and stuff like that and not that they were all perfect but they were also just older you know and there's this little mixture that's con commonly done that i always kind of have like a little squirrel with that it's like kind of look at people who are just different minded and you know they may appear to be insane you know quote unquote insane but really they're just you know from a different time you mm -hmm. get me and uh and people would like to equate mental illness with homelessness you know and i know that's definitely a frequent you know thing that happens you know the but i think that more often than not homeless people are mentally ill not all homeless not, not all mentally ill people are homeless mm -hmm. you get me and there's like this confusion that we put we label veterans with all the time you get me and I mean, in this case, this guy's definitely mentally ill. You know, he's not homeless, though. But there's this kind of cliche and this and that. You're right, though. I'm not trying to say that a veteran's care is wrong. But there's just also just... I mean, he was at the Rikers and then there. And at what point are you kind of grouped with this just... We don't take care of our veterans in America, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I mean, you know? and like I said, the article um, tries to point that out. Yeah. I didn't really... Uh, I kind of, like, erased it, that from my notes and stuff. I will say this last thing. Trump did make it that they took care of our veterans very well. Oh, yeah? Much, much better than a past like presidencies. And I don't mind, I mean to say that for Trump, but that was very much depressing the news a lot. And people very much don't like to hype up things because of Donald Trump. But that's something that he did do very well. So I wouldn't know. And I know. <laughs> <laughs> and I need to educate myself more, but I know for a fact that's a real thing. So I just think that when it affects people in a good way, we should also point that out. And that should always be every president, not just him. And I'm sure there was other presidents in the past that did that, but I just want to bring that up because people are going to be like, oh, this motherfucker's going to do Donald Trump. I'm going to be like, ooh. <laughs> I love that. Like, ooh, I don't even vote. Ooh. <laughs> exactly. Bro, I don't give a fuck. But I think it's important. And I hope like I hope that inspires somebody to look that up themselves as I look it up myself. 
and then we can have some tea or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> and throw that tea in the river. <laughs> in the river, bro. <laughs> or at a, at a blind person's face. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, uh, I just think of uh, this Always a Sunny in Philadelphia joke where uh, some guy's really depressed and like uh, Mac and D, like the bartender that's Always Sunny, you know, they're trying to make him happy. But nothing they're doing is making him happy. So then the video, you know, it's a rich fuck. He's like, you know what we're going to do? We're going we're gonna to fill up our balloons with champagne and then we're going to go on a limo and we're going to find the next homeless person and roll in the windows and we're going to throw the water balloons at their face and it's going to splash in their face and, and we're going to say, uh, how does the taste of a good life taste? <laughs> <laughs> and the guy starts laughing. I don't know, man. Like, uh, It's just so stupid, but it's so it's just cruel humor that's retarded, you know, but it's still funny. <laughs> <laughs> now, how do you like a taste of the good life or something like that it's just uh <laughs> completely irrelevant <laughs> we gotta we got, like, look that up on somebody's funny it's so fucking funny man it's it's so <laughs> anyway <laughs> so like i said uh-huh. he got sent to rikers then he got sent to medical supervision okay he did not he didn't have access to a phone so the calls were stopped pretty much oh, wow. mm. damn his streak his three, his Snapchat three. Damn, bro. He was sent home in late May, but his troubles mm. followed, namely smoking crack and calling nine one one, albeit both relatively sparingly. It is unclear whether there is a link between the two, because using cocaine is likely to promote acting upon one's urges. But Mister Reed's haunting delusions about three one two Riverside mm-hmm. have crested during periods of sobriety as well. And the article says there is no magic pill to stop and calling 911. Yeah. Mr. Reed has been medicated to stabilize his anxieties in recent months with signs of success. His surest path to being released from the court system is to show continued absence from drugs and 911 calls. Mm-hmm. In court hearings, judges reminded him of the importance of self-control. He promised to comply. A week or so later, after he was sent home on June 6, just after midnight, a dispatcher answered a call about an assault in progress in a hotel at 312 Riverside Drive. Damn, Link. <laughs> Link just fell real quick, actually. <laughs> you good, bud? <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> that, was, that was so random. He's like, this rain is fucking with me. It's raining, by the way, for those that are listening. It's fucking raining like crazy right now. Yeah, he definitely doesn't yeah. like it. <laughs> I can He's see. like, yo, man, do I gotta go yeah. out there? <laughs> He's like, you don't hear that. <laughs> <laughs> just every, every raindrop falling, he just hears like a big splash. <laughs> just hear, <laughs> Sorry, like, it's only the apocalypse. At least we're not Puerto Rico. Not what? <laughs> damn. damn, damn Link. Link, why'd you say that, bro? That's Race disgusting. ass motherfucker. Fucking disgusting, bro. Damn. <laughs> 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 uh, the medication has been helping yeah mm-hmm. but uh, and then he he made another on June mm-hmm. 6th another call about 312 Riverside Drive mm-hmm. and then one day during this summer he accidentally broke his phone damn he accidentally broke I'm his phone so bro- that's so random for it to make it to the article <laughs> well it's important because because while this was a relief to the 911 system it yeah. says the article he got into real trouble it brought Mr. Reed new hardships. Oh, shit. His lawyers had a far more difficult time reaching him. Oh. He missed court-mandated appointments of counselors, perhaps because he was unaware of them or could not call to reschedule. And in August, he missed an appointment in Harlem where he was to be given a new phone. At a hearing in August, a judge uh, who, who has overseen Mr. Reed's case for years voiced her displeasure and urged him to get a new phone. 
They say, nobody wants this, but if it continues like this, if you're not going, we're going to have to remand you to jail. I'm going to issue a bench warrant for your arrest. I don't want to do that, but I will. This is bullshit, man. I feel like this guy is just trying to just exist in his own way that he only knows. And everybody's getting upset at him. And a little little note that the article puts here is that mm-hmm. after that was said, Mr. Reed lowered his head and Miss Mutanti reached over and gently rubbed his back. Mm-hmm. So it definitely speaks to sort Mutanti's of like... The, the homie. That's it definitely homie. speaks to the fact that like people are trying to help him and mm-hmm. this is such a unique case yeah. where it's just like people don't know what to do with yeah, him. It's, they it's, really don't know what to do with yeah, him. Man. I don't I wouldn't know either. I don't know. But for me, it just seems like, oh, I, I just my, my thought, like, I don't again, I'm not an expert or nothing, but I genuinely think that he's calling because I think there's a certain realization that he upheld or always had within him and realized the most when he went to Vietnam, like to go fight for like those two weeks. And I think with that realization like just really sprouted this urge and anxiety to always help you know and i think that's really i don't again i'm not i have no idea but if i were to link any two events you know especially with just you know um just what what can trigger that i feel like that's a major thing right there because he probably saw some crazy shit regardless the author of the article which i'll say their name real quick Mm -hmm. um kind of at the end of the article makes their sort of stance on why they think is it john uh, sudeikis (laughs) yeah jason sudeikis (laughs) oops (laughs) But uh, the author of this is Michael Wilson from the New York Times. Nice. Um, but he kind of makes his own little stance of mm-hmm. like what he thinks um, these actions are being caused by. Mm-hmm. But uh, we're pretty much near the end of the article mm-hmm. where um, he's uh, the article points out it was an irony bordering on the absurd. A man whose life has been upended in large part because of his misuse of his cell phone was being scolded, even threatened with arrest for issues stemming from his no longer having a cell phone. And that kind of speaks of like, you know, imagine if he didn't have a phone. Exactly. Yeah. And it's like now that he doesn't have a phone, he's getting scolded for yeah, it. Like now he's actually. Yeah. Like now he's actually dealing with consequences yeah. for not having a phone. It's ridiculous. And then another phone call happens. New York City 911, <laughs> do you need police, fire, or medical? It was an otherwise typical call, nine, typical 911 call from Mr. Reed about an imaginary terror cell operating out of 3012 Riverside, one of 283 calls he made in June 2021. But in it was something different, a flicker, perhaps of truth. He says, please send the police, 312 Riverside Drive. He said, I'm downstairs in the basement. I'm security. I'm watching the people in room 340. There's people up there with a bomb. And the article notes, I'm security. And the article continues. A young boy becomes an orphan, and the home that he knew is gone. In a new one, in a new one far away, he grows tall and lean, singing and joking. He finds a home of his own and sets to filling it with a wife, a child, with work. Then it, too, is gone. The marriage, then the wife... And with them, the man's sense of place and purpose. I'm security. In creating a place called 312 Riverside Drive, a 70-year-old recovering addict with bad legs has built a world that terrifies him day and night. And yet the invisible place that has taken so much from him has given something as well. At 312 Riverside, Mr. Reed is part of a community of men and women who very desperately need him. Here, he is vital and he is important. He is the help that is always on the way. And that's how the article ends. That's a very interesting article. I like the article very, very much because I feel like it just tells a good story about one individual, but it speaks so much towards so much other things that happen in the world. 
And I think that's very crazy. It's a very crazy article. Like that's just super informative and props to Michael Wilson for writing it. Thank you for sharing it on the show and stuff like that. But that's super interesting. And it, and it speaks levels to just how we uh, oversee and react to mental illness in general, but particularly like with the cops, because that's like one of those situations where, you know, people get shot usually and, and die because they're having like a suicide, you know, a little moment or like artistic people and this and that and police don't know how to react. But this is a more, you know, same type of situation, but in a more simmering way instead of a real heat filled situation, like no yeah, violence. It's, yeah, it's just like it, it kind of goes back to, again, of the idea of that, like he's not doing te- he's not technically yeah. doing anything illegal, mm-hmm. but he's causing a lot of trouble. And it's and it's causing like not force, but like response that has to be done. And nobody knows how to really react, you know, but there's there's no nice way to go about this because he's still kind of on the brink of committing crimes, you know, and they're just trying to catch him in any act that they can to put him in situations that are just worse than just what he really needs is, you know, which is like somebody to be with him, like a nurse or something, I think so. And he probably can't afford it or can't access the resources. I mean, if he lost his phone and was sent to jail, it just goes to show how incapable he is to lead a daily life. Yeah, you know? I mean, definitely, like, this is the kind of person that requires assistance. Yeah. And, yeah. and again, it just speaks to the fact that we are not uh, capable. We're, mm-hmm. we're not, um, uh, mm-hmm. what's the word, like, set. We're not ready yeah. to deal with people like this. We, yeah. we don't have the means to really, like, yeah. solve these solutions. And that just really mm-hmm. sucks. And it's hard because it's, it, it's not even just one specific, like mental illness is just such a peculiar unique and <clears throat> specific situation and that's the thing about mental illness that it doesn't just cover it doesn't blanket all people in one single area you know that's why i guess what i mean with the whole veterans thing that yes a lot of people from the veteran a lot of veterans suffer from mental illness or have ptsd and anything in that range but everybody reacts to it so differently you get me so <clears throat> there's no certain way on how to 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 like help with that like there's a broad way to help with these things and broad reactions to things but when you have such a specific reaction like calling for 312 riverdale drive river river was it riverside drive riverside drive it's just think about it like he's not the only one he just happens to have this longevity of a situation you get me and some other people have those situations that cut down real short but in a more violent manner like something that I think of uh, mm-hmm. from an old coworker of mine, where he says, "There's no guidebook to dealing with mental illness. No, like you don't know how to help someone with mental mm-hmm. illness. Like we might have medication and things mm-hmm. like that, and the article does point out that the medication helped with his anxiety, mm-hmm. but it didn't stop yeah. 911 calls. Yeah, there's just some things that are are just sort of you. There's no solution to. We're not it. there yet." We're just not there yet, yeah. and it's it, it's really unfortunate. But yeah. it, I think, it speaks to that volume that sometimes we need to be more understanding than yeah. we need to be con- uh, vindictive. Yes, yes, I agree, and it's uh, <clears throat> and it's it's very difficult. And thankfully, we're not the ones in handling of that situation. But this is one of those articles that I feel that everybody in New York City should read that article. Like, if you've lived here your whole life, like you should read that article. We explain it to you, but I think it's super crucial. We should share it on the social just cause in some sort of way where we can like sum it up. But I think it's really, really important because it just goes to show that you should always, always respect people, they, anyone around you, because you don't, you li- like, I know that's cliche to say, but you don't know what anybody's going through ever. So that's literally yeah. a perfect um, example. Yeah. And, and I'll just throw it out there. Uh-huh. The only reason why I read it off the laptop uh-huh. is because there were a lot of quotes. <laughs> okay. I was like, I'm not going to write these many quotes. <laughs> 
I'm not gonna write these many quotes. <clears throat> well, these are the two um, things that remind me of. So one one is this quick thing. Uh, first of all, the, shout out to this Instagram called Ride the News, all one word, all lowercase on Instagram, and they do very like they inform like a motherfucker. Like they do they they they're very informative. Is what I'm saying. Okay. They give you very great stories. But look at this. I'm just going to read it from post to post because it's very interesting. This is the lady I'm going to read to you about, right? Okay. All right. Her name is, uh, let's see, Sally Hafiz, right? Okay. Or Sally Hafiz. Last week, Sally Hafiz stormed a bank in Lebanon. She aimed what appeared to be a pistol and demanded $13,000 in cash. A group of her doused gasoline everywhere inside, took out a lighter, and threatened to light it, a witness said. It looked like a robbery, but was it? She says, I did not break in the bank to kill anyone or set that place on fire, Hafiz later said on a live stream. She said, I am here to get my rights. The pistol was a toy, and she had deposited $20,000 in the bank previously, and the money she stole, quote, stole was for her sister's cancer treatment. She said, I had begged the branch manager before for my money, and she said, I, have, I reached a point where I had nothing to lose, nothing else to lose. Now, ever since she's done this raid, she's become a national celebrity. What makes this interesting is this. Lebanon has been in a crisis for years. To keep money in the country, its banks have limited cash withdrawals of U.S. dollars since 2020. Up to 75% of the country now lives in poverty. Hmm. Others have done the same as Hafiz, including a food delivery driver who took 10 bank customers hostage to get his savings. They said, there is no government, no economic recovery plan, he said. People must take matters into their own hands. And the article, you know, semi-article, because IG, says there isn't a clear path out of the crisis. Lebanon has no money and can't reach an agreement to borrow what it needs. Local cash is worthless, and much of the country has no power. There have been at least seven, quote, robberies, and some Lebanese banks have closed indefinitely. For now, there is no end in sight. So that's all it says. And um, the reason I think about that is because, like, these are crimes that are the crimes, you know? And I just, for some reason, I thought of that. But what else made me think of something is this. I don't know if you know this guy um, on YouTube. Who is this guy? <laughs> I'll tell you right now. But his name is Martin Cabello. Nah. Okay. Don't know this guy. So if you don't know who Martin Cabello is. Sounds fake. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, I'll tell you this. You might, if, if for listeners, you might have seen this guy um on YouTube or like any any social media. So look at this guy. I'm gonna show Javi. We're gonna turn off turn on the sound real quick. Here's my gas can. My brother Josh blew himself up and his two kids. You ever seen that? No. Alright. So that's like a it's like kind of a meme, but it kinda of isn't, right? And he's dead serious. His brother Josh, well his brother or his friend Josh Blew up his house with his two kids. And uh, he goes on for the video. So we're going to play the rest. So I knew this guy for a while because he says, and we can't play that probably on Spotify because it's YouTube. So he says, uh, he's holding a gas canister. And he says, my brother Josh died. He blew himself up and his two kids. And I remember I seen that before. I was like, what the fuck? And then I seen the video again. And he posts a lot, but his IG got taken down. Mind you, his name is Martin Cabello, right? And now, so I was on Reddit the other day. You saw me sending you a bunch of Instagram shits, and mm -hmm. I was like, this is a bunch of random shit. Now, I, so I was like, who the fuck is Martin Cabello? Quick sum up, he was somebody who used to work for the FBI that used to handle kids that were used as drug mules or, like, sexually molested and assaulted. And it was him and a group of other people. And um, 
so a lot of people speculate that he's he's very like cons- a conspiracy theory now and he blames a lot of his neighbors around his neighborhood um for like you know committing crimes like rape and being and like uh, trafficking people and children and saying the government has like plans in the neighborhood and a secret location that he has keys to like all these kind of weird things right wow and uh it's proven as a fact that he's autistic but they don't know as a fact that if he's lying about these fbi things or not huh right so it reminds me of what you're saying about this guy what was his name again walter reed right so i looked up at somebody on reddit and shout out to reddit because it's so fucking amazing <laughs> right isn't and, it yeah man and this is this article is more than 10 years old but I'm going to read this article just because this is the article concerning his brother, Josh, Coke brother, Josh. Again, I don't know if it's his brother or not. Right. And I just want you to hear it because, first of all, it's crazy. And the title reads, U.S. father Josh Powell blows himself up with two young children. All right. So I'm going to just read it. It's not too long, but I, I just figured you would understand it more than me. I'm just going to read it very carefully and like coherently. Right. Okay. Days after a judge ruled against him in a child custody hearing, a father and his two young sons were killed on Sunday when police said he appeared to intentionally blow up a house with all three inside. A tragic ending to a bizarre case that began more than two years ago when his wife Susan went mysteriously missing in Utah. Hmm. A social worker brought the two boys to Josh Powell's home in Graham, Washington, for what has for what was to be a supervised visit and Powell let his sons inside, but then blocked the social worker from entering. The grand fire and rescue chief Gary Franz said. The social worker called her supervisors to report that she could smell gas and moments later, the home exploded. On Sunday, the lawyer for Susan Powell's parents, Chuck and Judy Cox said, the children had started talking to their grandparents about things they remembered from the night their mother vanished. Quote, they were beginning to verbalize more, end quote, said attorney Steve Downing, whose clients had custody of the children. Quote, the oldest boy talked about that they went camping and that mommy was in the trunk, end quote. Mom and dad got out of the car and mom disappeared, end quote. Ed Troyer, the county sheriff's spokesman, said emails that Powell sent authorities seemed to confirm that Powell's plan, Powell planned a deadly blast. Troyer didn't elaborate on the contents of the emails, but said they make police believe this is intentional. This is planned. Authorities said they found three bodies in the home late on Sunday afternoon as fire crews and police continued to search the rubble. Troyer said it appeared some sort of accelerant was used to make the house burn faster. Jeffrey Bassett, who represented Powell in the custody case, said he received a brief email from his client just minutes before Powell and the two boys died. It read, quote, I'm sorry. Goodbye. End quote. The email arrived at 12.05 p.m. on Sunday, about 10 minutes before the explosion. But he didn't see it until two hours later, when others told him Josh and the boys had been killed. He said he knew Josh was upset after being ordered to undergo a psychosexual evaluation recently, but he didn't see this coming. Powell was under investigation in the disappearance of his 28-year-old wife, Susan, from their West Valley City, Utah home in December 2009. He claimed he had taken the boys on a midnight excursion in freezing temperatures when she vanished. The children, five-year-old Brayden and seven-year-old Charles, had been living with Susan Powell's parents since Josh Powell's father, Stephen, was arrested on child abuse image and voyeurism charges last autumn. On Wednesday, a judge had denied an attempt by Josh Powell to regain custody, saying she wouldn't consider returning the two boys to their father until he underwent a psychosexual evaluation. Sherry Hill, a spokesperson from the Washington Department of Social and Health Services, said the social worker who was with the children was not a Child Protective Services employee, 
but a contract worker with the private agent that supervises visits for the states. The fuck? Yeah. The visit supervisor for this particular agency had taken the children to the home. When she does that, she sits through the visit and might take notes on her observations, Hill said. She pulled up in the car and the kids ran out ahead of her. He closed the door and locked it. She wasn't able to get in and then she smelled gas. Almost done. Lawyer Steve Downing, who represented Susan Powell's parents, Chuck and Judy Cox, in the custody fight, said, quote, It's the most horrifying thing you can imagine happening. The Coxes are absolutely devastated. They were always very fearful of him doing something like this, and he did it. Bassett said he represented Powell free of charge because, quote, every parent deserves the right to an attorney, end quote. This is, this is fucking crazy. Powell called or emailed him at least once a day, and often more than that, and in their conversation said, quote, he never once admitted... Oh, no, sorry, my bad. Let me read that again. Bassett said he represented Powell free of charge because, quote, every parent deserves the right to an attorney. Hmm. Powell called or emailed him at least once a day and often more than that. And in their conversations, quote, he never once admitted doing anything regarding Susan. In fact, he denied it. Interesting. Sergeant Mike Powell of West Valley City Police Department in Utah, which is handling the investigation into Susan Powell's disappearance, said it was too soon to say how Powell's death may impact their case. Quote, quite frankly, this is obviously quickly unfolded up in Washington, and we're obviously just working through the details ourselves here, said Powell, who is not related to the family. The day of hearing last Wednesday, Powell submitted a six-page affidavit attesting to his love of the boys and his competence as a caregiver and insisting that it was time for the boys to come home. This is what he wrote. For over four months already, my interactions with my sons and many other aspects of my character have been investigated and documented by CPS, he wrote. Quote, I have proven myself as a fit and loving father who provides a stable home, even in the face of great adversity. It is time for my sons to come home. End quote. Damn. And he blew his kids up. That's crazy. <laughs> That's fucking crazy, right? When I read the article, I was kind of confused because there's a lot of names in there, and I was like, who the fuck is who and everything? Uh-huh. But um, I only want to read that out because this guy, again, Martin Cabello, M-A-R-T-I-N space C-A-B-E-L-L-O. Again, he sees these things, and he always is saying, they don't know if he's trolling or it's also like maybe it may be a... Um, you know, a consequence of his autism or whatever, mm-hmm. or maybe his past working in the FBI or this and that. And there's not so much information on him, but there's articles from his neighbors like hating being around him, and his IG got taken down and stuff like that. So, <clears throat> like he was on Instagram as ti underscore me underscore two underscore mass underscore soul underscore i underscore exist. That was his Instagram. Yeah, that was that was his uh, Instagram and. It's a beautiful uh, like Reddit link because it's just people very interested in his whole story, you know. Mm. And there's a whole bunch of things people are trying to say that he's trying to make. Um, he's very intelligent and like takes a fucking handful of vitamins every single day. Um, he gives out like fitness advice and this and that. He wants to make a book that has the Bible and some certain science like aspect of life within together. I don't know, bro. Okay. But um, it reminds me very much of what you're saying. And it just like, if he's a troll, he's a troll. But if he's not, like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah. I think, again, that just kind of speaks of like, you don't know what's going on in yeah. someone's head. No, and you that, really don't. And we've only mentioned two people. And there's like a billion. There's like, now there's like eight billion people on earth, man. Oh, what, what the fuck was that? <laughs> you heard that? 
What? The beep, 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 yeah, you know? that was that was Lucas. Oh shit! <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "What the fuck? Are we about to explode, bro?" <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, it's crazy world. Super crazy world. Yeah, I, definitely some interesting characters out there. But mm. I think it's just important to kind of remind yourself that you don't really know what's happening in someone's life. Yeah. Ever. And I think it's important to remind yourself that the most that you can do for someone is just try and be a little empathetic to, to strangers. Or just admit it's, you don't know what's going on. It's easy to be empathetic to your friends, mm-hmm. but try being empathetic to a stranger. Always. Try try like putting yourself in someone else's shoes of someone that you don't know. Yeah, man. That that might change your your perspective on things. Yeah, no doubt, bro, because it's just uh I mean it's just again, we've only mentioned two people, but there's so much people out there that are just I mean, we call it crazy, but crazy is turning out to be everybody to be honest with I mean, you everyone's man. crazy that's what i think that's what i think i'm always saying man like every time somebody's like you're crazy i'm like we're all crazy <laughs> you know what i mean like we really are all crazy and it's the people that seem the most normal that you're like what the fuck you're the craziest bro get the fuck out of here <laughs> you know like I don't, there's a there's um, a song in in uh, our album section later today mm-hmm. that uh kind of speaks on that a little bit i'll try and keep that in mind for nice, when we get nice. to it i'll write, I'll write it down i really i'll keep a mental note though <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, man. I just want to read that out because it just that came up this week, and I just had to bring it up now because it just makes so much sense with this story right here with the river, Riverside. Mm-hmm. Right? Okay, I keep thinking Riverdale, all the time. Yo, Riverdale hurts me. It's a good show. Nah, <laughs> I'm an Archie fan, uh-huh. and that show has nothing to do with Archie. <laughs> like they just use the characters' names. Archie, like the comic. Yeah. Okay. That's what Riverdale's is. It's an Archie show. Really? Yeah. What the hell? They just took the world of Archie, the the, the characters uh-huh. and like the way they look. Like the tiger? Like or am I thinking about something else? You're thinking of Calvin and Hobbes. Calvin and Hobbes. But Archie's the rich kid? No, that's Richard the kid. Yeah. And Archie Archie is... Archie is a redhead. Redhead, redhead. kid. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Um, but he look, he reminds me of Dennis the Menace. Dennis. <laughs> Let me look up Archie real quick because I, I know. I, but but yeah, like the I I really like the Archie comics a lot, and that Riverdale show does not do the comics justice. Oh yeah, this guy. They man. they just use the characters and their oh, names and yeah. tell their own story. This guy right here. Yeah, that's Archie. Man, that's an old ass uh, comics. You used to read them a lot. I used to read them growing up, and then I also re- read them recently uh-huh. uh, over the last like ten years. What are they about? Uh, They're just like high school stuff. Uh, from like- from what I remember, just because of like the more more recent comics that I've read mm-hmm. in the last ten years, uh, Nick Spencer wrote some Archie comics at some point. Mm-hmm. Nick Spencer is a great author. Uh, do you remember when that whole thing came out about Captain America saying "Hail Hydra"? No, but I just finished Winter Soldier. Okay. Uh-huh. Well, there there was uh, some point in the comics where Captain America was like Hail Hydra, and that mm-hmm. became a meme across the internet of like really? uh, where people were really upset of like what the fuck are they doing Hitler with Captain Man. America? <laughs> but and, that was part of the comic books, right, and everything. And Nick Spencer was writing uh, Captain America at the time, oh, okay. but that that's like what he's recently more famous, mm. famous, infamously known for. Mm. But uh, even I thought in like, the Soldier, I was like, damn, this is pretty daring for like a Captain America book, but it's also historical as fuck and everything. And obviously correlates with, you know, what they were doing before in the past. Mm-hmm. Cause instead of like the one hand, like slanted upwards, it was like two hands up or something like that. Uh-huh. Yeah. But it was definitely just Hitler shit and everything. <laughs> <laughs> Uh-huh. But yeah, so it, Nick Spencer wrote Archie comics for a little bit, mm-hmm. and those are really fun because they kind of dealt with like a lot of mystery stuff and things like that, and mm-hmm. a lot of sort of just like oh, cool. high school drama and whatever. And it's just mm-hmm. they're fun comics. I gotta check them out. Um, I have a, I have a, actually when I was in Utah, I have a whole bunch of comics like a variety, and there's a couple I want to show you that are very OG, like old, like you know what I mean. And 
Uh, one thing I wanted to ask: Do you think they'll ever make a Superman movie, like a live Superman movie, where he actually punches Hitler or defeats Hitler? Nah, nah, I don't think so. They should though, because that's what it was about, right? Well, I mean, that's what I mean. That, that was one issue, right? I don't even remember. I all I remember is Captain America punching. Was Hitler. it Captain America? Captain well, America saying, punches Do you think Hitler. they'll do that with Captain America punching Hitler? Well, they kind of did that in, in that the one? first Captain America movie, they, where they, they did do it on stage. But they should do it with actual Hitler. You feel me? I don't think they want to put Hitler on screen. Well, they got to, bitch, because that's <laughs> history, motherfucker. <laughs> that's history, bro. It has to be like that. But was it? I thought you said with the um, Superman. Remember we did the highlight with Superman and it was the two guys, the Jewish guys that invented Superman or something like that? Mm-hmm. And then they didn't put the issue out with him or it was Captain America. That was Captain America. Nice. Nice. <laughs> well, I think they should do that or there should be like a fan adaptation, which I'm sure there is. A lot of original yeah. comics like back from the day from the 40s and 50s yeah. were written and created by Jewish kids. So, And then today even, there's a lot of media entertainment still created by Jewish people. <laughs> so. Yeah, but now, uh, but now we're up to GTA Six leaks. GTA Six leaks. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and we're here at the GTA Six leaks. GTA Six leaks. All right, cool. So you said you saw this uh, pop so up online. I saw this on a thing called Virtual Red Band, right? That I always talk about and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Uh, real quick, I want to hear from our left here, my right here, but that's cool. It's gonna record still, right? Yeah. All right, cool. So I'll say that again. So yeah, I heard that from. Um, I heard it from this guy called Virtual Red Band, right? Who, like, you know, help the Joe Rogan stuff and everything, but he does his own thing at night. That's where I get most of my VR news, like video game news and stuff like that. All I've heard is this, that there's, you can't really, you can't really show the content on YouTube and stuff because they might take you down because Rockstar is constantly pulling out the, you know, items and stuff because they don't want it out. Mm. But I saw it on Instagram. But um, the three things I heard is this, that they, sh- they that, uh, the person that leaked the things are trying to work with Rockstar to uh, like get money to not leak more, mm-hmm. and that's the two things I heard. And I, then I seen the actual videos, which I think is pretty dope. And it kind of sucks for GTA to be honest <laughs> with you, but it's like you may as well like ten fucking years. <laughs> like I kind of don't feel bad, honestly speaking. So I don't know, but that's all I got for that stuff. Okay. <clears throat> well, I mean, I I'll just sort of uh, run down the sort of general consensus of what's going on okay. but a hacker has leaked over 90 plus images and clips crazy. of early development of gta 6 crazy and they are now ex- attempting extortion like you said mm-hmm. and uh, rockstar games and take two interactive are doing damage control and this is one of if not the biggest leaks in the medium's history mm-hmm. so this is one of the biggest video game leaks in history and um, mind you with leaks i always think that leaks are done purposefully so i always feel like when like music artists have their shit leaked and stuff like that i I don't think it's uh like malicious i think they did that on purpose to get their stuff out to hype it up and advertise it more mm-hmm. so i don't know man i don't really believe in that whole leak stuff well <clears> i mean <throat> in terms of the video game industry i yeah. think i think the might be a little different i think it's a little different in terms of the principles because mm-hmm. like w- like when music gets leaked it maybe gets leaked like a month in advance like mm-hmm. you get the album like a month early true that doesn't mean that the album is unfinished like yeah. that's like the finished version of the album they mm-hmm. just haven't released it yet yeah. when it comes to leaks in the video game industry this is uh footage and clips of an unfinished version of the product okay and i think that's the biggest uh difference in terms of like other mediums and i think uh leaks in the video game industry are much more damaging than any other industry Gotcha. Um, and yeah, because they spoiled something like this. The, the female, the female, the main role is going to be a female. And, mm-hmm. and it's going to be a couple of things. And a couple of things they spoiled, like dialogue between one character and the other and stuff. And so that kind of sucks. So yeah. I'll get into a little bit of that. Mm-hmm. But uh, 
Yeah, so mm-hmm. way back in 2018, there were supposed leaks from an insider surrounding GTA 6. Those leaks back in 2018 included mm-hmm. that... Uh, uh, what did I write here? What the fuck is know. this? <laughs> I don't know, bro. <laughs> uh, whatever. Mm-hmm. The game would take place in a fictional Miami Vice City. There we go. That's extending who. its reach to South America's. Mm-hmm. It would also include the first ever playable female Latina lead. Hey. And it is inspired by Bonnie and Clyde narrative with two playable characters Mm -hmm. and that it would be released by late 2024 into early 2025. Okay. And so on Sunday, September 19th, a GTA forums user, Teapot Uber Hacker, published a post titled GTA 6 parentheses Americas leak Mm -hmm. 90 plus MP4 footage slash videos. And the thread post reads, hi, here are 90 footage slash clips from GTA 6. It's possible I could leak more data soon. GTA 5 and 6 source code and assets, GTA 6 testing build. Wait, did they name themselves or was it a random person? Their, their, like, u- their user like, is okay. Teapot Uber Hacker. Oh, okay. that's, Teapot that's, Uber Hacker. That's all, they, that, that's all there is to this person's all right, name. All right. They say, my telegram is blah, blah, blah for any question evidence attached under and they had download links and images and all this stuff and early on they were skeptics to the validity of the leaks mm-hmm. but further evidence was posted onto the forum that uh supported that this was true and the footage spread like wildfire online rockstar and take two began removing uh the footage mm-hmm. which further validated the legitimacy of the leak because gotcha. they wouldn't take down something that wasn't real yeah and so, it looked really unfinished like there was like coding and shit that was happening within the screen and stuff so you could tell that i mean again i still don't think that it was fully done maliciously you're right though it could be different for like video games and stuff but still i don't know i mean <clears throat> with this we know that it was leaked from an outside person it okay, wasn't okay. leaked from like someone from rockstar that's it what was, they say though that's what they I say i don't know i'll get into that a little right. bit okay but um so yeah some of some of the footage uh mm. showed a female character walking through strip club which is densely packed with npcs it showed character walking through a vice city metro train mm. which further confirms the location uh, it also showed new mechanics as to shooting while driving, mm-hmm. and it showed new a new conversation system. Mm-hmm. As the leak went viral, Teapot Uber Hacker edited his post to include extortion. He says, okay, so this has gone unexpectedly viral. Mm-hmm. Woke up to 3,000 Telegram DMs. If you are an employee of Rockstar or Take-Two and you're trying to contact me, send me a message contacting, and he writes some long-ass ID number mm-hmm. on Telegram. Or you can email me at at teapotuberhacker at protonmail.com mm-hmm. and he uh, puts in like uh, asterisks from your corporate email address I will try to read all these replies soon I am looking to negotiate a deal and I wrote I wrote down his quotes and stuff like as it's written in the post yeah and I don't think English is his first language oh cause he's cause maybe, maybe he does that I mean I don't know it's a hacker so he could just be fucking around and shit like that yeah I don't know uh-huh. but okay. they're just sort of like a lot of grammatical issues and mm. just like uh like impro- Saying stupid no okay <laughs> <laughs> and just like improper use of words like a uh-huh. uh when he says um he uses the word your but uses the improper your at some point no nah, you're just being a grammar nazi <laughs> i mean i am but at the same time it does speak to the fact that maybe english yeah. is not his first language true uh but we don't know that mm. but um so after that happened apparently uh oh and he said i'll 
like you said, I'll try to read all these replies soon. I'm mm-hmm. looking to negotiate a deal. Gotcha. So that that was his official statement on trying to make extortion on the leaks, on the things that he's uncovered and whatever. Mm-hmm. And what's crazy is that someone did make a deal to buy GTA 5 source code for $100,000. But what's what's, the, what's GTA 5 source code? So source code is just the main backbone code like of the, the base, game. like the base of the how base it functions. Of the game, like the code of the game. All right, like all this right. is like what the game runs off of. Mm-hmm. And so someone supposedly bought the source code to GTA 5, which is proprietary mm-hmm. for $100,000. That's crazy. But what's even crazier is that that was How crazy is it? Pretty crazy. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, he bought the source code. <laughs> All right. But what's crazy is that this was reported that this was a scam. All right. And that it wasn't actually T Bot Uber Hacker mm. that sold the source code. So someone impersonated T Bot Uber Hacker and sold some shit and for sold a, something oh, for a hundred thousand dollars. Oh, good for that guy then. Because if you're trying to do some some illegal shit, but then you got some illegal shit done to you back. I mean, I don't know because if you know, I don't know. I'm kind of back and forth on that because you know when a cop like earlier, when they have a cop sell somebody drugs or have a person sell them drugs to the cop undercover and stuff like uh-huh. that, and then they get arrested for it, it's like that's kind of unfair. You know, like what the fuck, <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck you do? Just don't, just don't be there, bro. Like now, there, there is one person who was um, he was selling something to an undercover cop. I think it was coke or marijuana, but now he's in jail up until this day because Damn. like, but he was very young and the the cop coerced them to make him sell him something like that. And then now he's in jail up until this day. And it's like, isn't that kind of fucked up? You get me? <laughs> like to, to trick somebody and then you put them in jail and he only sold him a gram or whatever it was. That sounds like a taste, a test of faith. Nah, that sounds like some <laughs> bullshit, bro. Fuck out of here. But okay. So the guy got finesse for the hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. So that okay. happened. Okay. But, uh, like I like I alluded to before, mm. most of the posts have been removed by Rockstar and Take Two. Okay, so you won't be seeing any footage from us ab- about this stuff. Nah, I got some footage stocked up right here. I think so. We'll I get, think so. We'll, it'll get taken down if you try and put it up. Really? Yeah. Even on Instagram and stuff like Even that. Even on Instagram, I'll figure it out. <laughs> I'll figure it out because <laughs> I thought about it. Trust yeah. me, I really thought about it, but it'll oh, get taken down. But I saw it on Instagram. And and I'm sure it's taken down now. <laughs> That's my point. Like, yeah, we can yeah. put it up, but uh-huh. it'll get taken down. We don't do it anyway. But so the GTA forums and subreddit were momentarily shut down. The GTA forums were contacted by take two to take down anything pertaining to the leak. Mm. And afterwards, GTA forums locked the original thread and removed all media codes and links uh, in that thread. Okay. The subreddit opened back up with the exception that no one posts links, photos and videos of recent links Mm. of recent leaks but they were still allowing conversation around the leak. Mm-hmm. And this is one of the most damaging things about leaks is that the potential of bad reception as a first impression. Okay. And that's, that's kind of what I was alluding to before where I think leaks in the mm-hmm. video game industry are much more damaging than in other industries. Yeah. Cause like, sure. You could maybe leak early footage of a movie and you'll say, Oh, this looks like shit. Yeah. But, but they're still working on it to make but, it look better. And it's, it's the same principle with video games. Like they're still working on it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'll I'll get to to a point that someone makes at some point, which is very inaccurate. Mm-hmm. But uh, uh, yeah, like I said, this uh, from 
this attracted a lot of bad impression from as a first impression yeah. amongst people a lot of people on twitter and whatever were just kind of like this game looks like shit gta uh, 6 looks like yeah shit. but that's very premature that, and whatever mm-hmm. and just really like shitting on rockstar and gta 6 is like oh this looks like ass gotcha. like i can't believe this is what they're working on and this and that and whatever and so it honestly when this first came out i didn't believe it mm-hmm. i was like that's yeah, what i'm right. saying that's what I, I didn't I'm, believe it okay but i the the moment i believed it was when rockstar made their official uh message on the internet mm. about this as soon as i saw rockstar respond to this yeah. i was like oh shit it was real but even then i still think that is is I don't, again, I don't trust nothing with the media in terms of that because I think the it's kind of like the don't worry darling thing. You know, I think it's the publicity is going to hype it up regardless. And so they can put out some shitty footage, but that footage can be from like five years ago and they could already be caught up because if it's going to come out in 2024, then a lot of their shit is probably already perfected and they're just kind of like, you know, uh, smoothing out the little bumpy parts of what's already an amazing game or could be an amazing game. So again, that's why my, that's where my skepticism really is because... It could all just be like a little plot to hype up the game on both sides. Because again, like I know it's different from music, but when artists have their stuff leaked, they always come out and say it themselves. Like, yeah, my stuff has been officially leaked. But then people are more hyped to hear the album because they hear little snippets of what they're expecting, you know? Um, but again, I, I believe it to a certain extent, you know? But I also think Rockstar is very smart, especially for putting out a sixth game, which is, you know, like how long can you have... Uh, what is it a saga what is it called franchise a franchise like that to exist and be popular you know because GTA GTA is a fun game but it really is the same shit over and over and over again and aside so, from GTA 5 being so you know particular and how it was revolutionary I mean and I'll just something that I'll point out mm-hmm. is that uh, something that um, the article points out mm-hmm. at, at some point is that um GTA 5 is the best selling entertainment product of all time that's crazy Like it, <laughs> I don't know that that's crazy like it beats movies, it, it beats like TV shows, it beats all that. It's the best selling entertainment product. Does of that all time. include online purchases or just the game itself? It, it includes entertainment things, so like movies, uh, film, mm. all like. Uh, mm-hmm. all but I'm that. saying, like, does that you said best selling? So, uh, yes. So does that mean like buying the game or buying things within the game also? Buying with buying things within the game as well. Because I feel like that's a little sketchy too. Because you could buy so much little things in GTA Five. No, I mean and. You know that there's controversy behind the microtransactions behind yeah. GTA Online mm-hmm. and all that shit and whatever. I, like I'll say that like I I double checked the information when I was mm-hmm. looking this up and stuff because I was like it, it like I do remember saying mm-hmm. hearing that it's the most uh, that it's the best selling entertainment product in history. Gotcha. But when I double checked that mm-hmm. information, Minecraft is the best selling video game. So when that's crazy, what the fuck? Yeah. Oh. So when I they, Mario would be that shit or something like that. Nah, Minecraft. Oh, that's crazy. So when they say that GTA Five is the best selling entertainment product in history they they are saying that in terms of like how much money it is still uh, generating yeah man compared to, to other mediums especially film yeah because avatar uh used to be the number one film of all time mm-hmm. and then endgame from marvel beat it at some point mm-hmm. or infinity war one of the two this is still the number one or something else now avatar was re-released in theaters at some point. That's some bullshit. And then it took back number one. And <laughs> that's it, some bullshit. So that's what I mean. Yeah, it's yeah. like it. It's the best-selling piece of entertainment because it can still generate revenue. All right, that makes sense. All right, that makes sense overall. Even within the microtransactions, it's still mm. fair because it's still like again uh, uh, gaining revenue and stuff like that. So, yeah, it like GTA Five 
like I said, best-selling entertainment thing in history. And wow. so GTA 6 has a lot of hype behind it. And uh, like I said, as soon as Rockstar finally had a response to this, that's mm. when I took this story serious. Gotcha. And this is their message. They say, we recently suffered a network intrusion in which an unauthorized third party illegally accessed and downloaded confidential information from our systems, including early development footage for the next Grand Theft Auto. At this time, we do not anticipate any disruption to our live game services, nor any long-term effect on the development of our ongoing projects. We are extremely disappointed to have any details of our next game shared with you in all this way. Mm -hmm. Our work on the next Grand Theft Auto game will continue as planned, and we remain as committed as ever to delivering an experience to you, our players, that truly exceeds your expectations. We will update everyone again soon, and of course, we'll properly introduce you to this next game when it is ready. Mm-hmm. We want to thank everyone for their ongoing support through this situation. Froxer mm-hmm. Games Team. So that was the, the response to the situation, and I know you might have a lot of skepticism and things yeah, yeah, like yeah. that. I I think I still fall a little more into the camp that I think because mm-hmm. it's a video game like this early, th- sort of this first impression is more damaging than anything. Yeah. Because first impressions in a video game mean everything. Yeah. yeah. Like I and something that this article sort of alludes to as well is uh they they uh um compare GTA Six to uh, Cyberpunk, which and is a big failure, right? It, when it yeah. launched, yeah, yeah, yeah. so it, like you think of like the first trailer to Cyberpunk when the first trailer to Cyberpunk came mm. out, which was almost six years I before the was game. Like, oh shit! Yeah, yeah. it came out almost six years mm. before the game ever came out. I still never played Cyberpunk, so and, I can't really say nothing about it. And that mm. hyped people up so much. Just mm-hmm. one trailer hyped people up six years before right. the release. Fair, fair. So that's why I think like, but I feel like GTA is like Nike shoes, like. People are gonna buy it regardless. People you know? will buy it regardless, yeah. but I, and then new trailers will kind of make up for whatever was leaked anyway. You know, because yeah, when, the, when mean, the new trailers come out, it'll be revolutionary. <clears throat> like definitely, kind of what the article touches on is like we don't know the the larger effect implications of what this leak might do. We don't know if this leak might delay the game. We don't know if this leak might affect sales at yeah. any point, but. This is just it, it again. This is like one of the biggest leaks in video game history. So it's just kind of like, whoa, what the fuck? Yeah. But um, uh, that was it. Rockstar had the response, and uh, apparently the lead the leaker was able to download the videos from a Slack channel owned by a Rockstar employee. Mm. Uh, but that but would have led but would have had to gone through other means to get the GTA five and six source codes. Mm. So no one really has an idea of how they could have gotten the source codes. Okay. And pretty much this is just a complete disaster. Yeah, yeah. Because it's like Olivia Wilde with the movie. Because <laughs> <laughs> this whole disaster, it causes lower morale yeah. a- across Rockstar because their game has leaked and they weren't ready to show anything. Mm. This could lead to possible delays, even though in their message they say it won't cause any yeah. delays and that they are still on track. But as well, Take Two's stock price went down two percent overnight when this happened. That means just buy the stock now. Fuck that shit. Because <laughs> it's gonna go back up regardless. And what is Take Two? Take Two <clears throat> is just a company that owns Rockstar and other video mm-hmm. game companies. I'm about, to, I'm about to buy their stock, bro. Get the fuck out of here. Because <laughs> I feel like again, it's Rockstar. It's it's like water. Like it's gonna sell regardless of anything. You know. So it's, it's, I think it's gonna sell regardless. Mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, like I mentioned before. 
um, a delay to GTA 6 would be similar to the CD Projekt Red slash Cyberpunk hack delay. Because mm. at some point, uh, the developers behind Cyberpunk, CD Projekt Red, were mm. hacked at some point, and a lot of their information got leaked. Okay. And that delayed one of the updates, one of the very uh, necessary updates to Cyberpunk mm-hmm. after its broken launch. Okay. So it's not the first time that we've seen in the video game industry where hacks have mm. caused delays. Is Cyberpunk Rockstar? No, that's uh, CD Projekt Red. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. But that's just a comparison to that. Mm-hmm. So it's again, we don't know if this leak is actually going to cause a delay for GTA Six. Yeah, yeah, they say it's not, but we don't know. Yeah, I don't think it will either. I, I, I think they might change some things though, because if things were leaked, I don't know. But if they change the role of the woman role, that might suck ass for this, everybody. <laughs> like, oh, did us? <laughs> you know, so it might suck. Mm-hmm. But what's interesting about this is that much support has come from people and other developers in the video game industry. And after many have taken a stance in the GTA 6, uh, uh, what did I write here? What the fuck? I don't know, bro. <laughs> you bro, wrote it. What the fuck? Uh-huh. But pretty much after many have taken a stance in the GTA 6 leaks, mm-hmm. the video game industry united. And meaning that like a lot of people that said that, oh, GTA 6 looks like shit. Mm-hmm. GTA 6 looks like ass, whatever. A lot of video game developers said, yeah. no, you guys don't know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. And this really began with one particular bad tweet where someone said, if you knew how game development goes, uh, you would know that visuals are one of the first things done. This game is four years into planning and development. Mm -hmm. What you see is almost exactly what you will get. The next year is mission coding and debugging. All backend stuff. It does look like shit. Mm -hmm. And this was said by AVG guy, so average guy, at design for mind the number four mm. mine 317 okay so if you want to send them some hate tweet go ahead <laughs> but yeah. uh developers responded with sharing footage of unfinished versions of their games just basically oh it's cool as fuck so it's kind of conjo- like conjoin everybody's like work in progress and stuff like yeah that. a lot of developers mm. basically said you're wrong mm. visuals are almost the last thing that are done in games mm-hmm. here's what here's what our games look like before they were finished mm-hmm. and some of those examples were uncharted 4 with its downhill chase scene mm-hmm. uh control which has won multiple awards for his graphics uh, a game called plague tale requiem which is an indie game mm-hmm. cult of the lamb which is another indie game Overwatch, which everyone knows. There's a new one coming out, right? Overwatch? Overwatch 2. Yeah, yeah. that's fucking crazy. That's a good-ass game right there. And uh, Horizon Zero Dawn, mm. which in the footage of that, they use a Killzone model because uh, Horizon is made by the same people who made Killzone. Killzone's one of the best games in the whole world. I only ever played uh, the one on PS4. It's, it's one of the best games in the whole world. And it's just <laughs> an older game. I think it was on PlayStation 2 or something like yeah. that. One of the best games ever made ever, man. And it's so unique in its own way because after like online came about, it really never kind of came back to me, at least. I don't know if there's online kill zone nowadays. I don't know, but the but that was one of the funnest, just you know, single player games. But I, I still feel like today they don't emphasize single player anymore. Like it's all online, everything. Like I even felt that GTA Five single player was whack compared to what the online contributes. Oh, really? Like I don't think it was terrible. I just thought that it was there wasn't as much focus on it. It was very short, and it wasn't as exciting as like San Andreas. You, you know, know, I'll say that, like, mm-hmm. even for GTA 5, I also thought... Or even can- GTA 4. GTA 4 was amazing in terms of the, the, the campaign and stuff like that. I mean, mm-hmm. like, I'll say for GTA 5, while I also felt like the campaign was short yeah. in retrospect, it's actually a longer video game than most. I, I know so, that. I remember you told me about the hours, but I still feel like as a personal, like person who's played it multiple times, it's still extremely short. You I, know? I, I, think yeah. that, I think that just kind of speaks to like how 
it's, I think it almost just speaks to how good it was where it's like you just mm. didn't want it to end you just get, like kinda yeah, kept you just wanted it to keep going true I don't so, know I don't, I don't know. know I still like Nico Bellic in GTA 4 man that was one of the <laughs> best like I, I genuinely feel that like that story was great I mean I played San Andreas which of course is a classic you gotta mm. always respect that I, I played uh, I, I tried the trilogy shit that came out on the Switch yeah or all consoles and stuff that shit was ass <laughs> so, like, I, I don't want to accept it but it was ass but I'm playing the first one only you know so I'm trying to go forward. I don't like Chinatown Wars that much and everything, but um, I don't know, man. Whenever I, I really miss that from older games, the single player. I remember Call of Duty stopped emphasizing on it, and there were future games that didn't even have campaigns. I think there yeah. is one Call of Duty game that didn't yeah. have a campaign. And it's disappointing because I feel like Call of Duty 4's campaign was great. Everything. So that that's that's not even focused on it anymore, you know? So I think it's important. I mean, Overwatch has no campaign. It's just straight yeah, up just I, online. I uh, I do know that um, for Overwatch 2, they are introducing some sort of campaign, but even then, mm-hmm. it's still co-op stuff, yeah. so it's still online. Yeah. But um, I would agree that like a lot uh, in the video game like world today, a yeah. lot of games are more focused on online stuff. That's what the money cases. is. That's what the money and the consistency is. You know, like I I'm definitely yeah. much of a fan of single player games. Still, like yeah. I very much prefer playing single player games mm-hmm. and stuff. I like. I play a very select few of online games. Like really the mm-hmm. only online game I play right now is Rainbow Six Siege. That's a good fucking game. Yo, man, That's you it. know I just finished my place in matches <laughs> yesterday. You wanna know what I got? What you got? Gold one. Give me some knuckles. <laughs> Give me some fucking knuckles. Bro. Gold one, baby. I haven't played shit in so long, man, but I, I still love that game more than anything. And it's one of the few games that I still play online. And right now all I play is like baseball. <laughs> like I'm just there for hours just playing baseball on a fucking video game but i love it i love it fifa 2 man all these games are fucking fun but i really miss the old days where <clears throat> there wasn't too much online to focus on it was just straight up just you know a story you know to mm-hmm. unfold and experience and i think that's why gta will never go old even though there may be one day where it just completely diminishes or they know when to stop but there's a there's a beauty in unfolding a story within yourself you get me when even yeah. with open world and stuff i like mean that. i'll say even a gta 5 mm-hmm. like before the game ever came out they said there was going to be dlc to that game but never DLC came out never everything. came out because they, because they focused on gta online instead yeah. because that became such a hit mm-hmm. so like we've seen even with rockstar games that online services can kind of diminish single yeah. player even red dead redemption's online was ah was, I, uh, I played a little bit of it. It was yeah. pretty cool. It was but cool, like, but nothing crazy, you know? But I never got past that. But I hear that, like, pretty much the Red Dead Online is mm. dead. Like, yeah. no one plays it. <laughs> there's, uh, there's a video. I don't know if you showed it to me or we, like, we just seen it separately. Or we just, you remember you've never seen it. But there's actually people in Red Dead Redemption. I mean, they used to do this in Call of Duty. I used to know a lot of people that played Call of Duty in the past that they would have practice. I swear, like, that, what do you mean practice? Like, they would, uh, they would want to be so good at Call of Duty. I'm not sharing them. Like, I never did it myself because I always play those games to have fun, you know? Like, it's, oh. it, like I was good at them because I played them, but I never played them to be like, oh, we're this clan that has to do good and we're so good at this and this. So, uh, it was one person I know in particular, I won't say who is, but, uh, he would have practice. So they would have like practice round and this and that to get better at Call of Duty. So when they would play, they would, you know, be better. Like anything you practice, you're better at, right? Mm. But it's like, yo, bro, I got to go to practice. Like, what the fuck you mean, practice? <laughs> you know what I'm So with Red Dead Redemption, there's this certain thing. And you can find it on YouTube where there's an initiation to get into this certain like group in Red Dead Redemption. And like, it's a rigorous uh like initiation of things and if you don't get in like they kill you off the bat you can never join again or something like that i don't know what it's called but 
I watched this fucking 20 minute video. But people it's take crazy. this shit serious. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. But same thing with GTA, man. Like, a lot of money is spent on those things, man. It's like FIFA as well. And even like mm-hmm. right now, like 2K, like Lucas is playing, like this, people spend money on this game too mm-hmm. and stuff. And it's pretty incredible how like, a game could cost $60, but in the long run, it could cost you like $300 or $400. And, and we've seen that for some people in terms of gambling it. Oh, like yeah. Gambling addictions, it reaches the thousands. Yeah, and bro. Stuff I'm gambling like that. on this fucking football game right now. <laughs> <laughs> the 49ers don't win. I'm out fucking 40 bucks. So I think um, it's crazy, but at least GTA is something that is like worth it long. What was it long term in a way? Because, that, you know, sports games comes out every year and people spend money on it every year. But then they, I think there's it, always a counteraction because the streamers also make a lot of money off streaming these games. Mm-hmm. So they can buy these packs and all this stuff and just profit off like Twitch, YouTube and all these things. And even Slime, our CFO <laughs> Slime, who profits off, um, not profits, but he's, you know, has his own YouTube channel. Shout out you, to Scushia Runs. You know you know what he uh, did? Mm. I, I finally, he posted on a story <laughs> and I finally noticed that his name was changed back I to Scushia Runs. It's a fucking damn and shame. And I responded, I miss yeah. your old name. Me too. Motherfucker left me on red. <laughs> <laughs> Motherfucker left me on Jonathan, your name is Slime and you'll always be Slime. Don't ever (laughs) fucking run away from me, bitch. You know you're Slime. (laughs) Yeah, no, but um, I don't know, man. I think uh, it's incredible how much... How much money do you think has been spent on GTA V? Oh, over a billion dollars. You think so? Well, I think I think from even learning or double checking about how it's the best-selling entertainment product in history, since it passes Avatar, I think it's past six billion. What's up? I think it's past six billion. Six billion? Yeah. Get the fuck out of here. Oh no, regular. Right, Even more staggering to consider. Basically, it's been uh, the total cost spent on GTA Five is two billion seventy nine million four hundred eighty thousand dollars. Wow. So about over two billion, which is crazy, bro. What the fuck? I don't know when that was put out, but that's a lot of fucking money. Let's see. Hold on. Uh, let's see. Let me see the date that shit came out. But that's still fucking a lot of money, man. Yeah. That's why I don't give a fuck if they got leaked, cause you know, <laughs> like they, they got that much money to work. If they, they better put out the best game in the whole world, let's see. I don't know. I have, but yeah. But uh, like like I like I mentioned mm-hmm. with uh, since you played Killzone and mm-hmm. stuff, like uh, in in the footage of the Horizon Zero Dawn early footage, mm-hmm. they use a Killzone model. Like okay. the like Alloy, the main character in Horizon, is mm-hmm. just a Killzone model. Okay. And their and their model is using a gun as well. They're not even using a bow and arrow like mm-hmm. how Alloy does in the game. So it's just it just goes to show that like assets get reused from old games and things yeah, yeah. like that, and that like visuals again isn't done until like isn't like the last. Yeah, no, nah, it's a process, and I and I genuinely don't think that GTA Six is going to have any like. I know the first impression thing is so important, but I also feel that, I mean, if they're spending this much money and it's the most, it's the highest uh, paid entertainment in the world. I mean, what fallback can they really have with GTA 6? Because those are automatic purchases from the previous buyers, you know? But yeah. it, it still could be something that would never... It, it, you would never know the actual outcome if this really didn't affect it negatively with this. And yeah, mm. it's just... I, I think that's what's important to remember. Mm. It's like, you know, it is Rockstar. Like, people are still going to fucking buy yeah. GTA 6. There's no doubt regardless, about it. Regardless. But it's... Like, you still have to keep in mind, like, mm. we 
don't know if these mm-hmm. leaks are going to affect the game long term. True. We don't we we just genuinely don't know if some people have already made such a stance and said, yeah. "You know what? Fuck this but game." But I doubt it. I'm not buying it. <laughs> I doubt it cuz some gonna, people are that stubborn. That sucks for them cuz they're going to It gonna sucks be, for them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I I you know, it's uh-huh. I think it's still important to note mm-hmm. that it's like there are people out there that mm-hmm. are probably that are probably have already made their stance Again, and that's it. I just think with the newer trailers that come out, they'll just be like, "You know what? Maybe that maybe I should just be rational." And just understand the league <laughs> you would hope yeah, yeah, yeah you right. would hope sure, sure, sure. Mm. but uh another game that that was shown off by a developer was mm. uh god of war they mm. showed i never played any god of war yeah. uh, i played one on the psp for a little bit but i mm. want to play the ps4 one yeah, really badly i heard all the ones are really good too mm. also had nudity in it but uh, the PS- <laughs> yeah that. i just want to throw it out there yeah just <laughs> but uh the first boss fight in the mm. god of war ps4 game was uh the developers behind that showed like the early footage of it okay and that apparently to that one like it's in an, an enclosed space so in the actual game the character gets thrown against the walls and stuff like that mm. but in the alpha development of it it's just like an open space mm. so it really goes to show that it's like e- even the scale of the size of things yeah. isn't considered until much later yeah yeah i mean of course because they have so much outwards things to work on and shit like that and everything mm-hmm. and uh uh, for as well as Destiny, Destiny had a leak. Or not a leak. I never played Destiny either. Really? Wow. Mm-hmm. Destiny's a good game. But as well for Destiny, developers showed off the first alpha build of Destiny and just compared mm-hmm. it to how Destiny looks like today. Okay. And again, this just goes to show that a lot of developers are like, yo, man, like mm-hmm. graphics are actually like visuals are like the last thing done yeah. in the game. Like we need to make sure the game can actually run before Function. we make it looks good. And uh it, it might seem like, oh, you know what? The guy made like an in, innocent mistake. He nah, he didn't make no mistake. He leaked that shit for selfishness and he wants no, no, money. Not, not, not the oh. leaker, but but the, oh, but the tweet. The, tweet, oh, okay, the person yeah. who made this tweet. Maybe his it, bitch ass. Like, like you could say that it's like, oh, he made an innocent mistake. Like, <laughs> nah, he he, did, he yeah. doesn't really know what he's talking nah, about. He's a hating asshole who wants attention, bro. That's bad. <laughs> the issue is uh, that is that he pub is that he pushed- he's that Andrew Tate of video games, bro. <laughs> The issue is that he pushed a supposed uh-huh. authority, mm-hmm. like meaning that like he tried, like someone asked him, oh, are you a game developer? And he tried to say like, oh, you know, I used to do this and that mm-hmm. and that and this and whatever, like in the video game oh, so space. So he's a lying asshole too. But Trash. after that, locked his Twitter account. Oh, really? So it's like, motherfucker, like, how are you going to be like, oh, oh he, I know oh. what I'm talking about, <laughs> but then just lock your account. Like, you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Yeah. So that was just like a little thing where it's just like, dude, like this guy doesn't know what he's talking about mm-hmm. and it's upset a lot of video game developers. Yeah. And the latest development of this story mm-hmm. is that on just Friday, September 23rd, the London City Police announced they had arrested a 17-year-old from Oxfordshire Thursday evening. Oh, sure. And it has not yet been confirmed why, but it's been reported that the teen was arrested in connection with the recent Uber and GTA 6 leaks. What about Uber though? Uh, I'm not. I the article didn't really link anything Ooh, to the Uber uh-huh. leaks or anything like What's that. that so, London, right? Yeah, so I, I wouldn't know too much about like what exactly is going on with those Uber leaks or anything like that. But um, yeah, uh, the suspect remains in custody at the moment, mm-hmm. and uh, it's believed that the teen is connected to the hot to the hacker group Last Puss. With two S's and the second S is a Lax Puss. Last Puss. So L A S P U S and then the second S is a money, money sign. sign. Of course it will be. That's just disrespectful. And uh, 
This group has been involved with other large companies, including Uber, Microsoft, Cisco, Samsung, NVIDIA, and Okta. I found the Uber thing. It says, uh, uh, the Uber files are a trove of thousands of leaked confidential documents that show how the ride hall company broke laws, secretly lobbied governments, and exploited driver safety to expand aggressively from 2013 to 2017, which is the article I covered on the fucking <laughs> day that motherfuckers didn't want to listen. <laughs> so go back to the episode where I was talking about the Uber, because this is basically what I'm talking about, where um they were protesting and shit like that, yeah. and Uber tried to use it as a way to say that we need to make our riders safer but it's because they were only protesting because the uber drivers were stealing fares and money from local cab drivers that have always existed and uber tried to portray them as violent like radicals when they were just trying to maintain their own money you know mm. by the way i just want to say i covered that story <laughs> so i've been on it I broke the fucking arrest me, bro. Because <laughs> I leaked that shit. Proud of myself. Fuck out of here. That was a good article. It was just really badly written, Anthony. <laughs> nah, I'm kidding. But uh, the last the last note I got for you okay. is that this hacker group mm-hmm. first showed up in 2021, where they hacked Brazil's Ministry of Health. Damn. That's crazy. So that's the last note I got for mm-hmm. you for this story. Like I said, it is unknown if this mm-hmm. 17-year-old kid is actually the kid who leaked uh, mm-hmm. this GTA 6 leak. Personally, I mm-hmm. don't think it is. Just because I think, again, from the post, the, from the original post, that I don't think this person is, uh, I don't think this person's language mm-hmm. is, is English as their primary Still language. Still, though, that could be just very disguised, like, ways of just putting yourself out there. It could so. be super well thought yeah. out, but that'd be a pretty fucking smart 17 That's not that hard, bro. It's kind of just like, make, like, imagine I texted you and I just misspelled my words and you'd be like, it's not Frankie. <laughs> I mean, I would think that. <laughs> like, but, I mean, like, it's yeah. very subtle. Like, mm-hmm. it's not like he's spelling your if a you are. Yeah. Like, he's misspelling. Like, no, he's, that's you, bro. That's your English major ass coming out, bro. I don't know, man. I don't know, man. He didn't use a comma. <laughs> like, apostrophe. I, sorry, apostrophe. I, I, you know, peep, the way people mm-hmm. write it can really tell, like, the, mm-hmm. a lot, a lot of like, what they know. But do you think uh, when people leak things, when companies are doing wrong, like companies are committing wrongdoing, do you think that when people leak those things, that they should be rewarded instead of punished? Because I, I feel like this should be. I mean, it's kind of similar to almost mm. like Robin Hood, where mm. it's kind of like with the AMC thing and everything. Oh, or like actual Robin Hood, like steal from the rich, give to the poor. Yeah, like mm. it kind of reminds me of that mm. just because it's like, yeah, they're kind of doing mm. an illegal thing, but they're doing it for the right reasons yeah. in a sense. So it's kind of like, you know, I think it kind of comes down to the intentions. Mm. I think some hacker groups are maybe just out there to cause chaos. They don't yeah. really care about like fighting for the truth but chaos, and justice. Chaos is subjective to whoever it's, it's affecting. You get me? So chaos to Facebook, if Facebook is like supporting human trafficking, but with like a blind eye, is still chaos compared to the chaos to like, you know, shitting on a local business because they made cakes for gay people, which is a real story that came well, out. Well, I don't know? really think that's no. much chaos as much as that's just like organizational mm-hmm. where it's like, what do you mean? well, cause I guess what I like, what I mean is like when in terms of chaos, it's mm-hmm. like, like uh, the sort of stereotypical thing is like look at look at an anarchist. An anarchist point an anarchist points out at what's wrong with society and things like that, but they don't provide any solutions. Mm. You look at it. Yeah. You look at an anarchist, but it leads to solution though. Like uh, and you know a lot of times in whatever it's accepting that something's wrong, mm-hmm. but um, 
But uh, like with with anarchists, again, they don't have the solutions or anything mm. like that. So I think it's important to kind of point that like, you know, you can say that something's wrong, like with these mm. hackers, like pointing out that like yeah. this company is doing something wrong. But if their intentions aren't to find justice or truth behind that, if they're just kind of doing it just to do it, mm-hmm. then it's kind of like, why? What if, what if I just like, oh, I don't know. I was going to say like, what if I see somebody like robbing a store and I'm like, hey, I'm calling the cops. They're robbing the store. Like My intentions is, is for it to be solved, right? To hold them accountable. Well, right? I, so like, but account- I think that comes down again to the intentions. You're doing yeah. it to get these people accountable, to hold these people accountable. Yeah. And I, what I'm saying mm-hmm. is that I don't think all hacker groups stand uh, or uphold that scene. But principle. I think they do because that's the reason they're pointing it out. Because why else I, would they do it? Like that, for chaos, for anarchism, just, I don't just that, to point out what's wrong. I think that's the only label you can place on them because they have no true identity. But I think that if you were to put an identity, because for me, it's my face that's put on the person that I'm like snitching on for the robbing, right? But when it comes to a hacker, like I think well, you it, could do an anonymous call. Doesn't you don't need to put your but, face but then on is it. it anarchy if I do an anonymous call? No, so exactly. So what I'm trying to say is that like when you point out a company doing but wrong, I, like yeah. if you do, if you do a company that's doing wrongdoing, like that's just the voice of reason. It's kind of like anonymous, right? Like are they anarchists or are they trying to help? Because their intentions clearly show they're trying to help because there's rebuttal to it too, you know. So I feel well, like because they're a hacker, like it's maybe because we're pointing out the flaws in society, somebody else should pick up those steps as well they clearly can't like take up a name on that like pointing out of but this is this is the i mean i think there's a true heroism of uh anarchists because then it's like what is america gonna do or, or big companies that are supposed to hold companies like uber accountable how are they gonna hold them accountable you get me so there's a solution that comes with this like pointing out of things i think so but i don't know like i get what you mean with the whole difference of two things i still think that it's still like justified when the in the sense of like true justice, you know. Well, I mean, it's just again mm-hmm. what I'm getting at. What you mentioned is the mm-hmm. intention behind it. You look at a group like an anonymous; mm-hmm. they are doing it to seek justice for yeah. these things. I'm saying that I don't think all hacker groups are in that mm-hmm. same principle. I don't think mm-hmm. all hacker groups are doing what they do to seek justice. Well, I'm saying I, all hacker groups are not in that group. That's what I'm trying to say. Well, and then yeah. we're just in agreement. True. I, I, <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm just saying that I think that there are hacker groups yeah. out there that are doing this simply for the mm-hmm. anarchism and for the chaos of it of mm-hmm. like, ha, I got this out there. Mm-hmm. What are you going to do with that society? <laughs> what are you going to do? What are, and, but what about in this situation with, with the Rockstar, Uber, and what was it, Cisco? Cisco, Sears, Samsung. Samsung, not Sears. <laughs> like, what do you think in this situation? Are they being anarchists or are they trying to seek justice out? Because it's kind of hard to to well, I put the justice aspect when Rockstar is involved. Well, I don't have too much like mm, information on these true. other leaks, like with Cisco and yeah, Samsung yeah. and Okta and mm. these other companies. I don't know. Like, mm. uh, I mean, in terms of the Brazil's Ministry of Health, that yeah. seems pretty malicious yeah, yeah. to hack a Ministry of Health. It depends on what they're doing. Like, I I mean, unless the Brazil's Ministry of Health is corrupt. Let's like, see. Let's see. <laughs> like, I don't know. Favelas and shit, bro. Let's see. Brazil's Ministry of Health. What, they hacked it? Yeah. Leaked. Let's see. Um, data leak. Okay, damn, that's a big ass article. What the hell? I'm <laughs> loud <laughs> cookies. Okay, uh, on January 19, 2021, a company called PSA found out that private data of over 220 million Brazilian citizens was leaked through the website of Brazil's Ministry of Health. So, this was malicious because they leaked 
220 Brazilian citizens' uh, private data. That's crazy. Yeah. That's malicious as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it included information regarding dead people, uh, private data of approximately 104 million uh, vehicles, and 40 million companies was also leaked. Damn, bro. They did this motherfucking Brazil crazy, bro. Yeah, that's kind of wild. It's a little wild. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little wild. But, yeah, mm. I mean... I, and I think, again, that just kind of comes down to the intention of things. Mm-hmm. I don't know the intention behind this hacker group. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, it, with, again, like with what I said, it seems malicious with the with the Brazil's Ministry of Health. Yeah. Like, why? Like, no, what, that's super malicious. That's, like, that's, like, what are the reasons yeah, would, yeah. would you have behind that unless they're corrupt? Yeah, yeah, yeah. In terms of Rockstar, it seems a little malicious, especially mm-hmm. in terms of the fact that they are seeking extortion yeah, as well. Yeah. That's what, when Brian told me, he was like, isn't that, like, I told Brian about the story, and then I think, I think, no, he said it to me, and then I was, I told him that the person wants, like, compensation or money in, in order to not leak more. Mm-hmm. And then Brian was like, isn't that extortion? I'm like, yeah, it is actually. Yeah. But then, so if he gets caught, he's in big trouble. Or she, or she, yeah. or they, them, they. Oh, <laughs> they're in big trouble, right? Yeah. So uh-huh. it, you know, it's extremely legal what's going on right mm-hmm. now. We don't know what the intentions are behind it. Mm-hmm. We still don't know who's behind it. There is mm-hmm. this teen in suspect. You know what it is? Jason Sudeikis, bro. <laughs> it's Jason it's been him all the along. Whole, the, every story, bro. The, the <laughs> rivers. <laughs> Basically, bro, <laughs> just cue the music. <laughs> it's been him, the, the the fucking Harry Styles, the Riverside, this fucking GTA, Brazil. <laughs> He's an asshole, man. He's an asshole. And so is Shia LaBeouf. <laughs> Fuck both of these motherfuckers. I hate all of them, bro. <laughs> But yeah, mm. I mean, you know, that's all I that's all I really got for you for the, okay. for the GTA Six leak. Mm. Like it, it's pretty interesting. I think yeah. overall, because again, one of the biggest leaks in video game industry, yeah, uh, history, and it's just there's a lot going on around it. And it, especially when I found out recently mm. about the the hacker group and stuff like that, where mm. I was like, oh, this goes a little deeper than I thought it would. Mm. Like originally, I assumed it was maybe just one person just kind of being a dick and just kind of doing this, mm. but like the fact that there might be a hacker group behind this that, that are doing very other malicious things is I feel like kind of raises concern where yeah. it's kind of like maybe like, because uh, the article where uh, they say that uh, this kid was arrested and stuff says that the mm-hmm. FBI was looking into it and oh, stuff crazy. like that. Yeah. So it's like, maybe there needs to be a little more attention on this. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I, I, I definitely understand that, Like it's rock star. They can mm-hmm. afford these leaks and whatever. Um, but in the but, future for like smaller companies this and that I mean I mean hacking is so I, th- I think the the battle between hacking and those who get hacked is I don't know who's winning that battle today because um, I know pe- like people that I know like work with like cybersecurity and stuff like that and everything and I wonder like who's on top of that you get me like it's, it's mm-hmm. like the cartel with the DEA like who's actually winning that bo- battle because like what you know you want to dress up like Pablo Escobar but I mean this is obviously very old but when he he got caught shipping like 50 pounds of cocaine there was another like two tons being shipped in a different method so uh i mean i don't know i just think that like if anybody's gonna get hacked it should be the government but not for the citizens people just these fucking politicians (laughs) and they're fucking corrupt ass so uh the fact that so many politicians aren't being hacked who's to say these hackers aren't in cahoots with politicians you know because at the end of the day everybody wants a jeffrey epstein list like that's what people want the most Mm -hmm. and how come we have no access to that you get me so like even that and it's a trickle down effect to everything so 
I don't know, man. That that's just a newfound conspiracy that I'm making up. I feel like hackers <laughs> today are in cahoots with politicians. They have to be. They I don't know. To. I don't know, bro. I feel like uh, hackers in today's society mm-hmm. are kind of um, heartless, uh, unbiased. No, uh, are kind of outliers to mm-hmm. society. Yeah, yeah. In today's society, that's, that's what especially. I mean. Like they don't really care for like helping or not helping. It's just like we're just gonna do what the fuck we're able to do. For the sake of just doing it, and yeah. and I feel like that uh, again speaks mm-hmm. to what I feel like are is the what's really born sort of the anarchy and the intentions behind things of like, mm-hmm. are these people doing it just to fuck around mm-hmm. or are they trying to find justice? Funny enough, that reminds me of Watch Dogs in the sake of conversation. <laughs> Even though Watch Dogs is more so to help society and yeah. to, you know, but it kind of reminiscent of that whole ideology of like you know we're trying to hack for the better of the future using yeah. the future. You know, so weird, bro. But it, you know, it was a very interesting uh, Mm. situation to to arise in the last couple weeks. When I see people say like, "My Instagram got hacked," it's like, did it get hacked, or did you just like be dumb on the internet? (laughs) Like, did you click that spam link? They're like, "Oh, we owe you six thousand dollars." Size pills. Singles looking for you in Brooklyn. Oh, what? <laughs> you know, like, were you dumb or were you just, you know, because some people don't get hacked. Some people are just stupid. <laughs> and I feel like majority are stupid. And that being said, I got hacked the other day. <laughs> <laughs> Could good. happen to anyone. <laughs> no, but I fucking got a call from a fan call. And I was applying just when I wasn't working anywhere. And they called me and they're like, hey, is this Frankie? I was like, yeah, it is. <laughs> And they were like, were you looking for a job? I was like, yeah, I was. And then they were like, oh, okay, cool. Uh, and then I just got mass spam text from them forward. And I still get spam text oh, to this man. day, bro. I felt like a dickhead. They got, I got, got. <laughs> I, got, got. I got, got, man. In the most simplest manner, bro. I gave them my name, my address, everything. Oh, no. Yo, bro. <laughs> and I have like a thousand calls from like Michigan. I got a call from Poland the other day. Bro. I swear to God, it was like, a fucking phone call from Poland so I picked up because I know a little bit of Polish so I picked up and I was like Chiprasham and they were just hung up the phone on me <laughs> so I don't think they were expecting my ass but that was kind of cool that was kind of cool <laughs> oh man oh man <laughs> yeah shout out to GTA 6 I hope they uh, recover from this tragedy I hope GTA 6 is super fire <laughs> me too it will be it will be definitely super fire I no. I'm I'm really excited for that game. Me I mean, too, man. Me too. I really like GTA Five. Mm-hmm. Like, no, nah, I like it too. Also, I don't want to shut on it for the short like story, but it, it's just too short for me. But I still think it's a very good game. Absolutely. Like I I like GTA Five. I like the single player. I'm mm-hmm. upset there was never any DLC. Mm-hmm. But GTA Online definitely uh, craved a lot of my appetite for nice. for a couple of years. Have you played GTA Four? Uh yeah. Okay, yeah. cool, cool, cool. I, I I played that back on my cousin's 360 nice. years ago. I always replay it, man. It's so fucking fun. It's so fucking fun. Yeah, that I like I remember one one of my favorite things to do in GTA four was to drive as fast as you can down the streets <laughs> because since it's it's an older game, mm-hmm. if you drove if you drove fast enough, you could outrace the um the map mm-hmm. pretty much. Really? So sometimes if you drove fast enough, you would hit an invisible wall and you just go flying out of your Is car. that in Times Square where you can do that with the with the hill in Times Square? No, no, it's um, just anywhere. Like if you if you just drive uh-huh. fast enough anywhere on the map, like the game is like because it's handle the game, anything, the game right? can't keep up with you. Uh-huh. And so eventually you'll just hit in an invisible wall and just go flying out your car do you remember the swing glitch where you go where you drive your car into the swing oh yes it just just launches you into the air and everything oh man fucking (laughs) do do you remember the the Call of Duty 4 easter eggs I don't know if you remember that 
Like not uh, Easter eggs, but glitches. Like you can go outside the map, the giant cookie, all that stuff and everything. I don't know. You didn't, you probably had to remind I'm throwing me. Throwing it way back right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of old glitches on GTA. Oh my! I mean, I mean, Call of Duty Four and everything. I feel old. Old. But um, all right, but yeah, that was GTA Six leaks. Yeah, yeah and that that's been the news section mm-hmm. of today's episode. I hope you guys enjoyed the stories. Me too, bro. I hope I enjoyed it too. <laughs> okay. <laughs> now there were some interesting stories. My favorite one was the uh, I forget his name, Gerald Levine. Uh, uh, the the Riverside Drive. Yeah, it was Walter like, Reed. <laughs> <laughs> Close enough. Close enough. But now, now we are up to the AMC section. AMC section. If I can clap it up, but now we are up. <laughs> what are we up to now? We are at our AMC section. Yes, sir. As I alluded to before, we mm. are at the album section. Yes, we are. And if you don't know what the AMC section is, it's our little entertainment Get a section. Life. Get a Get life. A fuck, Get a go f- touch some grass. Go touch some grass, bro. Get the fuck out. <laughs> That's my favorite saying ever, bro. I remember I was like, what the fuck does that mean? It makes perfect sense. Go touch some fucking grass. <laughs> go touch some fucking grass, kid. <laughs> but our AMC section is the album, movies, and comics section. Every episode, we you know do a little cycle of albums, movies, and comics at the mm-hmm. end of our new section. Mm-hmm. And this week, we are at the album section. And what are we talking about today? Well, uh, before I even said what we're talking about today, oh, shit. last week we mm-hmm. uh, we were on comics. We mm-hmm. talked about All Star Superman, fucking great comic. That book. was a great fucking read, super fucking great fucking read, man. Before All Star Superman, we were on the movie Green section. Room. We watched Green Room, yep, great film. And then before that, album was a Mac Miller. The, uh, yeah, that was I Love Life. Thank you. It's a good fucking album, and we do that every we we always we'll traverse into the three weeks and then keep on going, and continue the cycle and stuff. So this week, Hobby hosts the show. He picks the AMC section, and then it switches up. Thankfully, it's in third. <laughs> so it always mixes up and everything. Uh, that was very lucky of us, to be honest yeah, with you. Yeah, <laughs> in retrospect, uh-huh. that's something we didn't really plan for, yeah. but it just, it really works out. Hell and yeah. It goes back to one of the quotes that I've mm-hmm. shared with you before that I've created of mm-hmm. that uh, evens always end in ties. Evens always end in ties. So it's always the same shit. Yeah. Uh-huh. So it's like, I, it's good that we, that we are at an odd number because that always means we'll always switch it up and switch everything. it up. Shout out to odds. <laughs> Shout out to odds. Bro. But, uh, uh-huh. and it, you know, this is pretty fun because mm-hmm. like with this week particular, we'll be having two episodes come oh, out yeah. this week. Yeah. And, and realistically we'll be having three episodes come out in a week span. Pretty much. Like from this we'll, Sunday to like next week and stuff like that. Cause right? we'll have this one come out on Wednesday, mm-hmm. next one on Thursday mm-hmm. and then following on Monday. That's how we fucking do it here. <laughs> but mm-hmm. we'll basically go through a whole cycle in a week, nice. in a week span. So nice. that'll be pretty fun for for you guys to, yeah, man. to dive into the to this Not fun week. for us. It's <laughs> 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 a lot of fucking work, but nah, I'm not, it's still that's awesome. And we fucking make enough for some time lost, but we're here now. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so mm-hmm. this week we're on the albums. I'm yep. hosting this week, so mm-hmm. I chose the album. And uh I was really like struggling to find which album to choose. Mm-hmm. And I just finally decided maybe I should just do this one because it's new, mm-hmm. it's fresh, mm-hmm. and I think it, it might be good to get some hands on this and yeah. stuff. Uh, uh, com- with uh, the fact that of how new it is and mm. stuff, uh, similarly to the Mac Miller mixtape that we looked at, yeah. with it being released uh, this year and mm. things like that on Spotify and whatever. Mm. But we are looking. It was always out, but then it put it was finally put on Spotify this year and stuff mm. like that. But yeah, man, it's uh, it's important. Mm-hmm. But uh, we are looking at the debut album of the indie pop rock group uh, Hoax. Yes, their debut album is called B with B, a question mark. Question mark. Yeah. It's just the letter B undercase mm-hmm. with a question mark. Mm-hmm. 
And these guys are uh, guys that I discovered um, back in 2019, if mm-hmm. I remember the year correctly, when I went to go see Tippling Rock. Okay. Tippling Rock is another fun band, mm-hmm. another indie band that I really like a lot. Okay. Um, but Hoax was opening up for them. And I thought they stole the show that night. That's awesome. I They were the one of the openers, and I was just like, yo, these guys are fucking mm-hmm. amazing. Hoax spelled H-O-A-X. H-O-A-X. For those who don't know. Now you know. I talked to them afterwards and they're like, yeah, mm-hmm. like we're from Queens, this and that and it's all awesome. this stuff. And I, I really got to meet them. And uh, recently mm-hmm. what I'm holding in my hands is a little booklet mm-hmm. because they had a listening party for their debut album. I'll point it to the camera a little bit, but mm-hmm. it's a little booklet that is basically has a track list mm-hmm. and a description behind every song as well as the lyrics behind mm-hmm. every song which is awesome because that's so unique to put out things like that and not a lot of people are buying physical you know music anymore like it's all online and stuff like that like of course people are buying vinyls and you know whatever they can and stuff but i still feel that the most popular version of buying music today is the digital or spotify not even like particular albums on itunes it's like streaming Mm. You know, so this is, I think it's really cool for them to have physical things that go along with it because vinyls used to have the lyrics on them and stuff like that too. Well, they still they still doing everything mm. right, which is very crucial, I think. So you yeah, know? that's how I mm. that's how I learned a lot of the lyrics to to my my more recent albums mm. of my favorite bands and okay. stuff. But um, mm. but yeah, I mean, with this, like they had this booklet, they had some stickers, they mm. had uh, temporary tattoos, nice. and things like that. Mm. They had two dollar shots. Hey, nice. That's the best was, thing ever, bro. Crazy. I, I spent like fifty like, bucks to die. <laughs> <laughs> I, I remember my cousin was like, "You'll no. never see a you'll never see a place have it cheaper than <laughs> yeah, that." No, no. And I was like, "Yeah, you're probably right." <laughs> Except but. Philadelphia, they got two lot of shots of Fireball, which is <laughs> ass. I hate Fireball, but they have it from one to seven at a place called a bar. <laughs> <laughs> but uh-huh. yeah, I I went to a listening party. I mm-hmm. I met the the guys uh, behind Hoax. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Mike and Franz are their names. Nice fronds uh but i met them uh and as i did when mm-hmm. i when i saw them in 2019 i was just like you guys are really great mm-hmm. this music is really fucking fantastic and stuff like that i told them like yeah i was at the 2019 show and they were like that's fucking awesome that's like, holy cool, shit i'm sure they appreciate that crazy yeah and i'll just read a little bio off of spotify mm-hmm. but um hoax is an indie pop rock band from queens new york it is the musical brainchild of michael raj and franz caesar uh, who creates a sonic sonics and concepts behind their self-described style of empathy pop music. Their modern vintage musical sound draws from a wide range of influences like 60s pop, 70s Motown, and alternative R&B. They like to see themselves as the beautiful sound of sadness, a description coined by a, cl- a close friend. Their music thematically focuses on the human condition, explorations of social constructs, and decisions behind uh, and the decisions people make based from them, all tucked underneath pop melodies. So that's just a little bio of who these guys are. Um, it's a little duo group. Uh, one of them plays guitar, one of them plays bass, mm. and this album is uh, DIY, meaning <sighs> meaning that they produce themselves, publish it themselves, and stuff awesome. like that, mm-hmm. like. And the, the sound itself is impressive to hear from that. Like that's a it's a crazy sound from them, for sure. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I'm gonna read this little forward mm-hmm. that this little booklet has mm-hmm. towards the album mm-hmm. because I think it's a uh, pretty pretty good. It's mm-hmm. it's a little lengthy, okay, but uh, it's pretty good, okay. But uh, the forward reads. Somewhere in the midst of this whole process, I was watching a James Murphy interview where he talked about how to deal with failure. I was lazy. 
but it never felt right when I heard that. When I said it to myself, it wasn't that I was lazy. I was really afraid. I was really afraid of failing. All my life, I've been precocious. And I was like, you know, I was supposed to be smart and I was supposed to be creative. And I think hearing those things makes you scared that you're going to do something stupid or do something uninteresting. And no one will see you as smart or creative anymore. James Murphy. Those words sat inside of me for a long, long time. I related strongly because my whole life, I was told I was going to be successful. School came naturally to me, and growing up in a traditional South Indian household, education and academia had a direct relationship with my sisters and my self-worth. If you were smart, it was indicative that you would get a quote-unquote good job and make a lot of money. I'm also pretty sure that because my dad read to me and my older sister when we were very young, I developed some sort of auditory or photographic memory where I was able to consume information and understand it clearly since I was little. Because of this, I became an A student, a student athlete, and even worked at an after-school program to help little kids up till the end of high school. By all measures of traditional Western society, I was on a, traje on a trajectory to becoming quote-unquote successful. I started college in a competitive uh, physician's assistance program that only, that only a handful of applicants get into, but then there was some sort of change that came over me. I was overcome with guilt. I felt as if my life was a hollowed out narrative of picking a profession solely on if you can read a book and understand it. There was no passion. There was no romance. I began to feel as though even though, even the, I began to feel as though even if I just grinned and bore it, I would be a fraud because there was no depth behind the reasons I did anything. I dropped out of the program, and as random and as chaotic the universe is, there are moments so outlandishly serendipitous it would be suggest, uh, it would suggest a divine outline. I met Franz, someone identical in how I felt, someone who was always brimming with potential and destined to be successful, but never setting to follow a traditional path, which, led, which in turn led to years of ongoing ridicule. We started Hoax in 2016, and at the beginning it was easy to create because we felt so free, but all things succumbed to time eventually, and after throwing away careers, relationships, school, etc., the honeymoon phase of music had faded. Franz and I were left at a crossroads. What the fuck do we do? We had been feeling like failures. How could two people who were so smart, creative, and talented have still nothing to show for it? No magnum opus, no awards, no substantial streams, no records, no huge following, no connections, nothing. We traveled to Leh, India. During that trip, we had a numbing realization. Success is relative. There are places in this world that exist where your life is not measured by a definable sum of quantifiable, of quantifiable actions, but rather by the weight and the quality of your being. What does that mean, though? To be. We hear Hamlet's soliloquy and roll our eyes at how overly dramatic a, a rich prince sees their struggle. But how often do we suggest our being? Once in a lifetime? At all? We became obsessed with exploring this idea and what it means to be. Not to not be measured by our success or failures, but to understand the true inner voice and what makes it tick. If you feel lost, if you feel like you don't belong, if you feel like you're just floating through the motions of the waves life throws at you, if you feel like you just do stuff to do stuff or because you are told to, if you have trouble falling asleep, if you feel like you are never enough or not enough, if you feel like you used to be relatable but now you have trouble going, if you feel feel misunderstood, if you feel like God's unfavored, if you feel a Sue, if you feel like time doesn't exist but that but that you still waste it, if you feel like you never get ahead, if you feel stuck in your ways, if you feel like a side character, if you feel like an extra, if you feel like a mistake, if you feel hurt, if you feel sad, if you feel angry, if you feel anything, 
this album is for you. And that's the forward. Mm. Very well written. So very relatable, you know. Like I think to many people, you know. So I think that forward kind of mm. speaks a lot to the theme of this album. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. This album is depressing as fuck. This is the start it off, to be honest with you. <laughs> uh, honestly speaking, but um, mm. I mean, before I ask your thoughts real quick, mm. I'm gonna just go down the track list yeah. real quick. Uh, it is, I think, I believe a 16, uh, 17, 17, 17 track, mm-hmm. uh, song begins with trees could soju wasting time formulate beach house two, drew B question mark five golden eyes. You get so alone sometimes bleach unconditional more than, you know, an American dream. Western Medicine and Lily's Daydream. Mm. Those are the 17 tracks on this song. This is probably one of the longest albums I've shown you. Mm. Um, it clocks nearly almost an hour. Yeah, I think yeah. the second longest album I showed you is probably Cosmic Thrill Seekers mm. in our first episode. Mm-hmm. But um, but an hour still to me is pretty short. Like compared to like a lot of other albums and stuff like that, I think an album is still pretty short, but still very lengthy compared to like 30 minutes, 40 minutes. Mm-hmm. If you regularly have that, but yeah, but still, yeah, definitely a longer album. Yeah, I mean, I'll just ask you, what what were your thoughts on this? So I have a lot of thoughts on, on music, and especially because it's, uh, it's, I mean, it's very different from everything else you listen to, you know? First of all, it's, it's a good album to the ears, like for sure, for sure. I have, uh, I think it has a strong point and a weak point. And I think the strong point of this album throughout the whole thing is its lyricism. Its lyricism is undefeatable, very exquisite, like incredible. It speaks to the soul. And regardless of what you're going through, especially like love things and stuff like that, all that, it really speaks to it. But also like not even just love. But to me, it seems like a breakup album at the very peak of it. There's a lot of it speaking to like a past lover or like a this and that or what's potentially like not good for you that you want to be good for you and stuff. I just think that one thing I didn't like at a certain point, which is like in the middle of it, is the repetitiveness of sound. Okay. So for me, like the the lyrics make up for a lot of repetitiveness of sound, which to me wasn't like a terrible thing. Uh, I took two listens to it, one when I was playing pool. And it was so repetitive at one point where I was like, yo, am I listening to the same song over and over again? Or am I like, you know, and then even the day beforehand where I listened to it, with, where I always had to listen to it while reading the lyrics, it makes it stand out more. But that's all. I mean, it's a big portion. It's like from like uh, the, the the midsection to me is what like was repetitive. But okay. I think regardless, the lyricism always stood strong. And I have like for every song, pretty much in the whole album, I have like you know a couple you know of the verses that I really thought stood out because they're very poetic and just like the forward reads, it really does. You could tell that they're they're very lyrically you know focused, and I think it's important. Also. I mean, uh, I'll say like mm-hmm. for my and like feelings about this album mm-hmm. in general is like I really like Hoax. Mm-hmm. I really like their sound. Yeah. Um, I think uh, they have such an energetic sound. Um, but I think I can relate a little bit to sort of the sameness and mm-hmm. some in the sound and certain tracks on this mm-hmm. album. Because uh, what I will say is that this album basically took them four years to make. Wow. Mm-hmm. So about half of this album were singles that have been released over the mm-hmm. years, uh, like "Could" mm-hmm. or uh, "Be" or "Beach House 2. Mm-hmm. Even "Soju," um, I imagine, is a big like hit and everything. "Soju" came out mm-hmm. kind of recent. Mm-hmm. It came out this year. It's the only um, one I could find on YouTube Music, like the app YouTube Music. But they have the whole album for free on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is awesome. I don't know if it's them or I forget who. Let me see right now. Um, I don't. 
No, it's the Daily Dose. Who their whole album is free on YouTube. Okay. Yeah, so that's all. Cause I was trying to find it everywhere. I don't have Spotify. I have YouTube Music. Mm. Like, what the fuck can I listen to this shit? And at first, I listened to it per music video or like per like mix on YouTube, like playlist. But the whole thing is on YouTube for free. At the the whole album is free on the Daily Dose. That's the name of the uh, account. Yeah, I think um, I think because of the fact that mm-hmm. this album took them so long to make, I think that it's almost a detriment mm-hmm. to it in in a sense. Mm-hmm. Just because, like, I think if it came out all at once, yeah. it it would uh, maybe stick out a little more. Yeah. Or it could be two different albums. I think so. Also, like, there there could be a chance for like, and okay, so we're not them. We can't really like speak for them and mm-hmm. everything, and they know their own sound because their sound is great. Like, it's very them, and it also reminded me very much of Arctic Monkeys and uh okay. and gorillas but more like for me this this all this music a lot of it is arctic monkeys without the accent you know like for <laughs> real like but and it's not a bad thing because arctic monkeys arctic monkeys is great without the accent yeah like a hundred percent like but a lot of a lot of their sound like if, if you just put it like a uk accent or whatever they are british or whatever mm. uh, same shit <coughs> i don't know but pretty much you get a hoax and it's again it's a compliment it's not like to take away from them because um i don't listen to music to criticize i listen to music how i i hear it you know and from the first listen i'm like no this is very much like the beauty about gorillas and arctic monkeys is that they have a lot of hits and a lot of mainstream music but it's also very powerful and just it just separates from the cliche like Megan the Stallion bullshit we hear and everything, <laughs> you know, like and that, of course, a completely different genres. What I'm trying to say is that it's not like bubblegum bubblegum pop shit. Like it's actually real in-depth music and what like kind of uh, what is it like? What's the word? The phrase like well, what it finalizes that is that the lyricism again is so consistent where I can see the four years putting, being put in the lyrics, but also see with the like uh, production of the whole album you can definitely tell it took four years also because it's very clean there's no flaws in the sound i just feel like a lot of it was like from one song to the other i'm like it's literally just a switch up of just the same sound i'm like what the fuck man like i don't like this part you get me but it's it's not that it was unpleasant repetitiveness doesn't mean bad is what i'm trying to say Mm. for me it just meant like there could have been more variety and i felt like in the beginning and then the end was where it was the most you know i think um I think, like, while I agree there's, like, some sort of sameness to Mm. some of the songs and stuff, Mm. and while I did say that, like, maybe taking so long to make this album Mm. could have been a detriment, Mm. also, at the same time, I will say that Mm. because that I knew about half of this album before Mm. it came out, Mm. since a lot of these songs were singles, I think that also probably helped, just in terms of, like, it made a lot of these songs very recognizable Mm -hmm. to me. So it made the new one stick out more where I was like, mm-hmm. oh, what is this song? Yeah. So it, it, I it, mm-hmm. I just, I guess what I'm saying is I can go both ways. Yes, yeah, honestly. But I, again, it's not a bad album whatsoever. Like for me, I was just uh, not having never heard them. I was like, what am I going to think? And I'm like, nah, it's a good album. There's a lot of, uh, I think, I, I don't know where I would place this in terms of where to play it. But I feel, <laughs> I, I did I two things. If I wrote <clears throat> this in my later notes, uh, if you're listening to this, you're depressed as fuck or you're high as fuck or, or both. <laughs> but there's definitely no sense of happiness in here. There is, you know, very slight, you know, lyrics. And there's one song in particular I'll get to later that I very love. It's not even a song. It's more of a message, hmm. you know, but I, I very much appreciate the lyricism. And, and that's what makes this stand out so much to me because, again, when you're listening to something and it makes you feel, I think that's super crucial. And there's a lot of lyrics here that just like really hit home and were so poetic that I think it's so gorgeous for them to put things out like this because not a lot of people listen to the lyrics today and i think it's important that when we do this uh albums movies comic section that we get to emphasize all aspects that we recognize and take time out to like appreciate 
And I feel like if you're listening to this and you just your first impression is like, oh, this and that, like if you haven't heard the lyrics, like you're, you should be amazed because it really is super crucial and impactful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think we can just kind of dive into it. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, I mean, well, well, I'll ask you real quick. Mm-hmm. Uh, what were your favorite tracks off the album? Oh, my God. Uh, so well, I'll tell you my least favorite tracks. Uh, okay. I, Soldier, I wasn't a fan of. Oh, yeah. I really, I, I think this was um, either my second or uh, first, like, least favorite song. And the first time I heard it, I liked it. But to me, it was more like, and it's not a bad, again, it's not a bad song at all. But to me, I wrote, I'm high with this song, although I understand its catchiness, but super still, was it? Oh, super, I have my notes shortened here, sorry. Super simple. Lyricism still stands strong, though. Because I feel like there's a lot of music like this that's not. I don't think this music, this song is very instrumental. Like it's like, dun, 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 dun you know, like it's kind of very simple and I didn't like that very much, but I do love, uh, I won't read the lyrics right now, but my uh, other song, let's see. There's a lot of short and sweet songs also, but I don't like track number six, which is Beach House 2. Okay. Yeah, I didn't really, I wrote sweet song, but second least favorite, poetic and soothing, but repetitive sound with little essence. And um, but my favorite song, and I have it right here, is track number thirteen, which is unconditional. Okay. I oh actually fourteen. So sorry, fourteen. I loved uh, more than you know. That shit to me was fucking awesome. Like I again, I only heard it like two times, and I heard it full through. But I definitely know like that was the one that caught me the most. And because the sounds kind of were like similar, it, I can't really point out what. But I have the lyrics to hear that I liked. But definitely loved more than you know. Very very fucking much. I, How about uh, you? I'll say that um, my favorite, my my two favorite tracks mm-hmm. were "Formulate" mm-hmm. and uh, "More Than You Know." More than you know, more than you know is still a great song though. That's, that's the one I pointed out too, right? Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. It's no, I mean, um, I mean, there are there are a lot of, I mean, the thing is that what doesn't diminish the greatness of it is the lyrics. Again, like if you hear this and you just got broken up with or something, or you're going some hard like tough <laughs> times, like that shit is gonna hit you in your fucking like core area of love bro because that shit really fucking stinks word 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 i i mean i think uh i think it's interesting that Mm -hmm. you bring a lot of sort of the relationship aspects Mm -hmm. of these lyrics and stuff Mm -hmm. um because something that they definitely push a lot in sort of the explanations behind these songs Mm -hmm. because every song hasn't has a story behind it Mm -hmm. in this little booklet i'm not going to read every single one Mm because some of them are a bit lengthy gotcha but um like uh a lot of them have to deal with this idea of not being a doer, but being a beer. Yeah. And that's what, uh, I forget what the, what is it with the, it's towards the end, but, um, track number 13, it's unconditional, right? Where mm. she, there's a lady just talking and stuff. No, that's bleach. Bleach. Well, that, that to me was very incredible because, um, actually, and, um, and uh, Mac Miller's, uh, I think, I think it's faces, but it's just, it's a it starts off and it's called it just doesn't matter, and it's I don't know where it's from. I wanted to look up the sample, but the base of it is some guy just talking to a crowd and saying it just doesn't matter, it just doesn't matter, and he's kind of screaming and he kind of preaches and stuff like that, and the crowd is cheering. But like I, I very much love things that like you know in, in albums where they put in a little sense of like speech and stuff like that, and I feel like with Bleach, uh, <laughs> the fucking anime came up. <laughs> uh, if you don't, if you don't mind, we could, if you want to read that out real quick, like the lyrics of that, they have it in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Please, like, because I feel like that is uh, very, very well done. Bleach, right? Bleach, bleach. Hope. Have it right here. Nice. Yeah, read read that whole thing because I think it's amazing, and everybody should hear that before you even start. 
So, and that's like midway, right? That's track number. This is uh, track number 12. 12. Mm-hmm. So, uh, do you want me to read a little bit of the explanation or do you want me to read the lyrics first? Read the lyrics first and then the explanation. Okay. So, Bleach, it's a very simple track. It's more so just sort of like a, a, a robotic like woman just mm-hmm. kind of like speaking some speech yeah. with some soft guitar playing in the background. And the this woman says, just for one second, don't do anything. Don't do. Do not do. Stop. Stop learning to show it off. Stop posting. Stop taking pictures for them. Stop tagging. Can't you just let it happen? Can't I just let it sit in for a second without a need to be explained? Stop processing. Stop making goals that you can that you achieve while still feeling that shitty despair in your chest. Stop waking up thinking you deserve anything. Sit still in gratitude. Take a fucking breath and feel your lungs hold on to a gift that people wish to hold for infinity. Life. You have that. So where are you going? What are you looking for? You already have that which is most important. Do not do. Just be. Just be. Just be, just be, mm-hmm. be, be, and it goes on. Mm-hmm. Be, and I be. love that shit, man. I especially love the tone of the voice because like, there's no human, you know, attachment to what she's saying, and it's all relatable. And uh, and and for that, I wrote here because um, I didn't write the lyrics. I just said to look it up, but I couldn't find them just now very quickly. But I wrote this, and it was track number twelve, right? Yes. Oh, I, I misput it as thirteen, but I said look up lyrics. This is awesome. Modern romance and philosophy, or modern romance and whatever you know, a mixture of both and everything. Mm. And I think it's true because I think it's all relatable, especially whether they'll stop posting, stop this, stop the whatever, don't you know, whatever. But then it was just like also be yourself, like just exist for yourself and only. And I think one thing that this album provides it's this like pinnacle of sadness, and then it relieves you with saying, "But you're a human being, and you also have to exist for yourself and be within yourself as well, and be appreciative and gratuitous to what you're able to exist as." You know what I'm trying to say? Mm. And I think there's like there's this kind of pressure on yourself, and then you can relieve it, but there's always something in the back of your head that you're always going to focus on, which is just everything that's going on in your brain. You know? Definitely. Uh, there's an one of the song explanations mm. speaks that a little bit. I forget for which song, but mm. I'll get to that. But I mean, I'll just say that uh, for the explanation that they wrote down for Bleach, mm. they say when we outlined the album, Franz and I sat down to write a manifesto that we would live in for the four years it took to create this album. Dramatically, we locked ourselves in an office and vowed to not leave till we finished writing. But since we exist in the 21st century, we got distracted and watched the entirety of Donald Glover's Guava Island. Nice. Then we finished. The have man- you ever seen Guava Island? I have. Check that shit out. <laughs> then we finished the manifesto at around 3 a.m. The first half of the album is a call, setting up the stage to how we felt we were living and what the outside world is like. Bleach, therefore, was the response. A regiment we wanted to live through to become closer to the idea of existing through being rather than doing. I think if you truly want to be, it is probably a lifelong work. But this is where we started. And that's uh, as uh, including their manifesto behind this album. Nope. But uh, in in continuing about the sort of explanation behind this, um, they just uh, sort of speak to, uh, I think a lot of us think this, but don't say it. This obsession of doing is a distraction. Mm. Breaking life down into boxes of things you can get, buy, and achieve. Never filling the empty void. Crossing off items on a never-ending grocery list of superficialities. Widening the void at the curse of more. Measuring happiness with a white picket fence picture. Thinking that dream job, status, and legacy is what makes you alive. Even though you'll be replaced by a better robot tomorrow. 
this is life in the binary, just quantifiable numbers in the matrix, feelingless. Mm. And it just continues onwards. That's interesting to me because he says uh, the person that wrote the forward that they were saying that their parents, they wanted their good grades to make them come up as something successful, right? But then mm-hmm. they've, they, I mean, they're pretty much living their dream job right now. So for me, it's a little like, how does that make sense with what he messaged in the forward? Well, know? in the forward, mm-hmm. he mentioned that his parents wanted him to be more of like a scholar, I guess. Yeah, but that's what that, I'm trying to say. That's like, something he didn't find passion in. Mm-hmm. But, like, I, but I'm trying to say like, He's not, I mean, I'm, uh, to me, a scholar is subjective to whatever you amount to be knowledgeable. I mean, you could be a scholar to a kid. You get what I'm trying to say? But a scholar, obviously, the full definition is like intelligence of whatever subject you've studied the most. I'm trying to say that, like, if he's doing music, which is like a dream, superficial thing that people aspire to do mostly in, in today's day and age, how does that kind of coincide with this message? Um, it's kind of, isn't it contradictive in a sense? Like in his position. Well, hmm. like I'm not trying to like argue with his like logic and stuff like that, but you get you get how it's kind of contradictive and saying like, um, don't don't always like you know focus on that superficial list of uh, what the impossible, if anything, you know, like be yourself. But he's being himself, but he's he's reached a level of of success in which most people like kill for. Like even even like think about like actors who like suffer for in L.A. just to have a a, a little part in a big movie. You know, I mean, I guess I will just say that, like, uh, something that he does say is that the truth is whatever you say it is. Exactly. So mm-hmm. I think it. That's why I'm always telling the truth. No, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, it kind of comes down to sort of the subjectiveness of yeah. it. Um, like, yeah, you can definitely say he's living his dream job. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess you could also say that he's just being himself like he's, sure. he's finally achieved that sort of just being mm. of like this is who he's supposed to be he's I not agree. doing anymore he's just being that's what I, but i think that too with just people who like i know people who are way work way more harder than i do like I, it's not like i remember somebody told me who's like a pastor like he's a pastor now like full blown out but we used to do little sessions here because he's my football coach and um one of the most interesting things, it wasn't even in the, in the talk that we were doing. Mind you, me and my friend Chris were just like in high school and the rest of the, were adults. And then one thing he said on the side while we were eating, he was like, it's funny when people start feeling down and out and they feel like they're heartbroken or they're down in the dust. All they want to do first is hit the gym. Mm-hmm. You get me? And it's like, and it's like, how does that like make you much better as a person? This and that, you know? And so going to the gym doesn't equate success, but I also think that there's a certain mentality in terms of discipline and, and how you focus your own self that that's why I'm always um, like, again, what I'm trying to say is that I know people who have that personality are being themselves, but have this list that they project on themselves to fulfill this list. That's maybe superficial to others, but that's what separates like the greatest from the not so greatest. You get me? Like some people are just being themselves and just being lazy. You get me? And I think you got to get out of your comfort zone sometimes. And again, it's not to argue with that. I just, with my logic of things, I think some people are too comfortable. And I think that's why there's people that are the best at what they do because they got uncomfortable. You mm-hmm. get me? And I, I again, like, there's nothing wrong with being yourself, but, you know, when you are just being yourself, some, I mean, some people are, are themselves with just lazy. You get me? Yeah, and, and I, I mean, you know, even to that regard, you can say that like just some some people are just lazy. Some yeah, people yeah. just want to, I don't know, play video games all day. That's just what I'm saying. Do nothing else. That's why for me, I, it's it's hard to like not. I think everybody should be themselves, but you should also 
mold yourself with ways that don't fit your criteria. It's just like, I guess the way I also look at it, it's like, what position are we in to say that other people should do that? Because like, I look at myself, you know, I do a lot. Mm -hmm. I, you know, we have this show. I'm working on comics. I write Mm -hmm. and I make covers and things like that. Like I, I have many other side things that I do. Yeah. Not a lot of people necessarily do that. Mm Mm-hmm. And I and I kind of look at that and I look at other people who don't really maybe do much. Maybe mm-hmm. they just kind of go home after work and watch TV for yeah. the rest of the day. And it's things like that where it's like it's hard for me to relate to that. It's hard for mm-hmm. me to just imagine myself going home and just doing nothing but watching TV for the rest of the day. And that's what I mean. But man. I think mm-hmm. I think some people are just like that. And I think that's just something that you you need to agree to disagree with i think you can fully i mean yeah you're right you can agree to disagree but i also think that you see yourself i mean the, another way of saying what you just said is that like i'm more um active in my and pursuing what i want to do in my future and it affects my future positively and if other people want to have brighter futures in any area they choose to have they choose to want to have brighter futures in they should work towards it and people who are just doing that and doing nothing should start doing something if their goals are to reach that. You get me? And it's not wrong to say that to people. But I just feel that there's a lot of people who are just given free passes and say, no, you're fine. I just keep being yourself. You get me? And that can be very damaging to some people because sometimes people, I mean, it's like if somebody's at their lowest, why would you tell them to be themselves? You get me? I mean, mm-hmm. maybe they haven't been themselves. Maybe maybe they are being themselves and what they need to do is change up and continue to be a better version of themselves, which is more proactive in terms of what r- correlates to happiness in their future. AKA somebody who's like addicted to a drug or alcohol or somebody who's robbing people all the time or somebody who like, you know, is not picking up a book even though they want to be a doctor. You get me? Like these are steps you can take to be better. But again, again, being yourself is is obviously like a thing that could be taken any way you can. Mm. But p- some people are themselves, and that's the worst part about them that they're just not changing what they want to be. I mean, definitely, you know? uh, like they say mm. in one of the songs in this album, I forget which one specifically, mm. but they say something along There's the lines of a lot of, of fucking like, songs to be honest with you. Yeah, yeah, but like they say something along the lines <coughs> of like uh, uh, mm. people change, but something else doesn't. Mm. Um, and it's true. No, sorry, sorry, it's the other way around mm. that something principles change but people don't and, and but that's, the, that's the thing about it and that, that's, that's why it's an ever, like life is an everlasting struggle because of that but it's it's a struggle you always have to fight with like just the th- same thing with addiction like that's people relapse all the time and there's another I mean? song that says something along the lines mm-hmm. of line of like do you agree to disagree mm-hmm. and i i think uh that's something that like uh this album kind of does Mm-hmm. well where it's it doesn't try to answer these it's questions. very vague it's, it's very vague yeah it doesn't mm-hmm. try to answer these questions mm-hmm. it just sort of tries to raise these questions similar mm-hmm. to say an anarchist might raise the mm-hmm. issues in society uh, that i agree because even in the second song it could it says how can this be life every day i watch is waste away saving up the time to spend it all on mindless entertainment as if we'd find some sort of reason behind this need to survive we could be right or we could be wrong together when daffodils uh skies and this is kind of crazy because I wrote ouch right after this one. He's like, tell yourself you're fine like your mother and father did before. Eat yourself alive. Yeah. You open up, but the words are, are all and all are all tongue-tied. 
pulling back the blinds. Is this the world you pictured here before? Struggling to find some sort of reason behind this need to survive. And that's all very vague. And that's why I think the poeticness of this is super crucial because there's little like key things that could point out to everybody. But like to tell yourself you're fine, like your mother and father did before, that's like that hits home to everyone, you know, because, you know, and not, nobody has the perfect pair of parents, nor should all parents be perfect, you know. But just, uh, I mean, again, it's a lot of, a lot of very vague messaging, but that still hits. And that's why it hits so, I think, to so many people because it's not so clear as to what it's regarding. And uh, it's that shit hurt. <laughs> uh, and it says, alone through the worse and the better. I, uh, mm-hmm. I I found the line where he says, do you agree to disagree? Mm-hmm. It's in the title track B, mm-hmm. question mark, where uh, the opening verse says, there's a silver lining on the TV screen. It's a brave new world where every thought is free. Do you agree to disagree? Mm-hmm. And I think those last two lines where every thought is free, mm-hmm. do you agree to disagree? And mm-hmm. I think that just kind of speaks to sort of like, you know, we can all think whatever we want to think. For sure. But do you agree to disagree? Yeah, I mean, we kind of have to, and, and I and I think that's that's what it raises the most of mm-hmm. like, we need to just sort of accept things as they are at times, mm-hmm. and um, in the explanation behind this, uh, they say the title track of the album and the exact center point, the whole idea of transitioning from a doer to a beer is embodied by the positioning of this track. At the first seven songs are the exposition and rising action. B is the climax. It's the epiphany. But it isn't meant to be esoteric or grand. Instead, it is just a simple truth boiled down to a quiet realization. They continue. Behind all the facades we put up, under all the masks we wear, there we are, ourselves in being form. It used to be very hard for me to explain what it meant to be to other people. And believe me, I know I am not original in this line of questioning. For God's sake, we all know what Shakespeare said through Hamlet. Mm -hmm. But as the album developed, it became clear to me that being is synonymous with peace. And that peace looks different in everyone's mirror. It starts with self-reflection, never ends with anything other than life devotion to your truest form. I said it so many times throughout our career, but if there's anything you take away from listening to Hoax and this album, it's to please prioritize your peace. We are only here for a moment in the blip of infinity. Mm -hmm. And during that blink, our peace and being will always be under the scrutiny of the randomness and chaos of life perfect the art of sitting still to know yourself and be authentic to your peace i think that's the crucial word right there to your peace or to crucial statement like what your peace is and again like it all comes down to like how can you reach your peace you get me and i I was gonna bring up like anthony kiedis right i forget his name but i read um like halfway through his book it's like his biography or like he had help writing with somebody Mm. and he starts off the book and he's like i'm sitting at home and uh, i wrapped a uh, plastic around my arm Right. And the needle is about to go in and stuff like that. And, you know, I'm about to get ready to just, you know, self-medicate. And what he's putting into his body, he explains is a bunch of vitamins and that things that help him, you know, feel better for himself after he's recovered from doing heroin so long in his youth. Now, it obviously misleads you thinking that, oh, like he's going to do drugs in the beginning of the book. And when you go down his pathway of life, like what was he doing his whole life? And again, I know like the being yourself thing is so vague. And I'm not trying to say like, don't be yourself. You get me? But he had a lot of struggle in his whole life. And I mean, it's a great book. I forget what it's called, but shout out to Danny from Starbucks. She, she <laughs> lent to me. Um, but things with his father, like his sexuality, like just fucking like his dad let him fuck one of the girls that he was fucking like, Oof. that's crazy, right? Like his dad was like, Oh, you like her? And he set her up so she, he can fuck her. That's weird. It's super weird. And his dad wanted a role so bad as acting that he went from being this party god. And at one point, his, he came home to his father. And his father was dressed up as a woman because he wanted to play a trans lady in a role. And he went from being just a, um, 
like just dressing up to her to to like acting like it to like flirting with men and stuff like that and one day anthony nikita's got home him and his dad got into an argument and he pressed him to the wall because um his anthony nikita's called his dad a faggot you get me and it was just like then he, he pressed him to the wall he's like don't ever call me that in my life while he's dressed like a woman interesting so it's like you get how all these like things sum up of life and stuff like that like i feel like there's this disconnection of this is lack of this. This is lack of connection to people who to come up differently. You get me, and it's so much easier to say like, "Oh, be," you get me. But t- try telling people that are broken to be. You get me because when you tell people that are broken to be, it's like. But I think what you said there is like finding your peace through the havoc that was your upbringing. That's when it becomes much more clear the message because I think it's important. You get me? Yeah, I mean, there's uh, and it's a contrast between the last track and this one that we're talking about right now. There, there mm-hmm. is um, one of the songs for one of the descriptions mm-hmm. uh, kind of talks about how um, I think it's in the next song for five, mm-hmm. um, where he sort of talks about how like some people like depression is almost a key to see how the world really works. Yeah, where it's like uh, something along the lines of that. Uh, ah. Yeah, it is in five mm. where there, he says a quote, this sounds counterintuitive, but on your journey to being depression is inevitable. Happiness in intelligent people is the rarest thing I know. Ernest Hemingway. And um, because the following song after B is five and uh, the lyrics to this song um, is what they describe as a comparison to the five stages of grief mm. to overcome your heartbreak. And that you must go through a metamorphosis to go from being a doer to becoming a beer. Ironically, mm. it is almost the same five stages. Mm. And uh, so the the whole name of it, five, is just kind of this idea the of five like stages. the five stages of mm. becoming a beer uh, mm. rather than a doer. And it does speak to like, you know, more broken, it, that it's probably easier for broken people to achieve this because they have reached that sort of stage of acceptance yeah. mm-hmm. versus other people who maybe have not accepted like mm. their broken aspects of themselves. Mm. But or it's become much more clear to them in the process of life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I five is I, I think is a pretty, uh, pretty strong song um, in terms of lyrically. And even in its course, when he says, so just wait for a minute. I know that I know that your wish is to change the things we can't control. But if we just lay here and listen, maybe we could give into the sounds that the silence ignores. And uh, Mm. I I think that just sort of speaks it. it, I feel like this whole concept of being Mm. is so reminiscent of Buddhism, Mm. of just kind of like meditation and things like that. And just kind of this acceptance of just like being there with your thoughts Mm. and just being yeah like no no for sure and then of course like even like just like the album itself like the term just being is so vague and subjective and particular to each person which is subjective this but um but i like the the first line of five where it says so sick of having to wait your turn to speak to have to speak you get me because it's not like saying like oh i want to be heard but it's just like everybody wants to be heard in this mm-hmm. whole world. That's why we exist. I mean, that's why we do a podcast. You get me? <laughs> like, in, but in a way, uh, that's like no. It's my turn to speak. <laughs> no, I'll talk over. People. No, it's my turn to speak. <laughs> and it's just like, but no, uh, but it's my turn to speak. <laughs> but in some people's way, like we do this for entertainment because it's fun for both of us, and we have this like middle, like we meet each other in the middle because we want to put on a show for other people to hear us because we want to put in the work for people to hear us. You get me? We're not just chatting about nothing, or anything, <laughs> which some people will be doing. <laughs> but I think it also screams and not. Not in regards to this podcast, but some people's methods of wanting to speak are like cries for help. You get me? Mm-hmm. And so, like, I think that's important because, like, um, 
this is one thing that happens a lot but when people are like I, I have a lot of friends that do this and I'm guilty of this myself but I try not to do it when somebody comes with you to, with a problem and you're they're like hey like I need help with this and I and I, when I talk to people this is what happens to me a lot they're like hey no nah, I could totally relate so with me and it's just like whoa like bro I'm, bro or like whatever I'm coming to you as like I need you to listen to me right now mm-hmm. and I feel like that's what people don't do enough today they don't listen like they try to like always not combat but like just project themselves on you when you're asking them for your help you get me and i and i think it's super crucial for people to just listen because that's what all sometimes what people need but in a world where like again like depression maybe amongst everybody and i'm pretty sure it is because it's a fucking crazy world even with the simple facts of just dying you get me um like everybody wants to be hurt so i think that's a very like universal thing right there you know, and uh, it's, I mean, again, this is, I'm sad as fuck, <laughs> but, um, but it's, it's very interesting. And um, I, I, this song, this is the one I put that was short and sweet that had like a very, not sweet, but like the, it's a very short song. Mm-hmm. I mean, I like, since we've just kind of been bouncing around, mm-hmm. I'm going to bounce over to formulate one of my favorite songs. Nice. Okay. Um, Which is track. Tell me. Uh, this is track number five. Five. Okay. Um, I really like the way this song begins where it, it it's almost like the tuned down it, it's it's almost like a radio sounding where mm. the bass comes in and then it just cuts in with like, like full, full boom uh-huh. just like everything like sounding clean and clear again mm. and it's just I, I love the way that like that instrumental begins it's so strong I think and this song has my favorite opening line where he says big man in the sky or black hole of desire mm. and it's just something that uh, they say in the explanation in, mm. uh, to this song is that there isn't much to say here that is not spoken for in the lyrics mm. but if I break down the inspiration of the song it is from the perspective of a divine encounter if you take all the religions in the world you can find examples where some human had an encounter with the divine and was thus projected onto a path of the heavenly influence Mm. it is natural to look up for answers our light comes from above and we crave to be done away from darkness but if you spend all your time looking up you miss what happens at eye level and those are often more divine than the heavens themselves Peace has no equation, and if you are looking for some mathematical way to achieve it, you might as well just look up to the sky and wait for clouds to form into some fucking Greek letters of plus and minus signs. Mm. I know life is complicated, but I think peace doesn't have to be. It is just acceptance, warts and all. Can you accept yourself? And I think that explanation speaks to sort of Mm. the outro of the song, where it just, it echoes, it's what we want, it's what we like. Yeah. For me, I always say look up more. Because um, I feel like we look down way too much because of our phones. And we were always looking around and shit like that. And I remember, I'm telling you, like, I remember I said this a long time ago, like, just look up. You get me? And uh, just because, like, I think. Are you one of those people that believe that, like, mm-hmm. looking down causes, like, that that uh, uh, body, like, language of looking down causes mm-hmm. you to feel sad? Oh, no. I, I, I just feel like looking down is just more common now than ever. I mean, it could be right. It could be right. Because, I mean, well, I do believe it in, like. There's certain areas where, like, in sports or something, or like where you where you not accomplishment. Yeah, like because when you're disappointing yourself, you just you don't want to look at nobody. Like, say you just, I, I mean, there's a very amazing uh, video, and uh, I think it's in basketball where somebody like just fucked up and his head is down, and his teammate comes up and he puts his chin up and he's like, "Keep your head up, like you know, make sure you're doing your best and always know you're the best you can be, and no matter what is happening, like keep your head up because it's more metaphorical than it is like scientific. Like psychologically, I don't know if it messes with anything." But like, yeah, I think like if you look at kids and they're embarrassed, they'll keep their head down or they won't want to look at you. You get me? Just because it's like, 
I think little things are always telling of body language. You get me? I'm I'm uh-huh. I've, I'm really back and forth with it because at the same time I'm kind of like, if that's the case, mm-hmm. then school must be depressing as fuck. Why? Because like uh-huh. you're just looking down at a desk all day. Oh yeah, but that's like, <laughs> but that's more of a logical sense of looking down. You know what I'm trying to say? But, but that's know? what I mean. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like you're literally looking down. About, so it's like, what's how, the difference of like looking down and writing a paper versus like looking down at your phone? How about this? When somebody cries, what do they do? I mean, they definitely look down. What else do they do? Uh, I don't know. They put their hands, their hands in their face. Because, you know, you get what I'm trying to say? Like, I feel like bio language is super crucial and stuff like that. It is. But I I, I think in the sense of you, like, if I say look down the floor for some ants, you're not going to be sad. You're like, oh, I'm looking down the floor for some ants. But but if you're like, yeah, you hang your head and stuff like that. It's kind of like one of those things like you. I'm going to Google it too. It's kind of like one of those things that you mentioned of like, in in the sense where it's like everyone that puts their head down isn't sad but yeah. everyone that's sad puts their head down I, well I didn't say that well I, I know you didn't say yeah. that exactly but you had something along that same line mm. of like everyone does this but it doesn't mean that everyone does that mm. well right here look this is just a google thing so we never know it's true but it says since, since posture affects our mood and thoughts so much the increase of collapse sitting and walking from sitting in front of our computer to looking down at our smartphones may very much have an effect on the rise of depression in recent years yeah, I, I mean that's something I've learned yeah. about. That's why. That's and why physically I asked. to your neck and everything. That's why yeah. I asked if you're mm. one of those people that believe that because oh, I was no. like, I, I knew yeah. that that was like a thing or a theory. Well, so I was just for me, curious. For me, I just say look up just to see how small you are. Like I feel like that to me it opens your eyes to see like how minimal you are to everything. Like when you look, and I feel like we look down more than before. Like I feel like people in the past that you know before phones like in the 40s or 30s, you know, like I'm not saying they were happier because they were weird motherfuckers, but I feel like. Outside the phone being a major, you know, disadvantage to mental health and like happiness, I just feel that also that I don't know. I just say look at more just because like we don't do it enough. Like I think most of our lives we spend it either looking forward or down. And I feel like just look up a little more. Like look at a cloud. Look at you know look up at a tree and stuff like that. And how amazing it could be and how normal it is. And when you normalize looking up, you normalize how small you are. And like in a sense, how much you don't matter. And how important you are to the people that you matter to and vice versa. You get me? I will say yeah. that, like, even though I say that, mm. it's like, I don't really believe in the whole looking down yeah, thing. Yeah. At the same time, mm. I say that, like, with that logic, then mm. say living in a place like New York City is probably very inspirational, which mm. a lot of people say it is. Because I, I'd rather see a mountain than fucking a fucking skyscraper, bro. <laughs> I fucking, a mountain is natural. I'm at, like, you're... Your science, like you know, you, I, you know. I, I mean, I'm just uh, so using, a, I'm so just using, building, though, I'm just true. using New York City as a, as an example. Yeah. I'm not using mm-hmm. it as like the definite the uh, definitive thing, but it's like mm-hmm. in that same logic. It's like you go to a place like New York City and you look up at all the lights and the buildings mm-hmm. and whatever. It's like looking up, and people like mm-hmm. we have that Jay Z song and things like that of like mm-hmm. how inspirational New York is and whatever the case nah, is. New York is whatever. No. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm tired of Skyland Road. Now, okay, it's, it's cool. But I yeah. I think I think what's important too is that mm. something that he mentions is that you miss what happens at eye level mm. and uh and he says but if you spend all your time looking up you miss what happens at eye level but that's what and you so know i think it, it's more I inspirational think, oh, i think this just kind of speaks mm. to people like maybe more religious people that mm. kind of are always looking up for prayers and things mm. like that but are well, kind what, of, what do you do when you pray you look down boy you, you put your head down you I don't know. Some people look up. Oh, those fucking weirdos, bro. Who the fuck? Oh, God. So I've definitely seen people do this. Like, the, But like when they're like, oh, nah. I mean, you're, you just did it right now. Yeah, because if you're begging to God, but if you're but like, like, but when you go to a church and you pray or you ha- you're at dinner, you put your head down and you, you hold people's hands. Like, no, you know I know what, what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't, I, I know what you're saying. Yeah, I think prayer often, like, even when you're like meditating, you're like, you're not, 
I don't no, nah, I think <laughs> you know meditating I mean? you're kind of like I, well, meditating I don't think is, you look down. Meditating is whatever you want it to be, to be honest. It doesn't have to be anything. But I, my point mm. is that like there's like there's mm. no definitive way of looking when you pray. Yeah. It's like you can I mean, look I mean, up, you can look but if down. You, if you believe, I think it's metaphorical uh, when he says that looking up. Oh no, that's I, that's for sure metaphorical. But I think when you believe in God, everything is God. You get me? Like everything, like there's no up or down. Like I think uh, first of all, heaven hell, that's kind of like, you know, whatever you think it wants to be in terms of like biblical or fantasy, whatever you, you know, see it as. But I just think it has to be metaphorical because I don't think looking up is anything. I, again, I think it's, okay, we're all stardust, right? Realistically. Yeah, and I think mm-hmm. like, again, why I think this song sort of speaks to religion mm-hmm. again, speaking to that first line. For big, sure. It does. Big man in the mm-hmm. sky. Formulate. Desire. What, who makes love go round mm-hmm. or what makes night retire? And I just, uh, when he says, uh, sometimes we understand, sometimes we figure out, but I want it more than I can formulate. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we can relate. Sometimes we disagree. We love to make it seem so complicated. It's simply what we want. It's simply what we'll be. Yeah. And I think that just kind of speaks of like, we're always trying to find a purpose in things, but sometimes it's just better to just Exist. accept things yeah. as it is and just mm-hmm. be again. Definitely. But yeah, for sure. But there's being so much more complicated. You know, it's so much more complicated. It is. Yeah. Do you know who's actually being? Those motherfuckers that live like, and just fucking the not the woods, but like those monks that just live with themselves the whole time and don't like do anything else except just go pray, live, and then the whole lives just die. Mm-hmm. You get me? Like that's being, if you want to really put it <laughs> like that. You get me? But it's, again, it's all subjective to everything, but it's hard not to be. You get me? It's, it's just because you always have to. You get me? But it's the way of being that I think is super crucial to understand. But uh, mm-hmm. I think I think it's interesting that you, that you weren't a fan of Soju because I really mm-hmm. like that song actually. It's a cool song. Like I'm not I'm not saying I hate it. I just think it was very super simple and like kind of cliche for like a song because it, it's again it's not bad. It's catchy. I, the reason I don't like it is because it's so catchy and just like you know like that like it's a fun little like jingle you know <laughs> to me honestly speaking. But uh, I mean there's that's it. It's track number three, right? Mm-hmm. And for me, yeah, like for me, I just like uh, the the lyrics that I pointed out. Was, this is like so love me like we're equal because if there is no sequel i'd rather live in peaceful understanding that we believed are every single words like again well what glues everything up with this album together is just its lyricism because it always always remains strong regardless of sound Mm. yeah i i will say that in terms of soju i'm not too crazy about Mm. the interlude where it kind of does a little cutout to a little acoustic thing Mm -hmm. and he says uh um uh where does he say it um life is simple like you know like that little fucking i hate the cadence of it (laughs) like it's just to me it's just so like but i i will say one of my favorite lyrics in this song is because i lived i lived in one 100 years of solitude with you and never questioned what gives what gives Mm -hmm. anyone the right to the right to and i just really like those lines Mm because it's like it because this song is definitely deals with sort of the relation of relationship Mm -hmm. and it's just um, in the explanation to it, which is stupid long, it's two pages <laughs> no, long. Fuck that. <laughs> we go post that on the supplementary for yeah, bitch asses. <laughs> but um, it it does sort of speak a lot to sort of like uh, uh, my, uh Mike's uh parents' marriage, where mm. it was a traditional marriage where uh, his grandparents set them up and things like that. Yeah. So it kind of speaks to sort of an old love in a sense. Yeah, that traditional marriage shit is fucked, respectfully. <laughs> respectfully. Or like the arranged marriage, I mean. Uh, I mean. That's what I mean. Yeah. The arranged marriage is fucked. 
But uh, I, I I think this song is just pretty strong in terms of relationship stuff. I mm-hmm. think it kind of speaks to sort of the breakup stuff. Yeah. Because like when I heard, because I lived 100 years of solitude with you and never questioned what gives. I was like, dang. Nah, I don't <laughs> <laughs> to Drake. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> chill the fuck out, Drake. Yeah, but again, again, I'm not saying it's like a trash song. I just think it to me is very like simple for just the mainstream. But again, I don't think none of this album is realistically mainstream. I think it's very again like indie, like to itself and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. just that one particular stood out to me more in the sense of that. Oh, mm-hmm. I, uh, I I found the song that had the lines that I said, uh, something changes, but people mm-hmm. never do. And that's Beach House 2. Beach House 2? Um, yeah. I just thought it was very elongated, that song. That, 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 I will say Beach House 2 yeah. is one of my least favorite songs mm-hmm. as well. Uh, and it's titled Beach House 2 because they have yeah, a song called one. Beach House 1. I imagine. I much prefer Beach House 1 to Beach yeah. House 2. This one was like, they didn't have to do all that. They were kind of dramatic with it and everything. And yeah, but again, not, not, again, the, the lyrics are really good. And what track is that? Five? This is track six. Six. I fucked up my shit here, so I'm fucked up. Um, <laughs> but I, one thing I will say this, it's very hard to put in a song the word priorities. Like, that, that word priorities is super difficult to put in a song, really? especially a singing song. Like, priorities. Like, it just, it, it's very <laughs> hard to put it on. I think so. Because when they did in this song, like... It just doesn't sound good. It's like fucking mad syllables and that shit. And it, uh, especially when you're singing it, I don't think it comes out really good. You get me? I I didn't really have much notice to that. That's, that's my interesting. <laughs> yeah, but I like. Um, I, but I that's the line that I pointed out before that <laughs> I really like. Priorities change, but people never do. And I would be a fool to think you're worth it to lose. Yeah, that, I, I have that here, but I very much like the part. I would be a fool to think you're worth it to lose. That's just kind of crazy. That's some crazy shit right there to, to write. Like, ouch, bro. Like, who hurt, who hurt you, bro? <laughs> but, I mean, it, it's, you know, it's a sweet song. Yeah. Um, it just, it doesn't. That's, that's mad funny. I have here a sweet song. <laughs> that's, that's hilarious. There's just something about it that's just kind of, like, missing. It's yeah. It's like, there's, yeah. like, something about it that's just, like, doesn't hit yeah. as much as you want it to. Every other song hits way more than that one. Uh, I will say that. What's but, the track uh, before that? The track before that is Formulate, oh, which formulate, we went right? over. Got you, cool. You want to look at Wasting Time? We haven't looked at that one I yet. I think so, yeah. I fucked up my lyrics here, so I'm, I'm only all over the place. But uh, Wasting Time, is that the Soju? Yes. Okay, so, yeah, I definitely have... That one has a lot of crazy lyrics. I actually... um Yeah, I put down most of the lyrics here just because I think it was very beautiful. And um it, it starts off with, if I could get back to a place where I relate to the people around me, mm-hmm. right? Um, I mean, man, I have so much here to be honest with you. So, <laughs> but I, I, I write this when I say this when it says, "I'll be back again to try when the bottom of your eyes have finally dried." You know, you only shed tears for um, things worth a fight, and now you're staying up at night. Another bottle of wine, smoking cigarettes inside. When you fantasize about it, I doubt you can count the words around the phrases that you swore you would never say until your chariot came up in a fiery blaze. And then um, just the next one, I'll just read it real quick because it's just fucking crazy, man. So don't take any precautions. No, we can't waste any more oxygen and poor taste. Spending this life all alone for Pete's sake, baby. Pick up the goddamn phone. I know you want me. Like, I want you. You're the first thing that I think of when the sun shines through. And I feel like I like that line a lot, man, because it's, it's fucking serious. I blinded by your lights. And even if I tried, I could never deny your orbit in my mind. So spin me in circles till I go dumb. Spin me in circles till I go, you know, continues. But it's I, just, uh, I think that's some pretty good uh, mm-hmm. uh, wordsmith right there, where yeah. where he says, uh, "You're the first thing I think of when the sun shines through. I'm blinded by your lights, mm-hmm. and it's like the blinds, yeah. lights, sun. It, it's it's pretty it's pretty clever. Yeah, man. But uh, 
they in the in the um uh explanation to this they kind of say wasting time is not some epiphany to carpe diem Mm -hmm. it is just understanding that time moves one way always forward and as far as i know every single one of us is finite and wasting away Mm. so if you're going to waste away you might as well find some people to waste away with Joan Didion said, life changes in the instant. You sit down to dinner and life as you know it ends. And Pascal said, all of humanity's problems stem from man's inability to sit quietly in a room alone. Slow down and examine ourselves quietly so we can hold gratitude for the people, places, and experience that happen with us. Tell that to people in solitary confinement. Damn. <laughs> Fuck out of here, bro. Don't let this time slip. Yeah. It's the most expensive, scarce resource you will never get mm. back. I like when they say, uh, don't change your mind thinking of me, let fate decide. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I don't know. I think people would just know what they want. You know I mean? And I mean, again, th- this is just another song that sort of speaks to a relationship, which yeah. is kind of like, and he says it himself, you might as well find some people to waste away with. Yeah. And, uh, but yeah, I think, um, that song kind of passes over a little bit. It's, uh, it doesn't jump out too much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, um, let's see. Yeah, I'm trying to keep up with what we've covered and what we haven't. Um, well, uh, Drew, um, yeah, nice. I was just on the drill not too long ago too. Okay, cool. Drew is a is a pretty good one. I mm-hmm. I like Drew a good amount. Mm-hmm. Um, I I'm not necessarily blown away by the lyrics, but um, it, I really like the sound, like instrumentally and mm-hmm. like the beat to it and stuff. It's just a very energetic. Mm-hmm. Like I think this is one of the more happy sounding songs in the album for mm-hmm. sure. Um, but the lyrics still are pretty kind of depressing. Yeah, a hundred percent. Like right here, I just have like the, is it the choices that you left dripping in regret? Check the mirror's reflection, but don't recognize yourself. And it's just like, damn, bro. Like again, like, but you know, what was one of my favorite, um, favorite songs in terms of like, uh, I told myself I would listen to it so I could fucking uh, reiterate it. Cause I, I think it's my favorite fucking, um, I don't know how to phrase it. Just sound of lyric. Mm-hmm. Let me see if I can find it. So I could fucking show your ass, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I can't find it though. Fuck yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll figure it out later. Okay. <laughs> God damn it. But uh, I'll just say for the description that they give for Drew, mm. at the end they say life is random and chaotic, and time is cruel and unforgiving, and it'll always be easier to be cynical and sad than it will be to be optimistic and at peace. I hope to find the strength to change the way I see the world. I am overfilled with gratitude for all the Waymans and Drews who have made this march through entropy meaningful and a little more kind. And if you already are a Wayman or a Drew, remember you might not be an angel, but you might as well be. Mm. And uh, this is just like, I think that just sort of speaks again to sort of the acceptance of life, sort of agree to disagree. It's like sometimes things are going to suck and you just have to kind of deal with it and go through with it. Oh, I found it, by the way. What is uh, it? Okay, it might be I, I, either in either in B or Drew. So I'm going to put this shit on right now, actually. I can play it in the headphones. Please do. Please do. Because fucking, I got to find it out. You said B or Drew? Yeah, put on put on B real quick. No, play play Drew. Wait, wait, wait. Hold on, hold on. Damn, why can't I find this fucking... <laughs> okay, the lyrics are no, it don't go. The, put play Drew real quick, because the lyrics is no, it don't go the way that we planned it. But who the hell cares? Why does it matter? Oh, that's true. Okay, I like those two lines very fucking much. God damn it! <laughs> <laughs> Caroline. 
Mm, you planned it, but who the hell cares? Why does it matter? And I love all that song. It's just so fucking groovy. I wrote here. I like the groove of these two lines. All right, thank you. <laughs> I love that, man. I fucking love that shit. That shit's awesome. <laughs> nice. Got the yeah. hip-hop going and shit. <laughs> I, like, I didn't list it as one of my favorite tracks, but mm. I think Drew is definitely one of the stronger tracks of nice. this album, for nah, sure. It sounds great. I mean, even hearing it now in the headphones, but those two lines right there killed that shit, bro. <laughs> killed that shit. Mm. But uh, I think Golden Eyes is a pretty interesting song. It's too. a sweet. That, this is a very, very sweet song because I like how it speaks of. Uh, uh, I, at first, I thought it was uh, looking at people with golden eyes, but then it was like seeing through golden eyes. That's ultimately what they were trying to say. Yeah, right? I, I think the mm. description is pretty telling. Where um, it says uh, early on in the process of writing B, we created a whole story for the album to live within. Mm. Golden Eyes is just a chapter in how life changes through this end of the world story. The title of the song derives from a fictional drug that was created in which you drop a chemical onto your eye and experience hallucinogenic effects mm. where you are only selectively seeing the fantastical visions that your mind wants to see. The effects are very real and highly addictive and is known for its serious and intense come down as immense depression immediately follows a momentary euphoric bliss. So that song tries to embody that mm. like drug thing of like it's super blissful. Mm. And they say if you do that through, through your eye and everything, it's much more quicker, effective, right? Like LSD and stuff like that with eye drops and stuff like that. I don't know actually. Yeah, they, I, that's I, what I sort of heard. I do mm. know that you can definitely take alcohol through like in your eyes. And <laughs> oh shit, really? But that's I don't know that. Good for you, like, I would never. You can even take alcohol up your ass. Yeah, people do it with tampons. I was just gonna mention people will put alcohol oh, on tampons and put it up their assholes. It's crazy, bro. Crazy motherfuckers out here. That, yeah, chill the fuck out. <laughs> but uh i think in terms of them speaking of how like an immense depression immediately follows a momentary euphoric bliss mm. uh if i were to show you the lyrics are split up into two different parts they mm. say part one and part two because there's a instrumental breakdown in the middle where it kind of comes down with that kind of sounds like clocks from coldplay oh, but, okay um, <laughs> i know that until the day <laughs> <laughs> but um <laughs> Call small I'm in my fucking shits bro Oh my god <laughs> I can tell you that. Uh. But uh Yeah so The first half of the lyrics For part one It's very Atmospheric It's very mm. dreamy it Says if I make this yours And you make it mine Well then We'll see with golden eyes mm -hmm. So hard to find There in your own Just passing through Just passing time If I make this yours And you make it mine Well then we'll see With golden eyes But then the second half it completely breaks off and then it has completely different lyrics where it says head in the dirt wishing tables would turn pray for life without pain pray for life without work mm -hmm. stretching for things that are put out of reach what's the last thing you think about before you fall asleep the truth is hard to find but mostly because we lie in versions of ourselves that we cannot define we're moving backwards or at best we're side to side we're running circles up and down between the line mm -hmm. and it's like the the song starts off so dreamy and atmospheric and chill and stuff, but lyrically it really just takes that depressive turn at the yeah. end, as most of most the songs of the song, do in this album. But I I think that just kind of speaks to the consistency of it, which yeah. again you could not like or or do like or whatever I mean the I case think is. it depends on the mood you're in, but I think if you're very depressed, you probably shouldn't listen to this album. Like if you're genuinely like sad about <laughs> something right now, like I mean not in a bad way, you can always express sadness in a good way through the you know heartbreak of music and stuff. But I feel like. This is one of those albums you put on, I think, when you want to feel sad, when you want to listen to some sad music, you feel me? Or if you're high as fuck. I really think if you're high as fuck, you want to shed a tear or two. 
put on this fucking album. I think I think what's funny is that they say in the description of this is that um while the vibe of Golden Eyes emits feel good vibes, the point is not to preach a million dollar pyramid scheme of happiness through realization, mm. but rather hope that through listening to this song, it will maybe unlock some euphoric moment of freedom where you just truly are happy, or at least identify what it truly allows you to be. And if that doesn't work, there are always drugs. <laughs> I'm done. And I can see that. I can hundred percent see that. See, <laughs> that's fucking bad funny. But the euphoria aspect, I think, is super crucial. Cause again, I don't think it's meant to be there to make you fucking sad. I think it just meant to be there so you can have a you know, self opening of yourself, you know, mm-hmm. like really take a look inside yourself and what's hurting you, what's making you happy and and, uh, and if everything in between. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, uh after that we get you get so alone sometimes. Mm-hmm. At this point we're in the second half of the album. Okay. Uh, but yeah, we have You Get So Alone Sometimes, um, which they say uh, we had a very specific mood we were going for, for with this song. And I started thinking of it as the empathy of loneliness. Mm-hmm. It's a feeling of understanding what it means to be lonely and being okay with it. Not in the sense of hopelessness, like don't worry, it will be better in the future, but more like reconciling with loneliness as a true mark of feeling and being human. We tend to withdraw and lose touch of our humanity when we feel alone. In reality, loneliness is a critical fabric in the human condition. You can only feel belonging after you have felt alone. We feel alone because we know what it feels like to feel together with others. One cannot exist without the other. And if one did not exist, the other feeling would not be as visceral. Mm-hmm. And lyrically, this is just a really depressing song. Yeah, and the sound finally changes up here. I feel like in between this and I forget what part of the earlier part of the album, I right here, finally some sound. Um, I, I wrote finally some different sound, but man, listen to this. Again, <laughs> I wrote you the higher set as fuck. And uh, just to read one, it says, uh, you, then you go break their hearts. I don't know who you are. As you lie in the dark, do you know what you want? You get so alone sometimes you start to forget that this side of paradise won't happen again. And for reasons unknown, we were brought to this space until legs grow too old to just fight the good race. Again, man, you just want to just, uh, just be like, all right, chill the fuck out. <laughs> just stop uh, making me sad. <laughs> but yeah, it's a very depressing song. Mm-hmm. Um, and sonically, it's very depressing. Yeah. Like, it's just instrumentally, it's very like uh, a lot of minors and things mm-hmm. like that. Just a lot of uh, low chords and mm-hmm. things like that, which fucking hits. Yeah, bro. OD <laughs> slaps. <laughs> but uh, we've gone over Bleach. Mm-hmm. Conditional, have we gone over? Uh, we we touch on it a little bit. Mm. Um, you said that that was one of your favorites, yeah. right? Yeah, and I finally fucking realizing my flow here. I, I went up a number somehow, some way. But yeah, <laughs> this is my favorite song of the album. Okay, okay, yeah. This is one of the songs that were that was a single for quite a while before mm-hmm. the album came out. But this was always a good song to me, and uh, I really like the explanation that they have mm-hmm. uh, behind this. Um, I'm just gonna read the whole thing. It's not too long. They say unconditional represents the presentness we must be willing to put into others' lives without reciprocation for a deeper understanding. Unconditional explores the, trans- the transition that must indefinitely take place in order to truly give yourself over in any kind of relationship. It is not so much having blind faith, rather it's more so careful observation of the deeper understanding on why we see a person for their flaws or imperfections in the first place. We can't turn our brains off, and to preach a blanketed statement of love and acceptance revels somewhere between naivety and idealism. But the point is to love others for their being, because that's who they are, unconditionally. I think it's natural for us as humans to seek out and seek out and want to be of people who are just like us reaffirmations of the same beliefs we all come with a set of user terms and conditions and we allow people into our lives based on if they will or will not violate our terms but then there is love 
which is not subject to the laws of our personal terms and conditions. So naturally, when you give yourself to someone completely, a transition must take place. The hope is that when someone is done listening, they can evaluate all the things they are and aren't willing to give up and accept. That's just a start. Unconditionality is a lifelong work and, admit and admittance is the first step. But that's what they had to say about the song. It's interesting. I always thought people just like finding what's not the same of themselves, though. I feel like every, what? people don't like the same thing of themselves. I feel like people would rather a different version of a different person. You get me? Uh, so I, I'm, like, I, you know, I, I'm in the other camp. I definitely yeah. think uh, like mm-hmm. uh, sort of agreeing with this of like people like to reaffirm their mm-hmm. beliefs. And uh, especially in today's society, mm-hmm. I think a lot of people like to put themselves in bubbles, mm-hmm. especially with the Internet of like. You know, you look at a person like myself who's into mm. a lot of punk rock and emo and things like that. Mm. You don't know like a lot of the bands or things like that yeah. that are in the scene, but I do. Mm. And that just sort of speaks to the bubble and and mm. just how I don't know a lot of things of mainstream media mm. again speaks to the bubble. Mm. So it's just I think a lot of people live in a bubble today. Mm. And that's, you know, I'm not going to say that's necessarily a fault because yeah. we're all victims of it. But I think that's just something that it speaks to that of like, we all live in our own bubbles. I think people always live in our own bubbles. I I, you know, we, I think now we have more access to things that we want to like be within the bubble. But I think, uh, again, I, I always say this. I think everybody thinks they're so unique until they realize they are like everybody else. Like I always know, like from what I met, I met a lot of people and I, and I also feel like when I see people, I'm like, oh yeah, you're just a different version of this person obviously with complete different life experiences and we're all unique in that sense of upbringing and collected experiences but like i've met so many people where i'm like oh you're this person but just in this form of my life you get me and i'm exactly like a lot of other people and just you know different ways of life and i just think that we're all not that different like you know all all of us and so many people that think they are like even people like let's say a kanye west who like is so unique into people's lives and stuff like that it's just really the same person in a different shell you get me in a different light. And I think, um, I don't know, like mainstream media to not, like I think everything is, I don't know. I, to me, to me, like when I look at all that stuff, I just think it all comes down to our ego. You get me? Like, I think it, when it comes down to ego and what we think we are as individuals and how much we are really connected with one another. You get me? And I think, um, I don't know. I just think in terms of that message, it's just I, subjective, but there's no really... To find an individual in today's world is to find like a needle in a haystack, but the haystack is the ocean. Well, I don't, I don't think the message is Mm -hmm. about individuality. Mm -hmm. I think it's just the message is just simply accepting people Mm -hmm. for who they are unconditionally. No, I know, but I'm I'm just saying like, but it's also saying uh, people want to be with people that are like themselves. I mean, yeah, but I. You know? I mean, I still agree with that. Mm-hmm. I, I, and, I, don't. I don't. And I mm-hmm. and I think that, like, what mm-hmm. you said, people have always done that. People have always put themselves in bubbles. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that, that this is something new. Mm-hmm. I just think that this is something more apparent mm-hmm. and more reaffirmed in today's society with the internet, where it's mm-hmm. much easier to put yourself in a bubble than it might have been before in the past because of the internet. Because mm-hmm. you look at things like algorithms and things like that, like even to say Instagram, mm-hmm. like you like one post or TikTok, which is more of an example of that you yeah, like China. one post and yeah. they know exactly what to show you. Mm-hmm. And it's it's almost a, a system that feeds itself. You mm-hmm. are feeding into this bubble mm-hmm. because you're just like you're accepting it. Mm-hmm. And um, that's just my view on it. Mm-hmm. But um, I think what's more important is just that uh I really like how they say in this explanation is that we must be willing to put uh, we must be willing to put into others lives without mm. reciprocation for a deeper understanding and uh, that they say that um 
that this isn't something that this is something that applies uh, that to truly give yourself over in any kind of relationship. And I think this isn't necessarily a romantic song, mm. even though that the cover has a little flower and stuff. Yeah. But I think this well, is just. Die. i think this just kind of speaks to general like relationships of like this is like you need Mm. to be unconditional to the people in your life always because you're never going to be on the same page as Mm. and and i think that's the biggest message it's getting across Mm. just agree to disagree and love them for who they are Mm. but i Mm. that's what i get from this song Mm. that i i I really like that message Mm. but uh we get to one of the favorite checks more than you know. Mm-hmm. Put the lyrics up right here. What's What's interesting that they say in the explanation behind this is that uh, more than you know, and the previous track, unconditional, mm-hmm. are hand in hand pieces that complement each other. Mm-hmm. That more than you know is about the unspoken acknowledgments, understandings, and sacrifices in love over the readily observable and easily said aspects. And this whole song is just about like telling the person that you care about how much you care about them without mm-hmm. saying how much you care about them because yeah. you can't find the words to say it. No, I like this as more than you know, more than a million conversations could ever expose. I think it's awesome, man. I think I, so I, that's like romantic and dope. And I think it's the beauty of like expressing love that you can't ever do it fully. Because again, love is everlasting but to the end, you know? I like when he says more than you know, every day mm-hmm. the world is turning over and over. I need you more against all logic and discernment. Wherever mm-hmm. you go, I'm going the same. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just a super romantic song, and it's just, yeah, like, man. even the little image to it is a little heart with an arrow through it and That's stuff. Awesome. And it's, like, they, uh, yeah, this is just such mm. a romance song. I, I I also love singing this song. That's awesome. I, it's, like, I really feel it when I sing this song. I'm, like, ooh. And I, I kind of <laughs> get uh, the, those uh, luau vibes mm-hmm. a little bit from this song. Yeah, I'm telling you, this is when the sound completely changes. Like, it's normal, it's normal like, ding, ding. Like, it's, it's not, like, you know, like, whatever. It's more, like, stretched out you know song you know what i'm trying to say and i feel like i wish they just kind of put that in the middle of everything you know because i feel like everything else is so similar and earlier and towards the end it's like it's a dream like i I wrote here like the tone changes to a hypnotic sound here pleasant and melancholy you know Mm -hmm. and i think that's super super important it was saves the album at the end for me Mm -hmm. but uh we get to an american dream Mm -hmm. which uh is is i really like the song Mm -hmm. especially for its chorus um where where do i where is it uh oh you love the feeling you can't let it go oh no wait damn it i got the songs mm. mixed up mm. it's uh i'll i'll get to the, my my favorite chorus in a mm. sec which okay. is in the, uh, i believe in the next song mm. let me double check yeah western medicine mm-hmm. but for an un-american dream um they he he says Un-American Dream is a direct playoff of the often idolized American Dream and censors around an immigrant father who, in facing his impending death, comes to terms with all his shortcomings and the vital and precious moments he has given up to chase something so out of reach. And, uh, so I, it's a, it's a pretty fun song, like, terms like well not fun but <laughs> yeah uh-huh. it's just uh, i like it sonically like mm-hmm. instrumentally it's good the nights are all too sober i miss our drunken dance i like yeah that. those are my mm-hmm. favorite lines the nights are all too sober i miss our drunken dance beneath the moon the howling truth of useful arrogance we'd curse the time that kept us and never understand how they would take it all for granted when they would hold it in their hands but uh it, I, I this is a pretty good song yeah and um don't have much to say other than that though Neither, yeah 
but Western Medicine is is a close sec like third of like one of my favorite songs in okay. the album. I really like the sort of like Western sound to it. Mm-hmm. it. It's very apparent in that. Every song really has a whole little different picture. It's crazy. Yeah, that's dope. Mm-hmm. But uh, uh, he says we are constantly hoping for the best in our meaning in our existence. Maybe that's human naivety or at least a tightrope act. Because if you abandon these very same self-formulated faulty expectations prescribed through the through these mediums of reasoning, you are often left with a bitter cynicism when reality falls into place. This song was written by our existential expectations that Western medicine claims to liberate us when really they are more like miracle snake oils and healthy lifestyles. Mm. And uh I love that it says are we Adam and Eve or an Adam Bomb? Yeah, that's yeah. that's a good one. I I mean awesome. I, this it has this a whole song, bunch of shit. Yeah, yeah, this song has my favorite chorus where he uh-huh. says, "Nights when the stars are falling, I'm not your knight in shining, but I still care for you the same. Days in the last train's calling, I'm not your silver lining, baby. Some things will never change." Yeah, man. And I just I love those lines so much. They're so good. I think. All that day says Mexican standoffs between me myself <laughs> and I. Yeah, it's so clever. Mm. But uh, yeah, th- this is a I, I think one of the stronger songs in the album for yeah. sure. But uh, we finally reached the final song of the album. And it's pretty short, too, the, song, the final song, right? Yeah, it's pretty it kind of, short. It goes quick. It's it's very poetic. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't jump out sonically. It's mm-hmm. very low-key. Yeah. Uh, I think there's just like a guitar playing through it. Nothing mm-hmm. more than more than that. Mm-hmm. But uh, the, the lyrics read, Through the pavement and concrete, on a breeze you, you're brought to me. Now it hold you if it meant you wouldn't go. Through the showers in the snow, you know you always seem to grow in the places that no one could ever reach. And I've been trying to figure out why we fill our heads with doubt when our hearts don't follow any other beat. And if you are listening now, I hope peace is what you found because I'm still growing in the cracks and in between and on the dark side of the road. A lily there has fully grown to remind us we are what we will be to remind us we are what we will be. You guys have read a poem book, bro. <laughs> and even though music obviously incorporates that aspect of things, you know, I just feel like still like I would love to have their stuff just being like read. You get me? Cause mm-hmm. the, but the music is great too. I just feel like they're such good writers or if it's one writer or the other writer, but they, they, they both, both write. Yeah, they, they're very incredible writers. I'll say that for sure. But mm. I'll just read the description. Mm. They also quote Tupac in this. Nice. Um, like lyrically uh they say did you hear about the rose that grew from a crack in the concrete mm-hmm. proving nature's laws laws wrong mm-hmm. it learned to walk without having feet funny seems seems to buy keeping its dreams it learned to battle fresh air long live the rose that grew from concrete when no one else even cared that's, that's tupac but they say this song is a lullaby one for you don't be so hard on yourself i know you watched the perks of being a wallflower and thought we accept the love we think we deserve and i know you think that of yourself that you don't deserve anything you compare yourself to your surroundings and get sad Mm. i do the same thing i'm always sad because i feel like a failure and then i'm angry because i'm confused and i'm confused because i thought i should know more by now but we don't know anything i know that i know nothing but it's okay I don't believe that we are the sum of our accomplishments. I think we just are, or at least I think we can just be. A flower does not think of competing to the flower next to it. It just blooms. Zen Shen. If you get anything out of this whole entire album, I hope it is a card to just bloom, to just be, and that peace finds you well. Best of luck. It's dope. 
Mm-hmm. But yeah, they they have a whole little like final thoughts and stuff at the end, mm-hmm. and like a special thanks and all this stuff. And it's a cool little booklet. I mean, it's a lot of work they put in for the booklet too. That's why it took the extra four years. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think it's important, man. I really think, and it's a special touch because again, when you put something out and you finalize the pieces that you put together in it, it really just stretches forever. Like that would always exist. You get me? And it's important, man. It's and it's like regardless of anything, like they perfected their craft and took as long as they needed to to put it out as it is. I think mm-hmm. it's really good, man. And again, I really do like this sound too. I really, really, it just again, it just the longevity of it kind of give or take for me, but it's still a very good sound and a very unique sound that I haven't heard in a while, to be honest with you. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. I definitely wanted to cover this because mm-hmm. of the fact that it's their debut album. Mm-hmm. I thought, it, you know, it's kind of a hot thing to talk about, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. uh, they, they, they've kind of made some noise and stuff in uh, recent years and stuff. Like, I, uh, searching up about this article, a lot of, uh, uh, sites and stuff are covering it and whatnot so mm. i figured it might be good for us so so take a look yeah, at man, it yeah. but um i mean there's always and, new music coming all the time you know so i yeah. feel like it's, it's just only beneficial to everybody you know and it's like in, in the sense of like our ears and what we're learning from the future yeah. and, and good music not this bullshit that's coming out <laughs> fucking and like even yeah. though even though like this might not be one of our favorites it could mm. be your favorite yeah 100 like, percent. and you definitely could listen it to this and you yeah. might love it because you definitely relate to it anybody that's listening will 100 percent relate to this like it's the truth you get me and then again it's, it's not like it's not, it's not like again i don't have um i'll tell you man the lyricism in this album is so strong that I, I like it i like it very much and it's because of the lyricism to be honest it's just my favorite aspect of everything that's why you gotta pick and choose what you like from music you know mm-hmm. that's important but yeah that was b that from was Hoax. B, man. b with the question mark <laughs> shout, shout out to beatrice <laughs> <laughs> again that's awesome though but yeah i'm glad um, that we covered this album i i didn't think we'd be covering this band but you know i mm. I, I hope they check this out that'd be cool that'd be cool as fuck <laughs> and everything i disagree with don't come at me bro <laughs> i'm just being myself <laughs> bitch <laughs> basically nah but it was definitely a great album and i don't know i gotta listen to the earlier stuff too but it's cool you saw them live and you got to see them in the studio right and everything mm-hmm. that's cool as fuck too so i feel like that interaction especially being from new york city like i think it's crucial man and queens queens, is right, queens represent is right, yeah. brooklyn uh, you know when i went to the mom jeans concert yeah. on thursday mm-hmm. uh the one opener just friends tried mm-hmm. to like shout out like other places they were like yeah. new jersey uh, and a lot of people like said yeah, yeah and i was like get the fuck out of here and then like bullshit. they said like brooklyn a lot of people were like yeah, yeah. And then, and then, uh, uh, this chick said Queens and like me and like one other person were like, yeah. And I was like, damn, ain't no one here from Queens. What the fuck? (laughs) Trash ass Queens, bro. I got it (laughs) here. Nah, Queens is cool. That's all right. right. We got fairies, motherfucker. (laughs) Whatever, bro. (laughs) We got Biggie Smalls. (laughs) That's all we need in this life of sin, bro. We got Aquafina. (laughs) And the podcast, bro. And the podcast. <laughs> we also got Nicki Minaj. <laughs> Woo. Nah, she's nice. Woo. <laughs> yeah, Jay Z. That's it. That's it, bro. But shout out to the TikTok and the Instagram one more time. If you if you listen to this long, always thank you so much because our episodes be long as fuck. But we don't give a fuck. <laughs> Better be listening. Better be listening. Slime. <laughs> CFO slime and everybody else. Uh, TikTok Earth Mind Matter Pod, Instagram Earth Mind Matter Pod, YouTube Earth Mind Matter, mm-hmm, True mm-hmm. Social, Twitter, and Getter coming real soon. <laughs> yeah. We gotta figure out how we're gonna run that shit and everything. But yeah, man. 
fucking crazy episode. <laughs> I, felt, I felt like this was a pretty good episode. It was a pretty good put, episode. Put, put a good twist. <laughs> I really, I really enjoyed the New York Times story with the guy with the Riverside. Riverside Drive. That, that was honestly super surprising to me, to be honest with you. So Thanks. Let's fucking go. And we got another <laughs> one coming this week too. You got another mm-hmm. episode coming tomorrow, motherfuckers. <laughs> what are we talking about today? Oh, oh, oh what are we talking about today? Oh, oh, What's oh, happening on the earth? In our minds. And why it matters. Everybody matters. Ah! <laughs>